I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside podcast. My name is Joel Moran, and I'm here with River Brown, Angie Velez, and Joe Dells. And this is episode 343. In this episode, we're going to revisit both the Raptors and the Knicks after the OG trade, talk about the Jazz's recent play, discuss the Western Conference wild race for the first seed. Then we will pivot and preview the NFL wild card playoffs. Episode 343. This is going to be a good one. Split show, jam-packed, talking about the NBA and the NFL. I'm very excited for this weekend in the playoffs. A lot of great sir. sports happening right now. We got some movies coming up this upcoming weekend. Basketball's been pretty awesome to watch. Uh, definitely uh, got a lot to talk about today. How so, you guys doing? How you doing, Rick? The Philly's hat. <laughs> uh, once again, I'm not a Philly fan. Okay. I'm an Houston Astros fan. fan. Yeah. Die um, hard. Just day in, one. I wouldn't say die hard. Definitely okay. wouldn't say day one. Definitely got there when they won a chip. Um, for sure, front runner. But uh, <laughs> I had a good week. I had a what good day. Yeah. Rev, let's talk about. It. We played basketball yesterday. Yeah, tell him how you hurt and you're acting like a pussy. Uh the unfortunate truth <laughs> is that he's right. Complaining all day. <laughs> my leg, my leg, my I wouldn't leg. say I was complaining all day. All I did was bring it up to you that I got po- I got violated yesterday. Me and Rev played basketball yesterday. Uh, it was the first time I played basketball. My God, in months. Because we have the the league coming up on Tuesday, like we were talking about. And first game back, not horrible. Hit a shot, hit a couple shots. But it was the last game that we played. And I'm driving to the basket. I try to hit a Euro. And the guys at the gym just don't know how to play defense ever. They're just hacking, just swiping, really just trying to do anything to get the ball. It pisses me off, but you live with it. I don't know. I'm, I'm one of the stronger guys, too. So they go. I make my step. I make my second step. And as I go to do that, some dude's knee goes right into my quad. Goes right into my quad, and I fall to the floor. Why are you laughing at me, Riv? Riv's <laughs> an asshole. And, inst- and instead of calling foul, which I never like to call fouls, I like for the other person to be honorable and say, yeah, I fouled him. Because that's what you should do as a, as a normal person. They when didn't I, call a foul? When I fouled some, they did, surprisingly. Okay. Because there was another time earlier in the game where I'm driving to the paint also, they swipe at me again, and in swiping at me, he pops me in my face and then gets the ball, and they take it. The guy who's playing defense on me was like, bro, why don't, why don't you call that? Uh-huh. I was like, I'm not going to do that. Like, they can also just be respectful and, and call the foul themselves. So they actually gave that one to me, and I'm on the floor, and I'm laughing because I called and one. And it hits me. I'm like, yo, fuck my leg. It hurts like hell. I get up. It takes me some time. I still have the singer. I play the rest of the game, but then we leave the gym. And I go to him. I'm like, yo, my leg is fucked up. I go to sleep. I can't sleep. My leg is just keeping me awake. I move. Every time I move, it's hurting me a little bit. But for the first day back, I don't think it was not nearly as bad as the first time I played last time with Riv. The one that he was like, yo, he couldn't make shit. And I was like, yeah, that was true. But this time around, we both played okay. Uh, definitely could have played win? better. Uh, we won one game. We, we played three. Yeah. It, it was. It's just funny because as you fell, I was limping, and I turned around limping, like trying to run to get my limp off. And I seen you on the floor, and I was like, if they realize we're both hurt, we're like so fucked right now. Because the only people move. with offense in the, in that team was me and Rip. Mm-hmm. 
And it was ugly. Damn, sorry, ass team. Are you the type of person, <laughs> person that laughs at pain? Yes. Definitely. Yeah. I was laughing while I was in Like, I the, seen him. I limped. I turned around. And I started laughing. I was like, why is he And the, the funny thing floor? about it is, like River was saying earlier, his hamstring got fucked up. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching him, and he's, like, trying to make sudden movements. And he's, like, grimacing a little bit. And I said, dude, why don't you just take it easy? We're just at the gym. We have the game on Tuesday. Bigger fish to fry. He's like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. He was good. Mm-hmm. He was driving to the pain. He was running fine, playing defense fine. And then, ironically, I was the one that ended up leaving the most hurt. But I was happy to get back on the court. I realized that first game is always the worst. In terms of cardio-wise, you just start to feel like your chest starts to, to burn a little bit. But once you're in that second, third, fourth game, that's when you start to feel good. But that first game... Break off the nerves. It's, well, that too. Because, bro, there was this one guy at the gym. And I, hadn't, I said it. I haven't played ball in a minute. This one dude was just jumping out the gym, cockbacks and everything, just yamming it. I'm like, come on, bro, I can't watch this. He did like a windmill. Now he was wilding. He was he was he was playing very very good, but it was cool. It was cool. Definitely didn't play as bad as a as the first time. So that was a positive. How are you doing, Dells? I'm doing good. Wasn't playing basketball yesterday. I uh, got a gym workout in though. Hit some legs. Um, calm though. Didn't injure myself. Did not injure myself. Uh, I respect you playing through it, Drew. You know, you've, uh, you've had a, a fair share of uh, injury scares throughout the years. But one thing about you, you're going to get back on that court, man. That's for damn sure. The, I love the game. I love the game. The game sometimes does not love me the same. But you know what? That's the price you got to pay sometimes. We have two major announcements to make. One of the announcements is that we are partnered with Prospects. And you can use code PAS. For a 100% match up to $100 when you deposit and use our code. Prospects is very easy to use. Download the app. It's available in over 30 states. You just go more or less on whatever stats you want to pick or player you want to choose. And it's very easy. And then like that, you get a payout if you win. And they even have flex play. So you can get up to one or two wrong and you can still get a payout. Won't be as much if you just go straight up. But it's still a payout nonetheless. I, I've been doing my thing on prospects recently. I've been, I've been showing you my plays. I've been hitting up the chat. I've been in the mud. I, I've been in the green recently. Mm. I've been doing my I've thing. I've been in the less more than the more. That's for sure. Before we move on, Joel, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I've been watching this show called Switch That Birth with Jess. Mm. It's a oh, very like a good show. I have heard about I know that. that show is. Uh-huh. is it a reality show or is it a... No, it's a show. It's, it's a, it's like a, a TV drama. drama. Oh, okay, it's okay. a TV family drama. It's... Basically, what the title is, yeah. two babies switched at birth, family was raising him for like 16 years, and he finally meet, and that's just what the show is about. I finished uh, The Light We Cannot See on Netflix the other night. Bro, that shit was so good. Let me ask it's you like another- four episodes. I'm sorry, what's the name yeah. of it? The Light We Cannot See. Okay. Like Netflix limited series, four episodes. Shit was mad good. If you need a Netflix show to watch, something quick. What's it about? It. Um, it's basically about this blind girl, and this is like Nazi Germany in like the 40s. Oh, geez. Um, and she's- transmitting radio signals for like bombers and stuff oh, and then shit. there's this uh there's this nazi who really likes her and like likes what she's talking about because she like tells stories and stuff and uh-huh. he's supposed to be basically tracking her down but he's trying to avoid it so it's like all the shit that goes down with that it was phenomenal she's actually blind in real life really yeah the actress Only and this four was episodes? four episodes yeah this was the first time uh she had ever acted and when i read she was so fucking good she won awards and shit for it she was so fucking good the light yeah, we cannot see that yeah. sounds awesome yeah, it's mad good have you seen the Netflix original series Beef? I watched like the first episode, and I never like kept up. It's a great series. Yeah, I think and uh, they just had the Golden Globe Awards. Two of the actors won awards from that show. They actually did a tremendous job. All the light we cannot see, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. 
All right, I'm interested. Mad good. Let me ask you a question about Switch that. I was. Um, Are you watching that because Jess wanted to watch it? She just had it on. Those are the best. After a couple episodes, I'm like, wait, hold up. Hold up. What's going on here? <laughs> that, I'm like, this is getting too good. I'm, I'm, I got to tune in. The memes of, of of people saying when your girlfriend's watching a show and you're like, nah, I don't want to watch that. And then you watch that first episode. <laughs> to be honest with you, almost, I, let me say nine out of ten times Alexandra's watching a show I'm watching. I'm just like, I'm interested. <laughs> I'm interested in what's going to go on. So I don't understand why. It's, it's Why is it a bad thing? The only show I watch is Two and a Half Men right now. That's a banger. Show. Shit is it's just hilarious. so fucking funny. It's comedy. Yeah. Men, men, men. Switch That Birth is kind of like One Tree Hill. Loved One it Tree Hill. It has that vibe to it. I never watched One Tree Hill, but I know that it's an all-timer. It's an all, it's yeah. classic. One, yeah. one Tree Hill got it. me hooked. Like After the first episode, I was like, God damn, I got to watch yeah. 10 more. Season one through six, one of them ones. Okay. Yeah. Kind of falls off after you know Lucas. and Switch That Birth, the, the kicker to this show is that one of the girls that switched that birth that is with you know another family, uh-huh. she... After she was three, she's deaf. So they have deaf characters in the show that do sign language. Mm. And, like, that's how they communicate. So, like, um, the, majority of the, a- the majority of the actors can speak, but some are deaf. And they're actually real-life deaf. Yeah. So in the show, you know, they represent deaf people. And I think it's, pr- it's pretty good. It's interesting. That's pretty crazy. I usually like to watch my shows, like, background-wise. You know, I do other things and then watch the show. But with this one... When they're on screen, I got to like, okay, I got to read the subtitles now. I got to lock in. Uh It's like I'm watching anime. That's like that new Marvel show that just came out. Echo, the the girl is, is, well, she... She is deaf, and she has to use sign language, which I'm pretty sure she's deaf in real life also. That's pretty crazy that they're starting to to really open up to that. The second huge announcement we got to make is that we have decided on the hoodies that we will be using for the merch drop. So right here at this table, Dells is not wearing his hoodie. but I actually didn't even peep. You guys all had it on. Yeah, we all had it on. So Riv got the hoodie that we did not vote on. It was voted three to one. Drew and I are wearing the hoodies. We're going to sell them in black and in that cream color. It is a streetwear kind of boxy fit feel. We're not going to do print on demand. We're going to do direct to consumer. So we're getting the blank hoodies. We're going to put the logo on ourselves. We're going to ship it directly to you just to make it more personal. And yeah, it was between the boxy streetwear hoodie, this one, and the one that Riv got on. And for me, I chose this one because... The softer one, the one that Riv got on, it's more of a snug fit. And it didn't really fit me that well. And for all the big boys out there, this is a much better fit. It, it gives you a lot of breathing room. It looks good. I like the charcoal. This is a skinny nigga hoodie. For sure. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> the, the tight one's a skinny. skinny I tried it on. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's not for me. And you had the 2XL <laughs> one? Yeah, I had the 2XL. The 2XL fit like an XL. Really? Mm-hmm. I was going to say, because that XL definitely felt good. Like, I was yeah. comfy in the hoodie. It's just the color for me. I would rather the sand as opposed to the cream. I don't know if you could tell the difference on camera, but I'm feeling... You definitely we, can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, like it's, His is mine's lighter. A little, I was going to say, just darker. Facts. Yeah. But yeah, that's how it fits. It's going to be streetwear. We're probably going to get the merch launching in February. Uh, we already are in the final steps of everything. So thank you guys for being patient with the, the merch drop. And now we're, we're about to Listen, get into the and show. And before we get into the show, if you guys are tuned in, one, we appreciate you. Go ahead and like the stream. Definitely will help us out there. If you're not already tuned in, if you're not already subscribed to the channel, what are you guys doing? Go ahead, subscribe to the channel. Turn on the notification bell so you know when we go live like nights like tonight. And make sure to subscribe to the channel. Let's get into the first topic of the show. Because the Raptors and the Knicks recently made a trade and at first there was a lot of debate of who won the trade 
and I think the consensus was that both teams won. Mm-hmm. And I think right now where we sit, that's still the case, and that's probably still going to be the case for this foreseeable future. But we're going to talk about why those two teams have won the trade in their perspective so far. And let's start off with the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks get an OG and an OB. This is a different team. You know, in the in the five games before we had OG, our defense fell off a cliff. We couldn't guard anybody. In the five games with OG, he has the highest plus minus at plus 111. There have been two major lineups that the Knicks have used with OG. The first one, they've played 175 possessions. It's Brunson, DiFincenzo, OG, Randall, Hartenstein. They're plus 20, 126 offensive rating and 106 defensive rating. Mm. There's another line at 52 possessions. It's Brunson, Hart, OG, Randall, Harnstein, plus 71.8, 138.5 offense rating, 66.7 defense. Holy rating. shit. How many so, minutes was that for possession? This is 52 possessions. So it's not still much. pretty elite, low, though. Low sample size. But I think... 66 is mental. OG just fits our team so well because he's a floor spacer. He's a great cutter, and I think that's spacing that the Knicks offense needed. And then on the other side, you know, defense turning into offense, you know, playing the passing lanes, being great on the perimeter, getting steals, contesting great, his closeouts, his help defense. I think that OG has been a, a seamless fit. I really like where the Knicks are at right now. I feel like we're one step closer at true contention this is not the move to move us, you know, to the top of the Eastern Conference, but it's one step closer there. You're waiting for him to get a little delusional. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was and, hoping and, and you know, you know the thing? I'm gonna get a little delusional here. Let's do it. Why not? There, it's the delusional. best part of being a fan. There is a take that I got that I've been waiting to say. All right, I'm here for it. This the year Julius Randle translates to the playoffs. Here we go. I thought this it was last year. Is the year I wanted something better, but we're here. Julius Randle is gonna play great. But what guess else what? Do you want? Saying Knicks go to the finals, but no, that's what we I go to these college finals. If Julius Randle translates into playoffs, there is not a team I don't feel comfortable that we don't got a chance against in the Eastern Conference, including Boston, including Boston, <laughs> including Boston. Because <laughs> we got OG, he's a Jalen Brown stopper. You know, OG's a Jalen Brown. Who's the Tatum stopper? Oh, you know, he could get his. Now, see, your the, answer should have been Jason Tatum's or Jason who's Tatum's. Who's the KP stopper? stopper? Mitchell Robinson, if he back, because you see back? Mitch, there's reports there's, that he yeah. could come back. I think, uh, I think ECF's in the conversation for you guys. You like, I do think, uh, I think that's more so about the other teams in the East because the Knicks have been sensational these last five games. Number one defensive rating, number ten offensive rating. OG shooting like 45, 46% from three on, on over four threes. The the fit's been great. You know, that's what we saw. But I do think in the East, we have Boston right now, who's been sensational. You know, best record in the NBA, undefeated at home. Um, but right now the Sixers and Milwaukee, they look, they, they look vulnerable. And yes, Miami's probably Miami. right there too because Jaime has come in and you know been absolutely fucking insane. Nightmares. Of course, you got Bam, Jimmy Butler, and they just extended Spo to an insane contract. Um, but right now the Bucks defense, we've been saying all season long, I know it's creeping up, right? Drew was saying a couple weeks ago, it's up to 20 now. I see too many times throughout <laughs> when they're playing that they just can't get stops. Yeah. I mean, they, they played Utah, who we're going to talk about. Um, later on where they, they couldn't stop anyone. They had like 40 points in the first quarter, yeah. I wanted to say. Um, like three games in a row, they've given up almost yeah, 40 so points in the first. Th- this Bucks defense has not gotten better. And then Philly, um, you know, they've probably been better maybe overall, but you still have those question marks in the in the postseason with Joel Embiid. And also you got some size, especially if Mitch is back um, with him and Hartenstein to be able to, to bang with Embiid down low. So I do think an ECF run for the Knicks is in the conversation. You know, those are two teams that I look at the Knicks, the way they're playing right now. Those are two beatable teams. Of course, you have the Heat in that conversation too. And Boston, I would still put at the top. But if I'm, an, if I'm a Knicks fan right now, 
We'll talk about RJ and IQ because they're killing it in Toronto. But focus what OG is giving you. He's giving you fantastic defense. He's been one of the best three-point shooters in the league, period. And you guys won five in a row. Wins over Philadelphia. Smoked them. Um, wins over the Timberwolves' first game with OG. That was a double-digit win, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, lit. or seven-point win around over that. Over the Bulls, too. Um, I forget the that. Bulls, who are a scrappy team. Mid. You know, so they've gotten, uh, they got night. some good Ws. Kobe White, baby. Blind score finds an acorn, you know? Huh? I, you know, blind score. They're scrappy. Find Bulls we're are scrappy. right now. We're climbing. I the see bu- that. The yeah, Bulls aren't like a bottom You thought tier. Atlanta would be better. It's They're like a game if, and Listen, if you're way. not like Detroit, Four? Spurs. No, it's not. Wizards. Like, you're it. you're yeah, a respectable it. team for the most part. Hey, listen, man. We 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 knew energy with Kobe White, man. But, it's um, him. Yeah, he, he's, he's... And he's you saw Levine last night. Levine played the game. Winning basketball. Second game, I want to say. Game and a half, like I said. Oh, fuck. What was Imagine if Mitch was on this like was playing with OG and Ruby. Like this defense would be like top top of the league for sure. Yeah. I think you need Mitch in those matchups against Philly. I think you need Mitch in those matchups against Boston. I don't think I think if you don't have him, I don't think you come out of those series because Mitch is just once he's a great offensive rebounder, great rim protector, he's a great defender, and you just need him to like like uh, Dell's mentioned, pound down low with Embiid, even the, the Bam out of bios for sure. Kristaps Porzingis, like you need him for those matchups, but. Nonetheless, Brunson's been elite this year. You bring in OG, who we like. This is why OG was so highly touted amongst other teams because he can fit seamlessly in any role in the league, and he can be an elite defender in any type of system. And he he's come to the Knicks. He's been an elite defender for you guys. You know that's why I thought you guys won the trade because this once you, this brings you a step closer in the East to a. Honestly, it's really just Boston, and then of course you got Miami, Philly, the Bucks. But the Boston's the best team in the East by far. But then those other three teams, the Knicks can sneak into that conversation. They last year they wasn't even supposed to beat Cleveland, and they end up beating Cleveland. Smoke. They take Miami to six, you know. So anything can happen in a series. It's all matchup dependent. But you bring in a guy like OG who can defend your best player, who can disrupt your best player, who can also hit the shot. He cannot be a liability. You can't leave him out there open. That's just another guy that can, you know, bring something good to the team. And then you got these other guys, Dante DiVincenzo off the bench. Who you're welcome. He's been uh he's he's just been great for you. Guys. He's you know, starting now. He's dog. Yeah. You're welcome. Wish he was a Laker. Randall realizing I'm just bigger than 95 percent of the league. Should I'm have just known gonna this. Just, I'm just gonna bully ball. Jalen Brunson up in his game. You know this team is definitely like starting Grimes to, off the bench. Yeah, like this team is starting to have that camaraderie, and they're starting to come together. And what? Come on, come on now. Right. I fucked up. I fucked up. And you wanted to be the asshole. He was going to go right past the two. Yeah, I was going to go right. Everybody was going to be good. I was going to let him run. You chose to be the dickhead. No, it's okay. I'll get my moment again. I'll get my moment again. But um, shout out to the Knicks. Shout out to the Knicks for sure. Five and zero since acquiring OG Ananobi. They went from eighth in the Eastern Conference to fourth. His numbers, averaging 14 a game, 55% from the field, 45% from three in these five games. Ninth in offensive efficiency, 14th in defensive efficiency, eighth in net rating. The Knicks team is fun right now, man. Dante DiVincenzo, OG Ananobi, with Jalen Brunson giving you some of the best three-point shooting in the league. This is a good three-point shooting team right now, shooting around 37 38% from three. QG coming off the bench. You mentioned Deuce McBride also. McBride getting an extension a couple of days ago as well. This team's starting to form very nice with one another. And if Mitch Robinson can come back towards the end of the season ready for playoff basketball, 
This is not a team that teams want to go up against in the playoffs because they're just so physically imposing. The way that Isaiah Hardenstein has been playing in his absence has been awesome for them. Joel already mentioned the lineup efficiencies when it is Jalen Brunson, Dante DiVincenzo, OG Ananobi, Randall, and Hardenstein. He is a great plug-and-play player. That's what we knew when the Knicks acquired him last season. But Mitchell Robinson also just gives you a little bit more of a presence. He's more of a body, better rebounder, just a more physically imposing player down low. Obviously, you get the two of them. When teams are desperate for backup bigs, they have some of the best big play in the association, truthfully. But I look at this team. They're, they're playing some great sound basketball right now. They're playing some of the best defense in basketball, and that's why you go and you make a, a move that is best for the fit of the team, which is what I was vocal about. I may not have liked the exit of uh, Isaiah, uh, excuse me, Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett, but at the same time, I understood fit is better for certain teams. And OG Ananobi fit so many teams. Just so happened he went to the to New York Knicks. And now he's making a difference for him. Has, uh, has Stephen A. apologized for his, some dude named Hartenstein? He did. <laughs> he came out and said Did you guys see his Wicklock? He's been thing. OD. Yo, you he bitch. <laughs> you fat <laughs> piece of shit. He <laughs> nah, killed he so me. Yeah. He went so He crazy. killed me. That was I I never seen Stephen A. talk that crazy. What, what was the originated like? I don't know. What originated? Jason Whitlock was saying something to to Stephen A. I don't know what he said. Obviously, he, must some foul he shit basically said that uh, Stephen A. has a lot of lies in his book. The book that Stephen A. What wrote about book? himself, the oh. memoir. That there are a lot of lies that don't add up. Mm. And like Whitlock lies at ESPN. I'm assuming no lies about himself? his upbringing and oh, that's crazy. His life story. Oh my god, that's what he said. He was like uh, because. <laughs> One I, see of the why, things, I see why Stephen A. said what he said now. Yeah, one of the things was that Stephen A. Smith said that he broke his kneecap his first game at a Winston-Salem State, and Jason Whitlock was able to get a graphic where it said Stephen A. Smith averaged 1.5 points per game. So Whitlock is, well, how can you how could you have broke your kneecap in the first game when you averaged 1.5 points per game? You, you only play one game. It's impossible to average 1.5. <laughs> so he was just basically diving into... Stephen A's book and just Why questioning so everything that uh, Stephen A said because he thinks that Stephen A is a puppet that ESPN is like uh, putting in front of the masses. I also saw this this uh, this video of this dude quoting or or showing a, a tweet from Jason Whitlock that he, was, he got an advertisement on ESPN. It was like go balls deep. And he was like, "Why are we showing this on ESPN?" And then the guy broke it down saying advertisements are made. Oh, on the website, specifically right? Yeah, 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 just yeah, yeah. To, to go off what you've been searching. <laughs> so Willock, I, he kind of incriminated himself go there. But that was funny as hell. I, I, I was shocked to see Stephen A reply that like that. Just for the idea, sometimes you got to let hate be hate. And I was having this conversation with my pops. It's like, if you say you don't care and you go and you make some remarks like saying, hey, I don't care and you're making it out to the public, what are people going to say? You care. Obviously, he cares in this situation. He did not hold back whatsoever. He had an hour-long episode strictly addressing Jason. I didn't even watch the hour-long thing. I just yeah, watched no, the no, two no, minutes. That wasn't good. Yeah, an hour-long talking straight Jason Whitlock. Straight I've never watched Steve Whitlock. Unless ever. it was about, like, Steph. With respect, I don't really care that much about Jason Whitlock. To I don't either. Oh, yeah. You know, you were mentioning Isaiah Hartenstein, and I, I really feel like he's been an unsung hero for That's us. Yeah, so good. because it's so good. In the absence of Mitch, we expected a defense to drop off, the interior rim presence to drop off, and Isaiah Hartenstein has been an elite rim protector since Mitch has been out. He's been an elite rebounder, and I think offensively, it flows better when he's in the game because he can roll just as well as Mitch, mm -hmm. and he also offers some passing in the low post as well. 
So I think he's been an unsung hero in this Knicks offense and our defense being so good. And people aren't talking about this, but once we get Mitch back healthy, the Knicks are once again going to have one of the best benches in basketball with Josh Hart, with Hartenstein. That is two of the better players off the bench in the NBA. And I'm kind of tired of Jalen Brunson getting disrespected. I know that Becky Hammond came out with a comment that said, you know, he's too small to be the number one option on a championship team. I don't I don't disagree with that take, and I don't think that's a hot take. You know, I think that's the right take. But for some reason, there are still people that talk about Jalen Brunson like he is not in the tier of Donovan Mitchell or he is not somebody that can lead you to playoff wins when he's shown that he can. I mean, you know, Stephen A. Smith was clamoring for Donovan Mitchell for us to go get him because he wasn't satisfied with Brunson. Brunson just eliminated Mitchell in the playoffs. He just outplayed him in the playoffs. And I just don't know why Brunson is not getting his proper due, his respect as one of the stars in the league. He might not be the best player on the championship team, but that does not mean he's still not an all-NBA caliber player. And when I spoke about Randall transiting to the playoffs, I think that this year his game is going to transit to the playoffs because in previous years he's caught the ball very far from the basket. He settled for mid-range fadeaway jump shots, a common critique everybody had about his game. But this year, he's driving to the basket much more. He's catching the ball deeper into the post. He's just playing a more efficient brand of basketball that I think will translate to the postseason. And I, I think if he translates to the postseason, the Knicks got a chance to make the East Conference Finals. I went through. Yeah, that, that Heat team honestly feels like a sleeping giant of sorts because we're all talking about Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, of course. But that, that oh my God. I feel like, I don't know if it's because of the lack of regular season success they've had, at least last season, but this Heat team, they're going to they're gonna be right in that conversation again. Um, but quickly, though, to talk about the Raptors, because we talk about the Knicks. The Raptors haven't been winning as much, but the trade they made for RG, RJ and IQ has been sensational. You know, individually, they're playing great. They haven't, of course, not going on five, six-game win streaks. They got cheated um, on one game. Huh? They, the Raptors got cheated on one game. Did you watch the tape, or are you just I'm chatting? I think you saw it. Oh, the is Lakers this the Lakers game? game? Sure. Oh, yeah, oh, the yeah, Lakers yeah. Did you yeah. watch it, or are you just chatting? <laughs> I say, what game? 25 free throws to one is crazy. Again, how many intentional fouls were there? There were eight. Okay, so it, there were 16 free throws. That's still I a lot to one. What, <laughs> regardless. I, and, and I watched it back. Me and Drew were talking about yeah. it yesterday, and I think what I told him yesterday was I think Raptors fans are more upset that they only got two free throws as opposed to the Lakers getting yes, that. that's what it's And about. you watch it back, there were... Two instances where there should have been whistles for the Raptors and they didn't get it. Well, that's the problem. Scotty and I'm, but you saying, gets fouled a few times. But the the twenty you mentioned the twenty something free throws again. That, game, 16, that was a good ass game. Too good. Yeah, too good. Because down the stretch the Raptors just, just were not going away. The moving, the moving screen late shot. in the game should have not been called. That, that was, was not. A but foul. it was not. It was not a legal screen. Anthony Davis flopped. But that, RJ didn't have his feet set. It wasn't really moving screen. It was ticky tacky. For for them to call it in that situation was it was nuts. a little ticky tacky. I don't know. I I was fine with the call. Obviously, I want to see us win. But at the same time, watching it back, trying to be unbiased in the situation, RJ wasn't set. And but, yes, uh, R, you could say Anthony Davis flopped because he does have a history of flopping. But he he got his ass set. He I, clearly I think, flopped. I think the most encouraging thing though is RJ shooting splits. Facts. He's averaging twenty two. But he's shooting damn near 60% from the field, 54% from three, rounding up here a bit, and 77% from the line. How long is that going to um, last? 
Listen, 60% from the field, 54% from three, it's not going to last. It's just he's not going to turn into the best shooter of all Sorry, time. Sorry, Jay, shoot 40 for a season. Oh, come on. We saw him shoot 40 for a season. But no, we, that was a lot of corn we, just, we just want him to 40 be. 40 is 40. We want him to be around like that 37%. If he could settle around that 37%, that's what you're looking for. And then IQ is giving you 19 points, really good efficiency as well, 46% from three. Um, but six assists to one turnover, that's what stands out to me. You know, he's doing a really good job playmaking, really good job. Um, protecting the ball and that's what we really wanted to see with this with this trade is iq getting a chance to quote unquote lead his own team right be the point guard on the team of course still got scotty there uh dennis Schroeder is going to get minutes at point guard too but i love what both these guys have been doing for toronto of course the pressure's off for uh for rj um he's even said that like going to his his favorite team growing up is a, is a dream for him um had a nice moment there with lebron right after the game where they kind of hugged talked for a little bit i'm sure he gave him some some words of wisdom too but uh I think for both sides, we said it, you know, when the when the trade happened, this is a win-win. And so far through five, six games, it's been a win-win. Here's the thing. Um, I'm not going to go to Joel route because I'm sure Joel is going to, you know. What am I going to say? I, just, I don't know. But I, <laughs> I will say, uh, I think we all, to a degree, understood that if IQ went to his own team and he was, not his own team, but if he went to another team, get that starting position, he'll put up some solid numbers. You know, he'll be a good playmaker. And I think the fit next to Scotty has been pretty easy for him. You know, it's been seamless defensively. He's been solid as a playmaker. He's been making the right decisions. You know, he's been good, not turning over the ball too much. The thing with RJ is the the problem with what RJ has shown us in his career is that he can do this. He can have a, maybe not the same splits, but he can have a streak of where he puts up 30, 20, 25, 20, 20, double, double, double. And then he goes on this insane slump. And I think, like, as you mentioned it, the three-point shooting is what's been moving because it's like he's been able to hit at a consistent rate. Yeah, he's been able to hit at a consistent rate. But the problem is how long is it going to last? You know, historically in his career, he hasn't been a good three-point shooter. But if he can hover around the 36, 37 range, be a respectable three-point shooter, play a manageable defense, be a good slasher, then RJ can be a really good role player. It's just about, for RJ, if he can be consistent at it. How long? Because, like I mentioned, he's done this before. This is not... Nothing new. We haven't seen him not do this in the NBA. We've seen him shoot 40% from the yeah. three-point line. We've seen him have 10-game, 12-game stretches. It's just about now how long is this going to last and how long can he continue this stretch? And it's also something about the shadow that's not lurking in the background for RJ anymore. I feel like you mentioned this when we first talked about the trade. The pressure of being the number three overall pick in the biggest market in the United States, the, the the New York media is going to crucify you if you're not living up to that number three overall pick, especially when the two guys that went before you were Zion Williamson and John Morant. R.J. Barrett, whether he lived up to people's expectations or not, which obviously he did not because now he's no longer on the New York Knicks. Now you're over there in Toronto. There's so much less pressure on you. Now you're back home also. There's a little bit more comfortability with with R.J. Barrett and his situation right now. So, of course, it's great to see him playing great basketball at this current point in time. Joel's right, of course. It's not going to be sustainable. He's, 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 he's being a little bit bitter while also joking at the same time. <laughs> but he has shown that he can shoot 40%. I think it's more realistic to get in that 37 38%, finish the season off strong in that regard, just to show you've made improvements to your game because the biggest thing, like you just said, is consistency. He's failed to show us that from... from from so far in his career. 
But Emmanuel quickly and what he's been able to do. I mean, this is really what was exciting for me with the Raptors in this deal. You get that that young guard, put him next to a Scotty Barnes who's having himself an all-star caliber season. And you knew once his minutes would increase that the production would follow. He's been awesome from three. I think at this point, six attempts, 46, almost 47% from three in his time with Toronto so far. He's been pretty great. But... It's just a matter of of building something for the future with the Toronto Raptors. The uncertainty of what's going to happen with Pascal Siakam in that situation at the trade deadline. You you saw OG piece that fall first, but now we understand that Pascal with what's going to happen. Who knows whether he's going to stay, whether he's going to get an extension, or whether he's going to get traded at the deadline. I feel like Toronto's story is still in the making, but with the Knicks, I feel like they're their payouts being shown earlier than the Raptors because we don't know what the finished product is yet for the Toronto Raptors. I think the Raptors payout is being shown because they're a fun team to watch now. Fair. Uh, I go on YouTube TV and I look at league pass teams and I look at who I want to watch and I find myself watching more Raptors games it's now. It's because of RJ. It's because of IQ you miss and RJ. It's do, both. Do you feel it's like, both like, like that's like the X maybe? that just Yeah, the, both fingers. of them being there is, is the reason why RJ I'm watching hurt you. Them. RJ doesn't hurt me. I mean... I have no, no, not that it hurts you. I'm saying he hurt you. No, I have nothing against RJ. I mean, I his second year into the league, halfway into it, I kind of knew, okay, I have to temper my expectations with him a lot. And I really don't agree with the media being such a, a difference. I know that New York and Toronto are different, but I feel like a lot of Knicks fans exercise patience with RJ. Anybody that thought RJ was not going to be great was the one getting crucified. People didn't start getting on RJ's back until this year when he went on his slump. You think so? Yes. I, I think the year that they made the playoffs and he was terrible. I feel like people gave him shit for it. The same like Julius Randle. They gave him shit for it, but he wasn't the main, the major guy to be blamed for it. It was Randle. So, all the heat went to Randall. I feel like Knicks fans only exercised patience with RJ. They were still holding out hope. With the Raptors, he's playing better. I don't think the splits are going to continue, but he's still somebody that could average 20 points per game in the in the right system. I think that their payout is being shown now because they're a much better offense. They're an exciting offense. With IQ, RJ, Scotty, Pascal, and Yaka Pirtle, they have 121 offensive rating. Their shoe, they have an EFG of 62%. So they've been efficient. They're getting out in transition much more. And a lot of Raptors fans, when they watched the games before RJ and IQ, in the half court, they weren't able to do anything. Mm -hmm. It was an offense that was very bland and boring. Now, because you added another creator in IQ, and you have RJ who can you know drive to the basket, now it's opened up their half court offense as well. So I just think they're a much better product to watch. The Pascal Domino, we're not sure where it's going to fall yet. He could very well still end up in Toronto after all said is done. But this this team is a good team. I think they have some cornerstones to build around. It's Scotty, it's RJ, it's IQ. It, you know, who knows where RJ fits in all that. But as of right now, he's a new player on the Raptors. So Raptors fans will exercise even more patience for him for at least a, a year or two, and then they'll come to, an, to come to a conclusion on him. But for the most part, I don't think he's shown them anything to not be excited about. And he's from Canada, so that just boosts, yeah. you know, his brand there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the national appeal to it. What's national yeah. nationalism? Mm-hmm. Is that it? That's fine. What I think this next? trade was good. Yeah. You know, that's it. That's the analysis. You know, win-win trade so far. Thousand dollars. 
No, 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 no. I uh, I did the 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 look at. It. We just got a, a super chat. Uh, shout out to our guy Bloyer. It's Colombian. It's Colombian. Correct. Uh, oh, it's, it translates to seven dollars and fifty eight cents. Cool, hey, shout bro. out! Woo. Shout that out, man! Was twenty nine. Let's Columbia's read these super there. chats. We got one from the guy. Thunder take one seat tonight. One seat tonight, boys. We're gonna be talking about the one seats. We will. Lawyer goes. Yo, big fan from Colombia. Any opinions on the Pelicans getting hot and blowing? The Warriors out. <laughs> they are low-key being slept Pels on. Pels are being slept on. They've been playing really good basketball. Uh, I'll, I'll hand that to Riv, though. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Warriors getting blown out by the Pelicans? Oh, no? Why? Are you I, done watching the Warriors? No, I haven't been watching 10 o'clock games. Oh, okay. I, it's really... You I, do have early mornings. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to watch. I caught the game during 11th period the next day, though. I try to watch it throughout 11th the 11th period? Oh, shit. 11 o'clock. I was going to say, yeah. how Third many periods period. you got? In yeah, I try, I try to watch it throughout the day during uh, the periods. Um, what Frank text you? Frank didn't text me last night. Oh, I think okay. he, he might have ended it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, see, he might have ended it all. Um, yeah, no, nah, the, the Pelicans have been playing good. The Warriors stink. Um, B.I.'s been hooping. C.J.'s been hooping lately. Trey Murphy. They, they're just the, – the thing with the Mention Pelicans – everyone but Zion? Oh, no, I was going to mention, but – it was, it was no point to mention it all because I was just going to stop and say this. The thing okay. with the Pelicans is they probably have one of the most boom or bust potentials out of all the top teams in the West because they're so fucking talented, yet they have all these pieces clammed together and it doesn't necessarily fit all too well. Mm-hmm. But credit to them, they've been playing well lately. So, But there's so many teams in the West playing well. you know. But credit to the Pelicans, though. You know, this probably speaks to this team being good at the right time and the Warriors also collapsing. But the Jazz are 8-2 in their last 10 games. They are 12-4 and in their last 16 games. And they are now ahead of the Warriors in a Western Conference standing. They are the 11th seed in the West. The Warriors are the 12th seed Robin. in the Western Conference. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just couldn't believe the Warriors being this Just bad this year? Just holding in a laugh. No. Uh, they're terrible. Oh. They're terrible. Yeah. No, they're garbage. I told you that, though. You did. I did tell Looks you Looks like uh, Gerard Mayo is going to be the next pass head coach. By the oh, way. yeah? That's nice. Strong indications. Is he a, was he a linebacker? He was. For them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was. He was. He was a great linebacker. Nice. Good shit, man. All knowledge. Mike Vrabel, man. He should have been the coach. Yeah. Hopefully, he. I don't know where he's going to go, but we're going to talk about the Jazz because the Jazz recently been playing really well, and their last couple games, they beat the Bucks by double digits. They beat the Sixers by double digits. They beat the Nuggets last night by double digits, and you know they lost to the Celtics. That's the one team they lost to on the road. The Celtics are still undefeated at home. Why do you think the Jazz have been this good, and are you buying into it? Are the Jazz actually really good? Pass it over to I was going to say, <laughs> I wanted to hear Drew. He, he said, Drew, Drew I'm not going to say he said the car, but he was talking extremely highly of the Jazz. Uh, I just think they're playing some really good Keep team basketball. <laughs> I did. I said, yo, they're like that because the last three games that they've played, they've won by double digits, and it's the teams that they've played. The Milwaukee Bucks, the Sixers without Joel Embiid, of course, a little bit asterisk on that. But you're playing the reigning champs in the Denver Nuggets, and you go out there and you beat them by double digits. Hey, it's time to take notice of them. They were control the whole game, too. And they, they run the same five. It's Collins, it's Markin, it's Fon- Fonticcio. 
I, I, I was jokingly calling him Fettuccini. Uh, I don't know if that's a good joke or not. Uh, Colin gotta, Sexton and Chris Dunn. They run that same five, but their bench has been awesome. Oh, you have Olenek. You have Kessler, who's been seeing a decrease in minutes. That's been a, a surprise to me. But, of course, he still becomes a positive when he gets in the game. Just his lack of scoring, like we were talking about on the way here. And Jordan Clarkson, he's kind of struggled early on this season, kind of getting going a little bit. Efficiency not that good. I think 41% from the field, around 30% from three. But off the bench, that's where we know that he can thrive. And Keontae George, as a rookie, has been giving them some solid minutes. I think they just play great team basketball and have been playing some really good team basketball. These last few games definitely are a little bit moving, but Riv kind of brought me a little bit back down to reality. We saw this last year. It's just the idea that Markinen is playing at such a high level that it just kind of reemphasizes my thought already that he's not going anywhere. I don't see them, especially with the way that they've been playing. Yes, you could say that this is theoretically increasing his trade value, but there needs to be one piece that you keep constant, and it has to be Laurie because of how perfectly he fits on every single team. His skill set is meant to be a great team player. His catch-and-shoot ability, his ability to rebound also, which leads the team. I think that you just look at there's too many positives with Laurie and just how much better he makes the Utah Jazz that you're kind of seeing it pay dividends right now. 8-2 and two record in the last 10 I just think that this is a young team and they have so many pieces that, that they can use towards in the future to better this team with the, the what, 9, 10 draft picks that they acquired in the Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell trade. Ironically, John Collins has been playing some solid minutes these mm-hmm. last few games also. I think that making him the five has also done a great job for them. Lori just playing that natural three, four for him. The, the, the Utah Jazz are playing some really sound basketball. Going to be interesting to see how they get towards, once they get towards the trade deadline, where they're going to, whether kind of even out or keep playing this level of basketball. But this could be potentially a play-in team. That's how good of a basketball team they've been playing. So their best lineup in terms of, you know, any Starting five with uh, 100 possessions. Chris Dunn, Colin Sexton, Fonticiti, Fonticio, Fonticio, Laurie, and then John Collins plus two point one. Yeah, so it, it's you know it's not a crazy difference, but it's a positive lineup. Like you mentioned, it the Jazz have just been playing good basketball, and you know I, I didn't want you to I don't want to say bring you down to earth, but I didn't want you to get too too excited because no, what you mean? We saw the Jazz play good basketball last year, and we know like. When they're not tanking, they're a good basketball team. They have a lot of good players. You know, they know how to play well. They move the ball well. You know, they have Laurie. They have Will Hardy, who's a good coach. Colin Absolutely. Sexton has been playing good basketball this year. So they have a lot of good players. So we know they can play well. But this this stretch that they've been playing on, you know, we've seen Jordan Clarkson against Denver. He have a really good, efficient game, you know, just in terms of playmaking, uh, taking good shots. You know, his shot diet is, you know, he's a six man, so his shot diet is a little streaky at times, but sure. we just saw him have a really good game all around. And I think this team, you know, they're pushing for a playing spot. I think they want to compete. You know, they have a shit ton of picks, so they don't need to necessarily be bad. They have a, a, a good amount of contracts where they can move off easily or they'll be off the uh, books soon. So they're not a bad team. I think them competing is a good thing. It helps the young players. It helps them, you know, stay competitive. And I like the direction that they're going. I think the fact that they, you know, they beat Denver, they beat, they've had this little streak outside of, you know, getting their ass with about Boston, of course, but... I like what they're doing right now. I like how they've been playing, and I'm excited about Utah because it's a fun basketball team to watch. I don't want to get sucked into what they're doing right now because last year they were playing really well, and then they traded away all their good players. They traded away Mike Conley. They traded away Jared Vanderbilt. 
So I'm not sure if this is going to be a repeat year of they play competitively and then they start shipping out pieces. So Jordan Clarkson, I think he's going to be a, a very big piece in the trade market who can help a team out as a six man. If the Knicks can go get him, that'll be a really good, good Clarkson move for or the Knicks. Brogdon? Clarkson. I like Clarkson. Ooh. I like I like the, the scoring he brings, the electric electricness yeah. that he brings. Three point shooter. Nah, he is. He's too he's too streaky. Clarkson got the bag though. I like he I like the bag. bag. So bad guy. Yeah, I like oh defender could break you down. Has a I mean offense player could break you down. He's got like an ethical. He you know does. I mean? so he's more he's very um, fundamental. Yeah. He's more um crafty. But last year they traded away all their good young, all the good players, and they gave run to their young guys like the Simone photo. I don't know how you say his name. Twenty-seven, really young. Yeah, but he was young for them. It's year year two for him, right? I think because he was overseas. Yeah. Oshay Baji got more run last year, and this is a team that they drafted first rounders. You know, they drafted Keontae George. They drafted Bryce Sensabaugh. Keontae has seen some minutes. Forget about Taylor. Oh, Taylor Hendricks. I forgot he was even here. It happened. And he's a top much. 10 pick. He hasn't played much. But he's somebody that I think they're probably going to give run later on in this season. Yeah. So when they do move on from these veteran players and they do start giving run to these younger players, th- that's why I just don't know if this is going to be the team that we're going to see for the entire season. But as of right now, they're playing good basketball. You mentioned John Collins starting. I, I think Walker Kessler had a tremendous rookie year, but it's clear that he's still – Kind of a raw player, like especially offensively. Defensively, he offers rim protection, but not much, I would say, rim deterrence. I know there was an argument about Kessler versus Gobert last year, but the difference between the two is that players will still not actively challenge Gobert when he's there. Walker Kessler will still get challenged twice as much as Gobert, so the defense isn't as impactful. But I think with him being moved to the bench, you now stretch out their offense. They become better offensively. And defensively, John Collins is agile and can switch out onto the perimeter and do multiple things. So I think that's kind of unlocked their team. And Chris Dunn has been like a Swiss Army knife for, for, sure. for the team. He's somebody that could defend. He could play make. He's unselfish. And Collins Sexton just get him more minutes. He's somebody that I think in his time in Utah, many expected him to be the breakout candidate of Lori, of Lori and him between those two. Lori ended up doing it, but Colin Sexton has shown that, you know, one year removed from the ACL injury, he can still play at a high level, and he's playing at a high level right now. Chris Dunn actually has the second best uh, on-off numbers on the team at plus 9.2. Interesting enough, John Collins is at minus 15.9. I think Chris Dunn is their defensive anchor. For sure. He's their guy. That they go to. Walker's right there, though. He's at eight point. Offensively, Chris Dunn is taking like two, three shots a game. I, but I think it's good because they all they all know their roles, right? Like Chris Dunn knows, like I'm not going to put up 15, 20 shots a game. You know, uh, Laurie's number one. Um, I'm not getting sucked into this Jazz team just yet, as as you guys have all said. Y'all are not passing the vibe check. Man. I just don't think, realistically, to me, right? I like the idea you winning, like like uh, Riv mentioned. It's good for the young guys to be competing, but I'm looking at this roster like. You need to make a ton of moves for this to be a real a real life competing roster in the West. Like this is still probably like the ninth or tenth best. I mean, roster. the real question of this team is: Are, are they going to sell at the deadline? I think they should still be sellers. I don't want to just like make this like a big picture topic about the Jazz because like individually they, they have guys have been playing well. I think uh, their bench the is away. one of the, one of the better benches in the league. Who would they with sell? Kelly Olynyk there with Keontae George there. Um, but I still think like move. I know Laurie is great. He's twenty six. So depending on how quick you think you could turn this around, listen, I think I think Will Hardy's a great coach. Of course, you got Danny Ainge, got a little Boston out west. Um, I think they got that right. 
But I still don't think they got a number one. Like, I don't think Lori's about to be a number one on a team that's making a WCF push. So that's a big issue. Um, they might not make the play. I mean, that's still up for yeah, debate. Like, They're gonna make again, the play. Again, I don't want to make... Because I feel like when we talk about, like, bad teams, it's always like, should they make X, Y, or Z move? Because, like, individually, these guys are playing well. But just... That's how Drew kind of started this conversation. Yeah. I don't think this is a team that should be like, we're holding on to our guys. We're holding on to Lori and Jordan Clarkson. And, and that's this how you is, feel. And this Jordan, is how it's going to be. Jordan can go. Uh Jordan, you can get a couple of pieces for him. Lori is by far and away their best player. I think to hold Lori the same standard as a Jordan, that's where I have issue. I think Utah. Oh, not. I think Utah is in a perfect position that they can wait to the offseason. I, I, I think they, they don't have to sell. But you're probably going to lose a little bit of trade value on Lori. I don't think so. Just because no. you get a year and a half, you'd get a playoff run. Whatever team's acquiring him is getting a playoff run this year plus next year before you have to pay him. Well, I think everybody's going to, regardless, you're still going to know you're going to have to pay him anyways. Well, I'm just saying that you don't you're getting two his... years with Lori basically instead of one. So if you don't want to pay him, no, I'm saying regard yes, because if because if, if say for example, but I'm just saying at his salary. Yeah, hypothetically, if OKC wants him, I think they would pay him. They they want him for the long term thing, so they would give him the money anyways. But yeah, I think his value is high. I don't think it would like I don't because I don't think he's a player that would ever lose value because of the fact that he can plug in on so many teams. Um, Twenty nine teams would love him. Yeah, and it's they they have a lot of they don't I don't like like Drew mentioned I don't think they have much to sell. I don't think John Collins is somebody you can sell at the deadline. Correct. I don't think Taylor Horton Tucker no. is somebody you can sell at it's the Lori, deadline. I see it's two Jordan players. Clarkson. That's probably it. I see Jordan Clarkson. Kelly Olynyk. I think is Kelly Olynyk. I was going to mention him too. But that'd be like a couple seconds. Yeah. I mean, that's the real question about this Shit, team, though, Kelly, because oh, they're playing so well Need to the big. point that do you think that they should not sell? So I, I know Laurie is the big piece, but I'm talking about like the other players that are actually good on this roster as well. I feel like with the way that Keontae George, although young and still raw as a talent, the way that he's played so far in his rookie season, I feel like if you can get some some decent compensation for Jordan Clarkson, I feel like the bench has been playing well enough that, that it'll be all right to move off him. I just still firmly feel trading the best player on the team would not benefit the Utah Jazz. Lori Markinen needs to stay on this team. They need at least one piece, and I'm with you. He's not a number one on a WCF team, no, but he can be a solid co-star to whoever that player is. It's just what's but give what it some start, time. Because first of all, no, it's like let's say the Jazz play at a middling level, right? right. Which is kind of what they're doing right now. It's not like they're going to give themselves a, a, a terrible pick because they did this last season. Taylor Hendricks ended up being the selection. They were fortunate enough to get Keontae George. They'll, they'll Keontae, probably be freaking like eight and thirteen, maybe, which is okay. Which isn't is is fine. Which I obviously we understand that Utah really isn't bringing in any real free agents, but they've shown us that the draft they can hit on. They can, yeah. I mean, they got Donovan Mitchell wasn't a fucking top five pick, so you could you could walk into a guy in that early teens range. But now, first you're banking on a rookie, and now we've seen that you're not just gonna rookie's not gonna come into league and be a number one. You're gonna have to wait multiple For seasons. Sure. Now Lori's pushing thirty. Now you have the stars. So like, I just don't think the timeline. Even though Lori's twenty six. Super young, like his prime is, is basically right now and upcoming. I just don't think it's wise to keep a, a number two when you don't have number one yet. I don't think that they're going to trade Lori. I think it, it would be premature Glad just because right now all the teams that are pushing for a playoff run don't know exactly what they need. Like OKC is the team that we're looking at that they have the most assets to make whatever trade they want. But I think they're going to be a team that's going to be very patient about going into the postseason. Let's see how far we can go before bringing in a big-time player 
into our team. So I think they're going to remain patient, and that's why I don't think Laurie is going to get traded. But I do think Clarkson gets traded to open up more minutes for Agbaji and Keontae. I think Olin gets traded to open up more minutes for Taylor Hendricks. And then I think the team, for the most part, stays the same. Even if Laurie stays on the Jazz for the next three years, I still think the value is going to hold firm. Because if they pay Laurie Markin into an extension, they're not paying anybody anyway. So now it becomes a better asset for teams to get because you are now trading for Laurie Markin on a four-year deal, not on a expiring deal in a year and a half from now. So I think the value might increase. And at the time, you know, two years from now, Laurie Markin is going to be 28. So that's not something that that's not an age where NBA teams are gonna just not look his way to trade for him. I uh, still think way, he's gonna have a lot of value. By the way, John is telling us it's pronounced Fontecchio. 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 So I was trying to tell you. Shout out to John. Shout out John. Legend. We have the super chat from Santos. Are you going live Saturday, River? Ah, uh, Saturday. It's crazy how quick it's, it comes it's, around. It's football, you know. Uh, <laughs> First game's out till four Saturday. Is it? No, yeah. I won't go live. I'll, I'll, I'll drop some. I'll drop some. Why aren't you going live? I don't feel like it. Mm. I'll go. I'll drop something though. Probably in the morning. Football, man. I'm locked in. Man. Games at four. Guy real comes to me. He's like, "Yo, I don't even really want to talk ball today. I'm trying to talk football." Oh, really? It's time, bro. I'm locked. In. Oh, really? Yeah, it's playoff time. I'm trying to get in tune, man. Okay, so then let's get this one out the way real quick about the tight first seed in the Western Conference because I found this interesting when I was looking at it last last night. The first seed to the sixth seed in the West is a three and a half game difference. The East first seed, the Celtics, to the second seed is a four-game difference. Right now, the Western Conference is, is very tight, and it's very close. The top six seeds are the T-Wolves, Thunder, Nuggets, Clippers, Kings, Pelicans. Who do you think is going to finish the season with the first seed? I know it's premature, it's early, but as of how these teams have been playing this year, who do you think finishes the year that's as a, the best team in the West? That's a tough question. The fact that the Clippers are in this conversation just goes to show fucking the type of turnaround they've had. It's James Harden effect. <laughs> you're not a fan. You left. You left. You're, you're, you're off the wave. You're done. You're done, bro. <laughs> Everywhere he goes, it's the top seed. You're right. Huh? Yes. Why. Right. Then why'd you lose faith in him? I didn't. I lost faith in the, the Clippers' health long term. If they're healthy, they can they can make a deep run. Is there a shameful bone in your body? Shameless. What's the lost faith in Harden? Did you I ever did I ever say he was not an all star caliber player? You said you were out. You said you were out. I don't what? The Clippers. Yes, because I think their health can very well catch up to them. That's still a real that's, thing. That's like, ah, it's, it's but true. as of now, as of now, it's they're playing great basketball. Yeah, this team is it's a great the, team. This, but but is the health thing still yes, an issue? I mean, for me, it's still an issue, of course. But if they're healthy, they can make the finals. Okay. Yeah, they're a great team, and I never once said Harden's washed. I never once said he's not an All Star caliber player. You just he's said very, you're done rooting for him. He's very, he's still very much an All Star caliber player. I mean, his antics the last couple of years have been disappointed as a fan of his, but you know, I think one thing's for sure, he impacts winning everywhere he's been. The Nets had injuries, but when he was there, they was playing winning basketball until he everybody got hurt. MVP level with the Sixers, they finished as one of the top seeds in the, in the East when he was there playing winning basketball. And now it's, it's translating to the Clippers. So I think uh, out of all these teams, I think the Nuggets are the easy answer because they're just, when they're healthy, they're just the best team in the West. And Jokic can dominate the game without scoring more than six points. I mean, it's an anomaly what he's doing. The Thunder, I don't think they will finish as the first seed in the West. I think they have a legit shot like all of these teams. 
the Timberwolves closing out games scare me. Because against Boston last night... They were one of the easiest schedules left, too. Yeah. Against Boston last night, I thought they had that game in the bag. They were leading. And then it's just then a Jason couple Tatum dumb happened. plays. I was going to talk about I heard Jalen Brown locked up. Eight, man. management. <sighs> had that brother in hell. Uh, what happened to the guy who couldn't defend? He said, he said, he said, he said Aunt Edward's like my little bro. It's all love. But he said, uh, not damn, tonight. like my little bro. He said, bro. not tonight. He's going to regret he ever said that. His <laughs> next matchup is going to be different. The Timberwolves, they're, they're, how they close out games worries me. And the defense is elite, but the offense can get very muddy at times, just with the Daniel fit. You know, it is how it is. Leap. I mean, Jaylen I didn't Brown. expect them to. I, well, you said honest. he was going to be Jalen Brown. So. Well, he, he, don't, he got he to get more opportunities <laughs> okay, to be that. You know, word, just word, wait. Word. A lot of mouse feed there with, you know, and Edwards and Conley and Gobert yeah. and Cat. Oh, facts, facts, facts. I'm kind of feeling like the Clippers are going to make a run at this first seed. I'm really? kind of feeling like it. Nah, man, he is unbelievable. I'm kind of feeling like it. I I know you said the Thunder aren't, but I look at the Wolves and the Thunder just as two. I guess the Wolves aren't really young. They have a kind of a balance of younger and older older vets. But I think there's gonna be just teams that go for it because we saw last season the Nuggets kind of take their foot off the gas last month or so of the season. Um, I know people were speculating Jokic doesn't want the MVP again, but. These veteran teams like the Clippers and Nuggets, I think they might prioritize health down the stretch. And also, the play-in is going to be interesting, right? Because if you get a three seed and maybe you could go up against the Kings or the Pelicans, or the way the play-in shaping right now, you could be going up against the Suns or the Lakers in the play-in. So I, I'm do I am interested to see that last month of the season. You know, all teams are going to try to win. That's you know, players try to win, coaches try to win. Um, but matchups wise, down the stretch. I wouldn't be surprised to see some of these veteran teams be like, listen, those Pelicans, I think I'd rather play them than have to go a seven-game series against KD, Book, Beal, or, or AD, and, and LeBron James. But I do look at those younger teams that maybe like, we got something to prove. I want to show these guys that we're the ones who were the best team in the West because the Thunder, or excuse me, the, the Nuggets just won the chip. The Clippers have... Four guys that have, have proven everything, um, don't really need to prove anything else. Plus, they're vets. Plus, you got Kawhi's injuries history. You got Paul George's injury history. Um, so, I think they'd be taking it a little bit, uh, you know, off the gas down the stretch. To be honest with you, I don't want the Lakers to play the Timberwolves, the Thunder, or the. Really? I don't want to well, see the that. OKC is a good matchup for you guys. You, play? you could say you, that, you but match up I'm respecting and acknowledging. I'm respecting and acknowledging what OKC is. Top four in offense. Top eight in defense. One of the best, the best three-point shooting teams in the league. This is not the Lakers year this year. They're a great team. Let's, <laughs> you'd rather play really the Clippers the over, uh, you'd rather play I, Clippers I, over OKC in a playoff series? Honestly, we've, they're been, we've played well against the Clippers this season. That's a wild. That's wild. No, who would I rather play? That's what I'm asking. You probably take the youthful team in OKC because they don't Just have the experience. Take the matchup team. Like you would rather play. Kawhi I'm also going to acknowledge that none of these teams are teams that I'm looking forward to a, a series with. To be honest with you, really for the are you idea, nervous? I'm respecting these teams. I wouldn't say nervous. It's an acknowledgement. You're going to play the Kings? Are the Lakers a <laughs> first round not. exit? Right. No. Are they going to be a first round exit? Uh, they have a chance. It's, yeah, it's matchup. Are we a first round exit? Yes. Okay. You're good. not getting out the good. first. Hey, round. Be the we're running it back, boys. We're running it back. No, they Same thing like last year. They can be the Kings. They can, they can be, be the Pels. I'm not Dallas. worried about. Listen, I'm respecting the first four teams. 
The Nuggets. But you guys need to be climbing these OKC. standings if you want to avoid them in the we're first fine. round. We're, no, we're gonna. Fine. We're gonna. What the fuck is this nervousness coming from? Wait, it's, wait, not, wait. it's not nervousness. How much can the Lakers really climb in the standings? At he said that. Axdells. So I got the standings up here. The Lakers are seven and a half games out of first place. There is a gap between the seven and eight seed of two and a half games, but seven through one is a four game difference. I think the Lakers can get to the sixth seed at the end of the year. Best case scenario, May, maybe fifth. Right. Hoping they lock in. If they get it, if we they get the sixth fine. seed, they're going to face the Nuggets in the first round as it currently stands. We played great against the Clippers. We played all right against the Raptors. I honestly think we had a strong game. It's just the Raptors came to play as well. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not saying that the Lakers can't win these series. I'm giving acknowledgement to the Timberwolves who've been playing some awesome basketball. OKC who have been the breakout team in the Western Conference. The reigning champion Denver Nuggets who by far and away, are the team I want to see the le- the least. And the Clippers, who I know have been in the past, the Lakers kryptonite, but this year we've done well in our matchups versus them. Uh, especially we saw them with Harden, with with Paul George, with Kawhi, the, the powerhouse Clippers, and we still were able to sneak away with the W. Uh, but who I think will be the first seed, I think the team that has the potential to make moves and is still the number two seed in the Western Conference, and that's the Oklahoma City Thunder, like I just mentioned. Number four in, in offense, number eight in defense, best three-point shooting team in the league, an insane amount of assets that they can use at the trade deadline if they want to make a move to get better with the potential that a Pascal Siakam could occur, with the potential, even though I don't think it will happen, a Laurie Markkinen who fit in that, that situation perfectly. They have assets, and they have the ability to make that splash move to really put themselves in in contention for not just the number one seed, but to be a legitimate threat to go to the championship. I think that with how great we've seen OKC play so far this season, this is the team that I would go with to be the number one seed. The splash move for OKC is benching Giddy for Isaiah Joe. That's okay. the splash Picking move. up another big two without uh, Isaiah Joe needs to play more, and he needs to play over Giddy more. Or Casey Wallace. I'm cool yeah, with yeah, either. Casey Wallace, Get another big. He not Isaiah. Isaiah Joe got the chopper. Casey so, Wallace Kaysen got the too. crazy like shot Isaiah, on him too. They, like they both can, the fuck I was gonna say they both can shoot the Kaysen's fist. Casey's defense the ball. is awesome. He can pass. His shot is good. His shot is not like Isaiah Joe. He's shooting like forty some percent. Isaiah they're both Joe shooting is, probably. What are you doing? Isaiah Joe can really shoot. What do you like doing? Isaiah Joe is the difference. Isaiah's a stroker, but like Casey's a stroker and he can do. Isaiah Joe got the super stroker. Both of them are strokers. Isaiah Joe. What else can Isaiah Joe do? That's what he does. No, that's I what they need. But the what reason why Casey also fits that lineup so well. Adds you, so you why the are their best the lineups with Isaiah Joe? Their best lineups are with Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe's a good basketball player. Casey Wallace they're, they're, is, is slightly better percentage-wise, but Isaiah Joe takes twice as many threes. Isaiah Joe, threes when, when he's in a lineup, their efficiency skyrockets, and their defense doesn't drop off much. Isaiah Joe's a good basketball player. They play player. great team defense. That's why I think the move really for them to make is just not playing Giddy as much. If they don't play Giddy as much, I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, that brother they're, they're going to be legit. They're legit Never now doubt, with Giddy. Never in fucking doubt. We're here. That you brother. wore that jersey for what reason? I had to apologize. He's no, no, I know. I know. But I'm saying, like, you know in hindsight. He, you know how he brings up the Bulls and he early apologized? That was you and Giddy. Yeah. Fair. Like I, early apologize. And it was also a bet. You said, yo, he gets two, uh, what was it, three triple doubles back to back to back. I wear your jersey. That yeah, was look fair. at him. He stinks. He's, yeah, he's pretty mid. He was quiet on him for a long time. Huh? He was quiet on him for a while. It wasn't a long Now, Now you just hear. It was like half a year. Now, the, this offseason is when you was loud about it. Yeah, because I knew he wouldn't be good. Okay. To be he did start before the season started, which is automatically a dub. That's what I said. I'm and listen, you got that. She was wrong early on. 
<laughs> you were wrong early on. I'm, I'm writing the, in the future. I'm writing that's for it. But for the long term, you're good. So you're, you're 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 take, you'll you're take six months, month. six months of being wrong, but the rest of your life. I mean, you flip flop. I mean, he's apologized. No, and then he's I didn't like, flip. Yeah, I just no, he, had, he wasn't good. I he, just had to apologize. He had to get on it. Uh, he had to be a man of his word on his No, back. but you also in the video was like, oh, yeah, he's good. He's better than I thought. He's this. He's that. He was good. I can say he's better than you thought and still be right. He was definitely better than you thought. You thought he was trash. I did think he was pretty garbage. Understandable. The Timberwolves got the easiest schedule remaining. So I think, you know, this is also one of those where I can very well see them being the first seed if they maintain their health. And the upside with them is that I think there's still untapped potential offensive that they can get into. It's just the spacing, the inconsistencies of it with this team are glaring because they don't have a plethora of sharpshooters on their team. Edwards, Cat, they're great shooters. Mike Conley's a great shooter. Jaden McDaniels can be streaky, although his percentage is high. Nikhil Alexander-Walker can be streaky. I think their bench needs to improve. Nas Reed, Kyle Anderson, they're streaky shooters. So What's crazy. happening so to the Wolves? Nothing. They're still a great team. Yeah, they're, they're, they're an elite first. team. They're still first in the West. I'm just no? talking about yeah. their um, deficiencies as a, as a team offensively. It's just they. I think they can really benefit from getting – one or two more sharpshooters. It's just the first time I've ever heard you speak negatively or somewhat negatively about the world. Hey, listen, everything's been positive. You know, I've been, you I've been know why, Drew? This goes perfectly into loss. this 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 week in the NBA. <laughs> actually, perfectly. You thought you thought you were getting away, buddy? No, no Celtics. Wolves talk. Um, Jason Tatum in the month of January is averaging 36, 10, and 5, 57% from three. He just did you dirty. Um, and 52% from the field. I'm sorry, Riv. Did you not go? My apologies, Riv. Uh, I overstepped you. Keep going, Dallas. Keep going, Dallas. Because he's talking about Jason Tatum. Let, let him talk about Jason Tatum. Get what you want to say out the way. Um, he needs to hear this. Uh, how many points? I forgot. How many points score in the fourth quarter in overtime? Uh, half of them, at least, on your boy Jane McDaniel. Yeah, what, at least 18, half of them. 20. More, keep going. 22. Keep going. 23. Keep going. 24. Okay, 24. Oh, Kobe 24. Bryant. He had a Kobe Bryant number. Okay. <laughs> that boy's so cold, man. That boy's so fucking cold. You disrespected him at the end of the fourth quarter when he missed that pull-up. You did I saw that. That was crazy. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, and, you know, hilarious. for a team that can't close, for a team that isn't clutch, 14 to 3 run and one of the best defenses, the number one seeded. Well, I understand no gold bear. That was but your the, first overtime win this year, too. It was. We were like 0 and Against 3 or something. Show. 0 and 4. So, this is um, the first time that I've actually clutched up and won. That's what you're telling me. Uh, no, we almost. I, I would say that we've had multiple clutch wins. We're, I think we have like the second or third times this year. How many times this year have win. you seen Tatum take the last shot in the fourth quarter and that shit miss? This is probably the first one. Maybe second. Doesn't he have one of the no. best f- percentages he does, he does when it have comes like 50%, to 50%, some shit like that? Um, but regardless, let's talk. Get, I don't care about that. Let's talk about last night. Let's talk about, about last, last night because night? Anthony yeah. Edwards, I was told, was better than Jason Tatum. He is. Um, Jason T- is, is Ant putting up 36, 10, and 5 on 57% from three, my brother? How many games is that? This has probably been five, six games, I want to okay, say. Okay, I love that. You know, ever since I left Jason Tatum off my East, Eastern Conference All-Star starters, he's been turning up. He heard the noise. He's mm. responded to the noise. Mm. 34 I mean, last what? week to 37 oh, this crazy. week. What, so what is... What is the disconnect with Jason Tatum? I'm, well, I'm no, kind of confused. I don't, there's no disconnect. You say he was Anthony Edwards is better than him in November, by the way. I think Anthony Edwards <laughs> will be better than him there's, there's for sure. What, will, what I, you say? I'd, rather, I'd rather take Anthony Edwards than Jason Tatum. I would. And but I still what, feel of that what, way. Of what? Of, just of aura? Just, vibe, just vibes. vibes? No, if it's just, no, because his Tatum skill is a basketball player. No, it's otherworldly. <laughs> so I don't know. What, it's not aura. It's, it's not fucking aura. It's not. It's not. I'm the aura that guy. Kiss, it's not aura. I'm telling you, it's not aura. That kiss, you think that Tatum has more aura than I think, I think Edwards has elite aura, but Tatum also has pretty fucking elite aura. So, I mean, in the aura, they cancel each other out. Yeah, so I'm just talking aura. as a, their skill is basketball players. I think Anthony Edwards is 
more skilled, and I think he will be better. What is he more we have skilled to, we have to We have to also take into consideration that Tatum has played three more years in the NBA. What Tatum is now, Anthony Edwards is really not that far off from what Tatum is right now at where <laughs> Edwards currently stands. Don't make me laugh. Edwards is a better finisher than Jason Tatum. He's a better mid-range shooter than Jason Tatum. They're shooting about the same percentage from three. Anthony Edwards is one of the best mid-range shooters in the entire NBA. He's one of the best players, again, to the basket in the entire NBA. His shot diet is much better than Tatum's. Defensively, Tatum got it. He's a much bigger player. I think that both of them have issues sometimes locking in because Tatum, for the tools he possesses on defense, he still hasn't made an all-defensive team yet. He got he robbed still, last year. He still, has, he still hasn't been honored in that way. You know, though, He's 25. But, <laughs> like, God forbid he has but what is, wait, But can I ask, yeah. why does that matter about his defense? It matters because... People have this misconception about Jason Tatum that every single night he's an elite defender, which is not true. He, like Anthony Edwards, they don't lock in every single night. When they lock in, they're elite defenders. It's also listen. That's the, the point I'm making. The, the no, Celtics. but but who cares that he doesn't have an award? And also, we just when you know have, that he's an elite way, defender when Jaylen, he needs to be. Jalen Brown has he's been not as elite as the top wing guys that people compare him to. But as also, an elite he's defender. he's taking like we've said. We said this about Jalen Brown last season. But, but none of those two every guys single are year, Tatum is the number one offensive option on his team. You have Derek White, one of the best defenders in the NBA. Drew yep. Holiday, Jalen yep. Brown, who's been one of the best defenders in the NBA this stupid. season. And Porzingis protecting the rim. So Tatum has so much load offensively that defensively, he might not be locked in every night. And I'm okay with it until the playoffs come. Once the playoffs come, he's got to be there. He's also playing defense again this year. You know, it's funny actually you say that. It's kind of comparable to the whole Giddy situation, how you were right for uh, – he was right for six months, and then uh, you no, were right for the rest of your life. No, I never made a future take on Jalen Brown. That's why, you, that's why I, I'm confused. No, yes, you, you did. I never because said he when, was never going to be a good defender ever again. we said that again. he could be all NBA, you laughed at us. That part, yes, but you, this, you always bring that up the defense. That has nothing to do with defense. You always bring but up the defense But then his defense part. was great. Del, he had one season of being made. Have I ever said Jalen Brown's never going to be a great defender ever again? Don't lie on his name. Have I ever said that? He never said that. I mean, those words, no. But you clown him for his defense. Yes. At the time, yes. which he was not good at the time of defense, he was slacking. And what, what about this like year then? Because you're very loud about it. You're very loud about it. You're just defender. so loud about it when he's playing good because defense. He you're wasn't super quiet. good at it. But what is happening now? He's been great. And then what about at his playmaking? And what about his playmaking? It's been okay. Oh, really? It's been, yes. a, it's been a lot better than the years past. Yes, which is fucking dog shit. But it's been okay. So what do I have to say? So he's improving. The guy who can't improve is improving. The guy who was a one-trick pony is finally improving. He wasn't a one-trick pony. He was a score last year. What did he do? Okay, last year, yes, but. Throughout his career, he's been able defender to score. The last two years, about. The last two years about. he has not been a good defender. Fa- that's a fact. So, uh, that's two false. years ago, he was a good defender. Three the years year? The yes, three the years e- ago. Yes, the email year. He was a good defender. perimeter E-may defender. Year. He was a terrible off-ball defender, which is probably more important, if we're being honest. It's a fact. You're not always on-ball. You're most of the time going to be off-ball more than you Team defense ball. is way more important than on-ball defense. That's that's a fact. Perimeter defense is actually Regardless, he has shown to be able to play Two way, he has shown yes, to be yes. a great scorer. He has shown to be a great defender. I've never said he wasn't able to do that. You're on his me right now. What's what do you mean? I'm just being honest. Oh no, you know, I understand why because he's also on the JB hatred. It's fine. It's fine. No, it's I'm being honest. I mean, you're over here calling out Riv. I mean, what about all things you was you wrong about the Mavericks this year? Am I still? Am I? Am I? We're getting away from the point. That is seven seed. Drew, this is really reminiscent of last season. I want to talk about Boston, Minnesota from last night because that that was one of the best games of the year. Jalen Brown has been a two-way player this year, so I don't have to criticize So he's been a two-way player almost, almost every year of his career. No, it has not been almost every year. Except last year. He was not that good of a defender the year before last year. With Ime, you're lying. He was a good defender. Was he a good team defender? 
You don't even know what that is. That's why you're confused right the now. Off ball, What's more important, perimeter defense or team defense? On ball, when the ball's in your and hands, I, if I have JB, I'd rather that. Yeah, see, that's not what I asked you. I, I didn't ask because you Lonzo Ball, is he a great off-ball defender? He's a good off-ball defender. Not as good He's as, good as his on-ball defender. But not as good as his on-ball. And what do people talk about? His on-ball no, defense. No, people talk about his off-ball defense. He perimeter plays defense is quite well. literally one of the least valuable defensive traits in the league. How? It is. You don't need that as much as you need team defense. That's a fact. But the way that people talk about about Drew Holiday and Alex Caruso, why is Drew that? Drew Holiday's also Alex in, 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 in Caruso's also. I got you. You're done because you brought up Drew Holiday, and he, that's why he's smiling. Drew Holiday's a great team defender, <laughs> and that's team why he's thriving with Boston. On ball Drew Holiday's also a great team defender. I think I think Drew's a better team defender than on ball defender. At least this yes. season, what I've seen. In years past, what has he been known for? Picking up on Jimmy Butler, all picking defense, up all around defense. But what do they have him do? They primarily best. have him playing defense on the opposing team's he's been a best ball handler. He's been playing. Bigs of course. And helping so, off and so doubling, why, trapping so are they Edwards' turnovers into threes. Yes, he's still a good off ball, but what do they talk guard? about? Who else on the Bucks is going to do what Drew can do? Not the reason really why many. he can roam now is because they have five other guys. Let me ask you, who are the players that win defensive player of the years, historically? I mean, big men. What do they do? On ball defense or off ball defense? I guess, but Not even just the Jaron and Giannis, what do they do? They're they roam. Yes. They roam, right? Uh -huh. That's that's the most valuable defense. It's it's no shame. But their to it. job's pretty easy with the perimeter, though. You're fucking guarding the entire. I'm not saying top it's not. I'm not saying it's not hard. But has Jalen Brown not struggled in pick and rolls on defense? He has. I guess you has could say Has he not struggled yes. navigating screens? He has. He has. That was my whole But issue. on ball, he's, this he's year, nine out of ten times been awesome. Yeah, this year, yes. That's why I don't have to say anything. I'm not even so talking about just man. this year. What are you talking about? So I'm talking about in general. He's been an awesome defender outside of last year. I don't know about awesome, but you know, tomato, tomato. He's been great this Whatever. year. We don't have and the Maverick happen. seven seed. Stop chatting like they're this top three seed. Luca's been hurt the past couple of games. So he missed some games. <laughs> what I'm saying, no, because he said, he, why bring up wait, hold on, hold on. That was wrong. The reason <laughs> why is because it. he was very down on the Mavericks before the season. You had them missing the playoffs. No, I didn't. Correct? I you had them in the playoffs. Ten seed, nine seed. Which hey guys, you know how far they are away? Three spots. They're three spots away. They're not going to be the ten seed at the end of the year. We didn't see them be as being the 11 seed last year. Matter. They're not we be didn't that. see them as the 11 so seed last year. Keep Luca because you've been never disrespected Luca. Yes, I, I disrespect the Mavericks. Did he not disrespect Luca? You disrespect Luca. They do call you the Luca hater, which makes no sense to me <laughs> no, because all I do is acknowledge. You're just not willing no, 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 to admit no, 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 that you was hating on Luca. What I do, what I do about Luca? I want the quick Minnesota Celtics stop. No, no, it's your fault. What I do about Luca? What I do with Luca is simply this: hold him accountable. I still think that he is one of the top four, top five best players in the world this season. You can make the argument he's been the best player in the league he's been unbelievable never has my indictment been on Luka but mostly because of the supporting cast on the Mavericks which was evident last year when they missed the playoffs we know who Luka is if, if you are saying the Mavericks are going to be the 10th seed at the end of the year that's an indictment are they called the Luka. Dallas Lucas? We know that Luca carries them. He carried them to the Western Conference. Finals. They're not the Dallas Lucas. They They're they not wasn't, that. They wasn't supposed to make. They it were to a West top Conference five finals. defense that year. They wasn't. But Luca led not them. No defender. Luca Luca led them to the Western Conference Finals. Did he not? Oh they didn't have a good team defense. He carried. Think them about to how the essential team defense is. He carried we just had a whole segment. Obviously, team defense is important. But the defense the year after was fucking garbage, and they missed the playoffs. Ultimately, it matters if you have an offensive engine and a superstar that you could go to, and that's what Luca. Of course, did. he's one of the he best, if not he the best right the now. So did Luca not carry the Mavericks to the WCF? He definitely okay. was. An 
the biggest part to did the reason he, why did, they were there. Yes or no? It's a pretty simple question. <laughs> yes, we know. WCF we know. But it has nothing to do with Luca, but the team around him, because Luca was a first team All NBA player last year. It has nothing to do with Luca, but the team around him. What does that mean? Because Luca was first team All NBA last year, and they missed the playoffs. So let me get this. Let, let me get this. When they made the WCF, it was because they had a top five defense. When they missed the playoffs, it's because Luca. That's why no, no I did not say that You said you're the, you're the one Holding Luka accountable I am right? I'm telling so the truth About one, his career In so the prime of his the, career What's the truth About his career All I said is that He missed the playoffs What's the truth About his career He missed the playoffs The best guard in the league Missed the playoffs so, In the prime of his career So when he made the WCF Right now he's the best guard In the league When he made you're the WCF That year, that year he who, wasn't who, It was Steph that. It was Steph That year they made the WCF It was No Steph. no Last year Last year when they missed last the year you could argue Luca was the best guard in the league. So this year you, I think it's a firm statement, best guard, guard in the league. Yeah. So you're not answering He's my not question though. What do you mean? I I just did when they made the WCF. You said, oh, Luca no, did not Luka, carry. They that's had a, not they had what a, I said. Yes, you did. No, he it's didn't not. give me yes or no. Did he, I said Luca was the yes biggest. You didn't part. give me yes or no. I said Luca was the biggest yes, reason. Yes or no? Yes. yes. All right. That's Wait, it. did he carry? Yes, did he carry the offense? But Jalen Brunson was he not the reason they got past the Jazz? The first three games they were up two one. He was a huge part of it. But he was no huge part. Is the same way as carrying. He carried the Mavericks when. Luca was gone. So the WCF though, they beat the first seeded Suns. Why? Because Luca totally was awesome. dominated that that matchup. He did. He that, did. That's why they made the WCF. Then on top of the, a historic choke from the Suns. Then against the <laughs> Warriors, they didn't play well because all, all they did was hone in on Luca. That's sure. what they did. They that's took they everybody to do. away. Great game plan. All right, that's what it was because they know that the team is not that talented around Luca. So that's why it looked that way. But ultimately, we're. Luca is still very young into his career. He Can is. we not agree? Absolutely. And yet, you tweeted not too long ago that Luca, <laughs> Luca is what people think Jokic is. Is, is I, am I mistaken? That? that yes. And I still. So what was that, that bullshit? That was some bullshit. That makes no sense. <laughs> Jokic has the ceiling of a top ten NBA player all time. What the fuck does Luca have? He has the ceiling top of top ten ever. A top twenty for sure. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe yeah. Top twenty, top ten. Maybe right there next to Anthony Edwards. Luca has oh that type God, of ceiling. Jesus Luca Christ. is. Oh. I mean, what he's accomplished so far in his career, you cannot minimize it. If we, Absolutely if we not. Talk, if we talk I'm about what Luka has accomplished so far in his career versus other it. great superstars, Luka's accomplished I've never more. minimized he's that. He's on an all-time trajectory. I agree. He's yeah, awesome. You thought they was going to be the 10th seed this year. And they're pretty close. He, even with they're you, seven. Even when you acknowledging Luka is and so great, you, you thought games. the match was going to be the 10th seed in, in the West. They, he was so great last year and we're 11th. Because he got hurt after the All-Star break, and that's why they dipped. That's why they he missed did. like the last two weeks, and they did that on purpose because they were trying to to tank to not have a top ten pick. Yes, but before that, which honestly they should have got fined a trillion dollars after the All Star <laughs> break. He got hurt, and that's why they started dipping in the standings. That's what actually happened. Luka, so you're saying Luka needs to take better care of his body? No, oh I'm, I mean, how can you control injuries? You're telling him not to get injured? Is that what you're saying? That's not what I'm not get injured. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you, you just take get care hurt. Of your body. Sometimes because people, when somebody they, bumps your thigh, were well, you going to say just control that? I played. I mean, still. sometimes that I shit played happens. Still. I played it through. Uh, but people say that Luka doesn't take care of his body, and you know he's uh, he's gotten. A, well, I think he clearly takes care of his body. Noticeably bigger he, since entering think, the league. I think he clearly takes. You think he doesn't take care? I do personally. I'm just saying people have done that that narrative. So why are you saying that? I think I'm just throwing that narrative. People have the narrative. He takes care of his body. Just shut it down. What I think he does. Fair he enough. takes care of his body. I agree. So Luca's so great. He's the best guard in the NBA. They got For Kyrie sure. Irving. Yeah, you thought they was gonna be the 10th seed. That's and they're the seventh seed. They're not gonna finish the 10th seed. You want to make a bet they're right the now? They're the seventh seed. You already lost on the Giants bet. You lost <laughs> on the Broncos bet. How many bets you lost? What Broncos bet? What Broncos bet? What Broncos bet that I lose on? Let's make what Broncos bet I lose on. You said it was gonna win 10 games. We didn't bet on that. Oh, we did not bet on. But that's what you said. Sorry, it's just something you was wrong about. They won nine. When it comes to the Mavericks, they didn't. They won. 
I will bet you they will finish with a seven seed or higher. Right now we're higher. That's what they finish. I'm going to pass on that. Okay. All right. So you don't you don't think they're going to finish below that? But okay, at the fine. same time, you're you're saying that I was dead wrong about the Mavericks. Meanwhile, they're three spots away from being where I, I said that they would be. You in the beginning are wrong of the about them. What did you say they would be this far. season? A top three seed? I never said top three. What I had number? them as a six seed. Oh, they're just one behind that. So four spot right difference. They're yeah. one spot behind yours. Uh, but also at the same time with Luka Doncic playing near Jesus Christ level, uh, they are the seventh seed. Yeah. And why? I said they'd be the sixth seed because Luka Doncic would play near Jesus Christ level because he's fucking amazing oh. at basketball. That's why I said that. He was going. He was not going to miss the playoffs two times in a row. Yet you had him missing the playoffs two times in a row because you you was disrespectful. Because last year, That's why. it's similar to this year, except this year now they have a big in, in, in Derek Lively. Shout out to him. He's playing awesome. Well, you ain't believing, by the way, before the season. You don't I, think he's going to make this big I impact. said that I didn't believe in the Mavericks because they had to rely on two rookies. I thought that Omax, given that he was playing in the preseason, would have a little bit bigger role. We haven't seen that. Derek Lively, though, of course, they needed to big he fit in perfectly but that was my concern you needed you needed to to rely on some rookies they still are having to rely on rookies where Derek Lively is probably the third most important player to their team right now who's the rookie they rely on outside of Derek Lively I thought it was going to be Omax is what I was saying but obviously that hasn't but been as of right case. now it's just been lively. it's just Lively yeah yeah they haven't relied on but other that rookies. was my preseason analysis okay you were wrong this far uh, not really. Yes. The team is is so reliant upon Luka Doncic, which is obvious. He is the offense. It's the heliocentric Dallas Mavericks. We know that. But at the same time... Do you time, think their defense is trash? Uh, trash is strong. It's not as bad as last year because Derek Lively, obviously. Um, Can you see that? No, it just fell. I was trying to save it from rolling. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as say trash. I'm not going to say good. They're 18th in defensive rating. So right now, this from Grant, Grant Afseth, he covers the Mavericks. Dallas Mavericks defensive rating breakdown. Last five games, they're third in defensive rating. Last 10 games, they're third in defensive rating. Last 20 games, since November 30th, they're 10th in defensive rating. The first 17 games before November 30th, they were 24th in defensive rating. The whole season now, you, you mentioned they're 18th in defensive rating. But since November 30th, their defense has been much better. Their defense is actually really good right now. in the half court on defense, uh, points per possession. And their first 17 games of the year skewed that because they weren't good on defense to begin, but they've been a good defense as of late. So I think they are a good defense. So you telling me I'm getting good defense with Luca being otherworldly? Yeah, they're gonna but be a lock. Somehow top they still aren't winning games consistently. They're not a lock top. You think they're locked top? They're 16? gonna they're gonna be a lock top sixty. It's the like end you're of chatting year. to me like it's indicted. It's done. The Mavericks top two team in the league. You're obviously not. But saying that's what that, I believe. But but you're talking to me like I'm wrong. I have not been proven wrong yet. Well, this isn't a garbage team all around. I don't think that either. Because Luka Doncic automatically makes them not garbage. So you ha no, but I think even the surrounding pieces around him at this point have not of been Kyrie garbage. Irving is one of the best guards in the league. Derek Lively has been one of the surprise rookies of the season. Uh, you could say surprise, but of course, you you were very vocal about it. Tim Hardaway having a resurgence. That was a shock because last year he wasn't that great. Dante Exum. Dante Exum, another really one. Good. Shock. Because who who thought anything about Dante Exum being a significant I'm role just player? Saying, you you before the season. My analysis was, was spot on. It's a bunch of, of out of nowhere surprises with Tim Hardaway again. Your analysis is spot on, but a bunch of out of nowhere surprises happened. That means in he the wasn't preseason, spot on. it was accurate. What does that mean? I mean, because even I still, I'm pretty right on what them being a ten seed of them being average. And the only reason why they're you not didn't say is it was going to be average. You said it was going to be bad. Ten seed. The That's ten, a plane. The ten seed is average. No. 
What? That's the plan. The 10 seed is average? 10 seed's bad. That, that's, that's barely getting into the plan. The, the West is also, average? The West is amazing. Move me. But you're right. The, the West is amazing. The bottom five team in the West. Yeah. That's, pretty, that's not good. The West is kind of OD. The West is OD. This year, the 10th seed is the well, Rockets. They're seventh, though. They're average. Are, are right they now. not average? Are the Rockets, Rockets? not average? They're uh, slightly below. At home, they're elite. They're slightly below average. I think the Rockets. One of the worst road teams in the NBA. Are you going to call the Lakers average? They've been playing average. Yes. They're not average, though. I don't think they're average. Right? We're not an average team. They're a good team. Nothing wrong with that. But you said it you was think Dallas is that, You think the Lakers are that much better than Dallas? I didn't say they were garbage. I said the supporting cast is not that good. And then you predicted them to be the 10th seed. You thought they were good. Which, again, I'm not that far off. But I'm telling you right now. I'm just we letting can, you know this I'm argument is falling on no, death's doors. No, I'm telling you right now. You saying you're not that far off, so put your money where your mouth is. Let's, I'm not making a bet. Top, top seven 2024, seed. 2024, we're holding on to our money. And you think, let, so top, I think, you know what? I say playoff lock. They'll be top six seed in the West. Mm. Done. So I want, okay, ah, now you want to do it. There okay. we go. There we go. You went seventh. That's I mean, that's where they're at right now. You tell me if they're a playing team, I'm right. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. what he just that's, said. Yes, yeah, so you, you're shook on it. All right, how so much? I'm, yes, playing team. Let's bet $50 on it. Okay. $50 on it. Smooth. Top 50. Smooth. Um, anyhow. Well, you do know, Kyrie can hurt. This, this could happen. Kyrie, because Luca, you just told me Luca's been hurt, and hey, they just started dropping games out of nowhere. He's he is not a serious injury. It's just he's missing some games here and there. They they've been losing them, but they are gonna finish with the top six seed. I'm pretty I'm pretty comfortable right. in that. I'm pretty comfortable in that. Okay, if, if I needed to... extra motivation to not fuck with the Mavericks, here we go. Show you, man. Don't, so you already had a lot of it. Don't don't. You say... was already writing hate tweets about Luca saying he wasn't as good as a two time MVP. Yeah, or which is whatever. I, it wasn't hate. So was what was the point it, of that tweet then? Just to be what honest, that, what was we the point of that tweet? So close to what are the point of some <laughs> tweets? <laughs> just to get them off. No, what was the point of that tweet? Just acknowledge that. The point of that tweet was to diminish Luca. That was your point. That's not true. So was the point of the tweet to prop up Jokic? Yes. Yeah, okay. By using a player that uh, he's enjoy, already enjoy basketball, exactly. man. Just enjoy basketball. That's what I was trying to do. Yo, bro, Riv. Yo, Ke- 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 Kevin Durant is... Kevin Durant will never be as good as LeBron James. Is that propping up LeBron or, or diminishing KD? It's acknowledging KD. it's LeBron. It's no, it's diminishing LeBron's it's diminishing, it's diminishing KD. KD. That's what you did to Luka. You diminished Luka, and that's why they called you a Luka hater. And now you don't want to admit it. Hater. You was hating on Luka, and everybody knows it. That's why they be calling you out on it. You was not I, I don't think it, if you're a Luka hater, be a Luka. It's fine. I really have no problem with Luka. I don't. I don't. Now, Dells. Ah. The Wolves and Celtics split. Hey, we did. Both two overtime games. Uh, both games, we were both missing some key players on both sides. You never saw 100%. Uh, but it was a fun game. The, I, what I wanted to say was, just just please never say Anthony Edwards and Jason Tatum in the same sense. With all due respect. Ant Edwards, I love that man. I think he's going to be a star one day. He's going to be a superstar one day. But right now, it's not his time. I love it. It's JT. Jason Tatum. It's JT. Welcome to the MVP Welcome to the MVP conversation. <laughs> it's about time. I mean, he does this shit every year, bro. First two, three months, he be trolling. Then January comes around and people be like, SGA is better than him. Edwards is better than him. He's like, I, I got to remind y'all who the fuck I am. Bro, trolling like he's won anything. It's honestly fucking yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Won a lot more than Bro. Edwards has. Won a lot more than SGA. SGA and, and Tatum the same age, by the way. Won a lot more than SGA has. Mm. Motherfuckers acting like SGA is 21 years old out Tatum here. Tatum is, is your number one favorite player. It's h- it hilarious is. of you to use my third favorite player. That's not what he's saying. I, he's I'm just not, I'm in saying general. in general. Oh, well, I'm SGA, to you. SGA, wait. People, SJ act, people act like SJ is this up and coming young superstar. Like he's the same age as Jason Tatum. SJ might legitimately win MVP this year. Good for him. He has a so better Jason chance than Tatum. Tatum I think. Why? Because he's he does better it, than Tatum. No. Also, his team's not as good. His team's not as good. And for him to do what he's doing with that team, although oh. awesome, it's but not if, the same. If Tatum puts up damn near 30, 10, and 6, like he's doing, what are the efficiency? Okay, she's about to be the number, could be the number one seed in the West. 
Celtics tonight. have the best record in the NBA. To be honest with you, if the Celtics, we have one more do, game against OKC too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah lost. The I think SJ is just yeah. playing better than Tatum. Not they in the last it. five games, like you mentioned, eighteen point lead. But uh, marginally. Yeah. But the entire season, SJ's been playing better than Tatum. Marginally, but I'll agree. I don't know Tatum if it's trolls. marginally. I think there's <laughs> it, it's pretty comfortable. Well, the like three-point shooting, has it's clear. It's Jason Tatum. But then everything the, else offensively, SJ clears right now. And, and then... SJ's played like a tough hoe player in the league. He's been awesome. Yeah. He's been good. He's been like, awesome. I, I think SJ has played like that, like what you said. How damn time. Tatum's been doing this shit for years. He's been hurt. Yeah, sucks for him. He's been a 23-point-per-game scorer for like four or five years. Who's talking about? SJ? Yeah. I'm happy SJ is entering Tatum conversations. He deserves it. He's a great player. He he might surpass it. I'll be fucking honest with you. And Tatum? Yeah, if he he wins MVP and he goes into the playoffs and this shit translate, Mm -hmm. we talking about MJ-like ability. uh, Are we be serious? I don't know what like, he's doing serious, right now. Bro? I don't know what he's doing. The thing is, they wasn't, they wasn't there. I can't have conversations. They wasn't there when in 2021, OKC went 16 to 19 when SJA was in a lineup. That's when I was here. So I was here. I but can't have conversations. That wasn't just saying SJA's got MJ-like abilities. I can't do oh, this. When, when, okay, so wait a minute. Now, really, now you're really crazy. Can't. When he does SJ's, it with Tatum, he's trolling. But what I, I fucking do it, it's I can't have conversations. Have I said Tatum's my goal. Tatum's the goal. This, that, that. Have I said Michael Jordan? No, you're trolling. Have I said Michael Jordan? MJ's getting crazy. You get crazy. He calls Tatum the goal. It's trolling. But when no, I you had a serious MJ comment right there. No, Your ass was dead. No, serious. you were being dead ass. No, I, was, I swear to God, I was trolling. I swear to God, I was trolling. I was really trolling. That's not the first time I've heard it. I heard John compare it. Now he's MJ. dead ass. John's being serious. John's be, has trolling. John ever said something joking, like jokingly ever in his life? You know, but I'm you don't want to co-sign that statement from John. Uh, MJ, like John is just saying that we haven't seen a player be as impactful offensively, and then also tra- be as impactful defensively. At the two spot positions since Michael Jordan, he's an idiot because Dwayne Wade is existed. Doing. What Dwayne is Wade, doing? Dwayne Wade literally existed in 2008. He averaged 37.5. Well, he no, nah, no. Nah, I'm sorry. He didn't say he never seen somebody do it. He said what SGA is doing is MJ like shit. Okay, because well, D Wade did it, Kobe did it, so it. it, it so you don't co-sign that. So LeBron not count. We're talking two guards. Got yeah. it. The so co-sign that he, we haven't seen this since MJ. No, that, that's no, wrong. no, no. He said that di- what SGA is doing is MJ like shit. I'm not gonna, nah, I ain't go, I ain't go signing that. Brother has not want What's what's this man want? A playing game. I, I can't go sign that. I can't go sign Michael Jordan. I can't go sign that. Same age, Michael Jordan ain't won a playoff series though. He 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 had he had 60 points in a playoff game. Please against the best Wait, team 20, of all time. At 26, he did win a playoff series. One of the best teams. You know you know your MJ history. Please don't. He had 60 points in a playoff. No, that was the that was the year he averaged 40 in the 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 series versus the Celtics. No, this this is he said. MJ never didn't win a playoff series at this age. Tatum got multiple no, he, he 50 didn't. bombs in the playoffs. No, in, 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 in that playoff series. At 26 years old, well, MJ didn't win a playoff series. Oh, I thought he was 25. Tatum's got multiple 50 balls in the playoffs. SGA's 26. So he was 25. Nah, I think SGA's 26. Nah, nah. He got, got 15 in game seven, don't he, that man? Oh, he's a well, MJ at 25, man. he played six, 17 playoff games. So I swear to God, he His first playoff series was against the Celtics. His first two playoff series, he lost. He played Celtics and. is 25. Yeah, he is 25. He's not 26. When he turned 26. Um, you should know. No, I don't know, bro. Birthday. I'm surprised. You, I'm, you didn't I, wish I, him happy birthday. I'll do it when I see it. So, Dejounte Murray, you like him more than no, Dejounte. I saw it, so I wished him happy late. birthday. Yeah, I was late. July twelfth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so he'll be twenty six this year. Yeah, that's so. What's like July eleventh hits or like twelve March or some shit? I think. Really, steps in March. So, if you weren't able to get out your prediction for the first seed in the West, so who is it for you? Yeah, I'm you guys. You know, don't say you guys. Don't say you guys. You guys forgot I was on the time. Don't say you guys. Me off. You know, it's uh. 
Um, but I think you guys all made some good points before you started yelling at each other and, uh, you know, getting into arguments. I do think Minnesota having one of the easiest schedules left. They're a tough team. They're, they're built to win regular season games. But I think OKC, they're on fire. They're top six in both categories. They're a team that SGA's lighting it up. Chet, he, he's my rookie of the year. He's been hooping J-Dub his last six, seven games. He's been on a heater. Like, this team is legit on both fronts. But then you got the Clippers creeping up. You know, that big three. When they're all on one, it's it's extremely like you got Kawhi in the first quarter, Harden in the second, then PG wakes up in the third. It's like this team on all and then Norman Powell can do some shit late. Like this team is really built for this type of moment. I think the Kings in Dallas, I think I can keep them out of this conversation. I think, you know, they'll be hovering around the five, six, but I don't think they'll be in contention for Dallas a number ain't no one seed. One seed, Are you shitting me? I was I ain't gonna be rude. But I do think I don't think the Kings I think Kings in the Dallas, they'll be they'll be comfortable in that same area, but I don't think they're a one Pels seed. Too. It, Pell's also, I think it really comes down to Denver, um, Clippers, Minnesota, OKC. The top four right now. Yeah, and, I, and I'll ride with, ah, fuck, this is tough for me. I'll ride with OKC. I, I just think they've been on fire lately. They, 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 Like you mentioned, they wake up for these games more than not. They have something to prove. And SGA, he's just been, if not outside of Luka and Embiid, I think he's been probably the third best player in the league. So I'm, I'm a ride with OKC. Who are you riding with, Dells? Um, Timberwolves. You're going with the Timberwolves? I'm going to go with the Timberwolves, too. I, the dark horse, which probably shouldn't be a dark horse, but it is the Clippers. If they can stay healthy all year, I think they're getting excellent production from everybody. Harden fits in with them great. He's running the show. And then Zubas is playing at, at the highest level he's ever played at as well. Miss him. Uh, give some love to J-Dub, too, bro. Last 10, 72.9% true shooting. I didn't hear you apologize. I just it was, heard that. It was a quick sentence. He had a number. I said his last seven. No, last 10. Yeah, but I said his last seven. Oh, shit. I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. He had the true shooting percentage. That's yeah, you, you didn't hear me. I get you. He, I really, heard me. Got it. Good shit. No, he's been yeah. unbelievable. His stocks, too. 2.1 steals and blocks. His, his, his ability to play high-level defense, too. I mean, the, this trio of Chet Holmgren, SGA, and J-Dub is crazy. And like I said, they can get better at the trade deadline. That's why they shouldn't tinker with it just yet. That's why I wouldn't add Lori because I think Jalen Williams and Chet can be the two and three. They don't really need a guy like that, so... It would be nice. The only but thing I want them to add is just another big. I think that yeah. would help for sure. A lot of contending teams could use that that extra big off yeah, the bench, and especially if Shaq gets in foul trouble. You know, I don't, I don't like some of their small. Kelly Olynyk, maybe. That'd be cool. I think they need more of a big that can bang with like the more Joker. Size. Yeah, like yeah. a little bit more physical big. The Drummond? Drummond. Yep. You're not, you're not leaving, man. I'm trying to tell you, <laughs> you guys, hold on for dear life. Now, Riff, you're on a time crunch, so. Yes, I would like to give my predictions. I would like you to give your predictions as well I for the NFL through. wild card. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so what's the first game? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> first game, easy one. Bills and, and Steelers. I'm going with the Buffalo Bills, man. That That's... that's I was... You know what's funny about the Discord that we have? It's a lot of idiots in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, One dude was trying to tell me this is a trap game for Buffalo. I'll be fucking honest. If this is a trap game and you're struggling with this game, then you had no reason to do what I you think just it did. Be closer than the weather's gonna be wild. No, TJ no, Watt's, Watt's not playing. Not playing. Facts, like facts, that's facts. the thing. Like the weather's gonna be wild, but at the same time, you have shown you've won five straight. You're the hottest team in the they league. You're the number Without two seed. This should this should be ten a point, comfortable. The ten win. point spread is what's like ah. It's, it's, that's that's a nasty one, but I, I do got Buffalo. Shoot me the next one. Rams and, at Lions. Fuck. This is. This is probably one of the tougher games. This is probably one of the most exciting games that we talked about for sure. The Rams, if they're healthy, they're one of the best. They're probably the best offense in the league. Uh, defensively, I looked up their numbers. They're like bottom 10 in defense. The Lions aren't a good defense either. I'll take the Rams on the roll. I think Stafford has something to prove. You know, this is his old team. You know, this is a 
pretty much a, a storyline that we could build upon. But I think Matthew Stafford goes in there, has a light show. Puka shows out. This defense, you know, uh, steps up, and I think they beat the Lions. Next game, the Dolphins at Chiefs. <laughs> that smirk was you know, dubious. you would think Drew would be the only guy to pick the Dolphins. But Ooh. I think I'm going to go with Miami here. Okay. I, I, I do. I, you know, I don't know if Drew even knows if Drew's going to go. Yeah, <laughs> listen, I went back and forth, but I, there's just something about this Kansas City offense that I really don't trust. I really don't trust this offense to go in there and, and, and put up some points. And I know Mahomes is Mahomes. I know Andy Reid is Andy Reid. I know it's going to be freezing. Two is not going to be good. But I'm, I'm digging storylines. And two, two, no, Tua hasn't been good in weather that they say. You forget about that snow game. In no, Buffalo. no, I, I remember the other ones. Though. He's negative but, EPA. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think. EPA merchant. Got it. I do think. Use it now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah, I mean, you need stats to talk about, uh, so you have get credibility. EPA, it pisses me Doesn't off. Doesn't matter to me. I do think there's a storyline here, and I do, you know, me, I'm a storyline guy, and I think Tua, first playoff game, something to prove that extension is going to be looming. You know, Tyreek Hill in Kansas City, you got to show out. So I, I got Miami in the big upset. Riv just gassed me up to pick them. Because I still don't know. Miami? Uh, next game is going to be Eagles and Bucks. Whoa, this is the trap <laughs> game, you know. And I know Ain't no trap. No, no, no. This is a trap for some people. And I know when I leave, I'm gonna have to watch and hear a couple people, not a couple, just one guy on here talk shit, pick Tampa Bay. Don't forget I'll bet Bucko. But um, I got Philly. I, I, there's there's no doubt in my mind we come out this first round. I, I really don't think we'll win in the second round, but I think in this first Riff, round. I'm also letting you know you're the only person that's picking the Bucks. Well, that's uh, fine. That's not you two aren't haters. So fair enough. You know, Jalen Hurts hasn't thrown all week, you know that, right? He said he's good to go. And my guy said AJ did pride today, AJ's good to go. Smitty's good to go. Smitty did play. Well, if they don't play, obviously I'm going to flip off. They're going to play. I'm assuming they're all going to play. So I got Philly. Browns at Texans. This is a tough one, man. Ah, This one. These are are hard strings here. This one is this twin ski, my agenda. Browns lose round one. I'm I'm chatting. Ah, man. I'm going to go. I think, you know what? Ah, fuck. This one's tough for me. I, I, I really don't know. I'm going to go Twin. I'm, I'm going to go Twin. I'm going to go Houston. I, I'm, I'm going to go Twin. I'm going to go Houston. I, I, I do believe CJ goes out in there. And he he throws up a light show, and he he has a fun day. You know, He this- just always has an out, and that's why I can't fuck with him sometimes. <laughs> he always has an out. I have an out. What's his out for the Browns? Oh, he's paying Twin. He's going up against my <laughs> guy, CJ Stroud. It's my fault the seating went like this. It's not my fault. Because I would have respected you. If you said, I'm taking the Browns, but I hope that CJ plays well. Because this was the team that could play any team and make a run. Drew, I'll be honest with you. I would rather see CJ go forward. Than Me too. Go forward. I think I, the whole world would rather that. Yeah, I, I, but I love CJ more than I love the Browns agenda. I do. That's one of my favorite players. So I'm going to go Houston. Uh, the only reason why I have difficulty Aren't you, is that- Didn't you used to be Lions family? You're, you're a I'm, sellout. I'm Ramley to the day I die. Yeah, you're a sellout. That's what you are. Because you weren't Ramley to the day you died last year. To be fair, but it's, last a, few it weeks, is a double agenda. It is a double yeah. agenda. You fell, off, you fell off Detroit But I was going to say, sure. I've been, but I've those been first, transparent. That first month of the season, y'all were up here telling me to go to the Super Bowl. So I didn't like, say that. Never, 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 did I say Super Bowl. I don't know if Detroit could go into San Francisco or Philly, who was good at the time. I don't know if they could beat them. You're like, what the fuck not? You were still a great team. You're just going up against one of the hottest teams in the Los Angeles Allegedly, now you're Ramley. What do you mean now? What do you mean now? Were you there all last year? 
With Ramblin? When they were garbage? They were no. You, see, you don't be there for the mud. That's your fucking that's, problem. I'm not a, that's not my team. But you just said Ramley for life. He said Ramley for life. Well, they, he, he they started the pick a side tradition, man. He just said Ramley. That was the first year. You never said Ramley for life. That's not. For life, man. Stop playing. I fuck with the Rams for sure. But he said Ramley for life. Listen, how... I'm stamped. Who was their quarterback? It was Baker for a game. Who was their quarterback when Stafford That was if you're Ramley for life, you're Ramley for life. Yeah, he was on the Broncos, too. If you're Ramley for life, you're Ramley for life. I'm a diehard Jets fan. I, I was talking shit for the first month of the season. For was, two, three I just months, watched I GTR, PJ Walker, and Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco's sure. actually couldn't ride for Ramley for but, life. But I'm not they were, for life. they were winning. If, if they the were Browns, winning. If the Browns were fucking 5 and 10, we're not here having a Browns. Topic. But I'd still be watching. Okay, I'm, maybe here we go. It was John Wolford, Bryce Perkins. Yeah, look it up. Yes. He didn't even know. Baker Mayfield. No, he's, I was naming the other guys. His names are crazy. John Wolford is straight crazy. I'll be honest. What kind of delusional person rides for a bad team? When you're not a fan of them. Did you watch them at all last year? They were not worth watching. I figured. Ramley for life, he says. Next game. Also, Cooper Cup is hurt. Like, that this team was uh, not good last, last year. game, Packers at Dallas. Dallas. Comfortable. Yeah. Dallas comfortably. Dallas is home. Jordan Love. Uh, I, think Jordan Loves, I think Jordan Love has a really good game. I really, Jordan I do Love believe Cooper. that. I think, I think he has think a good he game. Does too. But I think Dallas at home, they have, some, they have more to prove than Green Bay. And now, Riv, I don't know if you want to get into here this week in the NBA. And we got two more minutes left until you got to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one. Here we go. Talk, talk, talk. Uh, shout shout out to this my guy Jude. NBA. Jude just texted me. He said hey. he's watching. He had a basketball Stop game talking. the other day. I found it. He's shouting out his guy. I'm sorry. Uh, shout out. He said he had two jumpers. He took a charge foul. He loves the podcast. We love you, Jude. Tell him to stop playing. Go ahead. Somebody in the uh, no keep playing, but you know what I mean. Okay. Here we go. So January standouts. I hope you guys didn't see this. Offensive efficiency over the last two weeks, minimum twelve possessions, one through ten. Go. Offense. Uh, Tatum. Tatum is not up here. So last far. what? Last 12 last games. 12 games. Often, SGA. No, last two weeks, minimum 12 possessions. SGA. SGA. This is offensive players. efficiency? Yes. Obviously. So, field goal percentage, two shooting percentage. Points per possession. SGA is number five. He's at 1.28. Tatum's not there. This is the last two weeks. Tatum's uh, not there. Laurie is not up here. Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson's not up here. Luca. Luca is not up here. Julius Randle. Julius Randle is not up here. God, These All are right, funny Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is not up here. I'll be Jokic. honest, these are funny. James Ooh. Harden. Okay, if they're funny. Joker's one. Okay. Yes. Okay. James Harden is not up here. These are these Kawhi. are I'll help you out. A lot of bigs. A lot of bigs. A lot of bigs. Uh, okay. Oh, that's okay. Rudy Gobert. You're an idiot. You not that type of big. Shangun. <laughs> no. Cat. No. Anthony Davis. No. Bam out of bio. No. KP. Yes. Yeah, he's at 10. Demonte Sabonis. No. So you guys got one five. Brooke. Ten. Jared Allen. Yes. He's at three. Now you're cooking. No, Brooke. Brooke Lopez? Yeah. You're trolling. Giannis. No. You're trolling. What do you mean? This is efficient. Tarnstein. Tarnstein. You're trolling again. <laughs> there is one more guard left. Um, You're never going to get him. East or west? The guard is in the east. There's two guys on the same team. Dante DiVincenzo. No. Uh, you guys are missing a You said never guess. Scotty Barnes. No. You're cooking. Pass Dennis Schroeder? Boom. Oh, okay. Seven. Who'd you say? Dennis Schroeder? Nine. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, okay. So you guys got 10, 9, 7. Five, one, two, uh, and three. So two and uh, two, four, and six. We don't. Ha- we got one. Yes, one was the Joker. Okay, Chet makes sense. Chet is up here. He's at four. Well there done. You go. So now you need number eight, which you might not get in six. Victor Wembanyama. Hell no. <laughs> what do you mean? You just had a triple double. <laughs> I just wanted to say hell no. Um, Zubak. No. So okay, both these. One of these players are in the East. One of these players are in the West. Jalen Duran. Wow, he's at number two. You're a cook. Ooh, You're a fucking cook. <laughs> it's such a weird list. It so is a weird what, what do we got left? Last two weeks. So you got eight and you got six. Eight, eight is in the east. 
Mark They're, Williams. No. Both are big men. No, one is big man. The other's a hybrid. Jalen Johnson. Man in the East or West? The big man's Jaylen in the East. Jalen Johnson. I really felt East. good about that. The one, one in the West is a, a wing. He said no to Jalen Johnson. No to Jalen Johnson. Johnson. I'm surprised he's not up here. Lou Dortz. Hell. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. (laughs) (laughs) And you said Lori wasn't. Oh, and he's been hooping. Yeah, no, 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 no. Obscure wing? No, he's a regular wing. Oh, he's him. He's he's like, you should really know this. Okay. LeBron. No. Yeah. You're getting hot, though. How the fuck do you guys not get this guy? He's always on every KD? efficiency. Yeah, KD. Yeah, 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 oh, he's yeah, at six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now number eight, you're not going to get. He's this in the East. East. East big? East big. East big. Let me lock in. Because I got Jalen Duran. Clint Capella? Nah. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no. uh, okay, that that wasn't a terrible. Clocks, there was like clocks. No, no. Good <laughs> God, no. If he was up here, I'd throw a party. Miles hmm. Turner. Nice. Not going to get. That was, yeah, that was, was relatively say, easy. It's like a backup bigger. It took 30 shit. minutes to get that. Oh, my capping. So, number one is the Joker. Two is Durin. Three is Jared Allen. Four is Chet. Five is SGA. Six is Kevin Durant. Number seven is Pascal. Number eight is Miles Turner. Number nine is Dennis. And number 10 is Kristaps Porzingis. That is, over the last two weeks, the most efficient offensive players. And for that, my brothers, send you off. Peace hey, good luck in your scrimmage, man. We're going to lose. Get the dub. Yeah. If my guards are not coming. Ah. It's honestly embarrassing. It's kind of this nuts because you drafted them solely room. because you knew that they're them and they haven't shown up for Gano's well, My practice is usually at 6.30, but the guy I'm scrimmaging his practice is at 8. Somebody okay. actually hit up the TikTok um, page and they messaged. It's asking if uh, Riv on the show is Riv his coach for Rec. I'm crying. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, because one of my players did ask me like, yo, do you uh, have a podcast? So it, it that might be him. I feel, I mean, they, they see your face on the podcast, see your face in real life. I don't think it's too much to put two and two together. Yeah, really, some people really don't. <laughs> Bro, we were at the gym yesterday, and some kid comes with me. Is is two an elite quarterback? And I laughed at him, and I was like, yeah, I think he is. He's like, I knew it was you. <laughs> <laughs> so Riv is about to leave. That's why we had him give his NFL wildcard predictions, because that's what we're going to get into next. Um, Riv, hold on, before you go, Riv, what are your thoughts on uh, Joel wanting the NBA topics first to get your NBA thoughts instead of the NFL topics? Because you've been so well-versed in NFL this season. I Even respect that he did that because he, he, he still understands that NBA will forever be okay. number one in my heart because okay. that's my brother. He, he knows me like the back Make of my sure. hand. But I want him to know I've been locked in you've and been, I'm, oh, I'm, been, I'm full. We've, we've been yeah, well I'm, I'm full on ready. Man's been aware. Com has been aware. I'm full on ready for the NFL. You got people turning their back on me. That's how good you've been. Don't turn your back today. Stand. Oh, by the way, what are we doing with the, this uh, pick'em? I I won the pick'em regular season. I'm creating you know a custom belt for you. Okay, I know, but for the playoffs, are we just doing it from scratch, like, or it just doesn't count? Do you want to do the entire playoffs, or you just want to do? Shit, I'm getting my title. I'll take my title and run. It's the easiest thing. I know I've we ever didn't seen. really have. We never really came to an agreement. So. Well, huh? I think I think that uh, you should get the belt for the regular season. You know, the playoffs is going to be hard for us to you know catch yeah, up true. regardless. So okay, I think you'll just get the belt. Um, it's a custom belt. Yeah, it's a custom okay. belt that has the pick-a-side logo yeah, on it. Good luck, bro. You're it, giving the audience a free show. Oh, my ass, right? Yeah, it's fat. Because with the custom belt, it's not as expensive as the WWE belt, and it has the 
sign of the logo of Pick a Side. That's lit. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm the WWE belts are like $500, bro. Oh, yeah. The custom belt is like 200 <laughs> Yeah. Ah, that reminds me. I need to get Chelsea. Uh, uh, she won a fantasy league. I need to get her a little trophy. Oh, she won that league. Yeah, she did. She, and the order. one that she drafted, CD, uh, all them? Yes. Yeah, she had a good team. For Mimo goes, you always sound like you're pretty high on Maxi when I hear you bring him up. Do you believe that he is a top 10 point guard? He's Ooh. playing like one this year. Oh, Maxi. Sorry, sorry. I don't know why I was thinking like IQ. Uh, yeah, for sure this year he's been top 10. He has been a top 10 point guard in my mind, yeah. Josh Boateng goes, I find it funny how Drew individualizes certain topics based on his agendas. <laughs> Smart man. And yes, you are the pick-aside Luca hater. If only they knew what happens behind the scenes. Yeah, if they only knew it was right. I appreciate that. Amaratsu goes, don't sleep on the Steelers. Here we go. Do, do any of us have the Steelers even making this game remotely close? Without TJ Watt, I don't know how you can. I do think it's going to be an ugly game. I do think that Steelers defense is still okay. Like, I could see this game being controlled by Buffalo from start to beginning, and the end score is like 13 But let me ask you a question. When they played against the Dolphins, you anticipated that the offense would put up more points than they did. Buffalo, this is? Yes. Uh, it was fine. 22-20? No, 21-14. That was the score. I'm thinking of the Dallas guy. And one of those touchdowns... well. One was a punt return. Yep. The other was a tip pass that perfectly fell into Sherfield's hands, which was an, a, a, a visually pleasing play. But yeah. Mickey Mouse. All I'm saying is we anticipated more that they would be able to put up more points against a far inferior defense, given the injuries yeah, for the that's Dolphins. Why I don't like this plus ten, minus ten. You got to lay. I'm I have no interest in that. Oh my god! I'd probably lay it down. I'll go with the Bills. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Steelers have no TJ Watt. That that's yeah, that's enough. what it, it does it for me. That's it. You know, if they don't have TJ, I think if TJ you know, played have much of a chance. I'm not saying we give him a chance, but if TJ played, I'm not taking a spread. Okay. I know that's we're talking football, but finally someone came in the comments and said Dells is definitely more of a Luca hater. <laughs> like finally, because I'm not the Luca hater. I get grouped into it. I don't think I'm a Luca. I just take Tatum. It's my favorite player. See, and that's also I think what, Tatum over fucking everybody though. I mean, you, you can go. name me an Embiid hater, Jokic hater. Fuck it. So this week in the NBA, mine was that Steve Kerr says the team lost its spirit, confidence, and belief. Me too. The mindset is that everyone but Steph is on the table from Shams. It's, that's yeah, a crazy quote to put out there. That's like basically saying this whole team is defeated. We don't know where we're going. The direction seems clueless. But if I'm if I'm the Warriors and Steve Kerr, I would do the same thing. Everyone's available but Steph Curry. We still know Steph can be elite. He's been struggling here and there. But we know Steph could still be a top five player in basketball. So whatever we have to do to put a championship caliber team, if that's possible, I don't think it is possible. But every piece is available. Let's try to figure something out. It's gotten so bad that Steph Curry's playing bad. And I asked Riv today, I said, what the hell? There's really one constant that should remain in Steph Curry being an elite basketball player. And he's been inconsistent for the last two weeks. Uh, Has his games where he's going to blow up and you have games like last night. Uh, you, you worry about the landscape of the Warriors, especially without Draymond, but he's rumored to come back relatively soon. This team needs a, a remake, and I, I kind of equated it to the 2018 Cavaliers before the trade deadline. Terrible team. But knew, you knew the, the foundation, LeBron James, was going to have to be the Achilles heel if this team wanted to make any type of run. That's kind of the position that Steph Curry's in right now. He's in his later years. He's 35 years old. He shouldn't be in a position where he needs to backpack. He, unfortunately, is going to have to do that. After the trade deadline, I anticipate that some serious moves are going to be made, and we're going to be looking at a different Warriors team. That's what it's going to have to take for the Warriors to be in contention by any means. But where we stand right now, there's no optimism that you could have with the Warriors outside of the fact that Dre's coming back and Steph Curry, Steph Curry. 
And you only give him that because of what he's shown you throughout his career. They're monitoring Pascal Siakam right now. They've been in talks with the Raptors. I think the Warriors are done. I think even if they make a trade for Pascal, I think they're done. I don't think they're going to compete in the Western Conference. And it just goes back to something I've been saying is that them whiffing on the draft is what led them to this position right now. And this isn't the first time it's happened. You look at the Pistons in 2003 taking Darko Militic over Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and Carmelo Anthony. You know, the, the Pistons went on to go to five straight ECFs after that moment. And had they actually drafted an impactful player, it could have pushed them over the top. But, you know, they made their own bet by drafting a player that wasn't impactful for them. And I feel like the same can be said for the Warriors because in order to make this old era and young era work, they needed to draft well. And they didn't draft well, and I don't think Steve Kerr has been developing well either. I think Kaminga's lack of growth, or I should say sporadic role in the offense, and Moses Moody as well, it just hasn't been a situation for a young player to, to blossom in. You see some poor body language too from Steph last night on his sideline. I mean, he's down 20 in the third quarter, and he feels like, I got to do all this shit. When he's having an off night, he knows that it's over. My this week in the NBA is giving some love to Jalen Suggs. From where he started as a three-point shooter coming into the league to where he's at right now. Started in his rookie season, 22.2. Shout out to the six-man show for laying it out as perfectly as they did. Go follow them if you guys are new to them. Magic Podcast, they break down Orlando Magic content every single, what is it, two two times a week? Every week? Uh, But on two attempts, 22% from three. Not good at all. Last year, 34.8. We saw a little bit of an improvement. A little little less attempts, 2.1. And then this season. The drastic jump to 42.4%, doubling his attempt from last year. Obviously, we know the impact that he has on the defensive side of the ball, but we were always longing for him to take that leap offensively. We're finally seeing it this year. Obviously, we knew that that was such a significant piece that they needed for them to really take that leap amongst the better teams in the Eastern Conference. And offensively, they've been looking for that guard that can stretch the floor for years now. And so now you finally have that with the Jalen Suggs. He's been one of their best players and one of the breakout players of the of the, this young NBA season. And I have to give him some love because I feel like there were some strong question marks about what he could do as a player and whether or not the that pick was looking like a, a, a bust. But finally, we're seeing his offense translate to the NBA level. NFL wild card predictions. We're going to start off with the game that is most anticipated this week. That's the Rams at Lions. Is Matthew Stafford going to end your Cinderella season? You, you know, know, Dells, you said you were split on it. I don't know what you're going to pick. But, Drew, I mean, you have been the Lions supporter. You've been the Ramley guy. <laughs> so do the Lions, in their first home playoff game in 30 years, go out with their former franchise quarterback eliminating them? Now, let me say this. You say Cinderella season. I don't feel that way, personally. I think coming into the season, if you knew anything about anything— you felt as if they would take a leap. They have the offensive pieces. You know Amon Ra has the talent. David Montgomery uh, obviously gives them a boost in the run game. Jameer Gibbs was an excellent rookie prospect. Never anticipated him to be this great this quickly. Uh, 
And Sam Laporta, the breakout that was, when you got the reports that he would be a big part of the offense, you, you kind of wait with rookies in that conversations, but then seeing it actually play out, that's really what was great to me. And then the defensive side of things, I believed in Aiden Hutchinson. I believed in the young players that they do have in that offense. Bringing in a Cam Sun, unfortunately, C.J. Garner-Johnson did miss most of that season, but he was supposed to be a big addition for them in that secondary, which was what they needed help with the most. He's back and, now. And he is going to be playing, which is a huge boost for them. But even still, the second Secondary for the Lions is not the best. Uh, when, it's, and when it comes to giving up points, they still are, I believe, right now 22nd in terms of yards allowed. So I don't call it a Cinderella because kind of felt like this would happen. I still feel as if this was their division all season long. The defense kind of made things a little bit scary at times. But last year we saw them produce one of the best offenses in football. We saw that happen once again. And then you add another dynamic player to that and week by week, even though Jameson did get banged up in that Dallas game, we're starting to see him now be incorporated into this offense a lot more, which adds some explosiveness, adds some speed, some big playability. And he's going to be playing this week against the Rams. This was by far and away the toughest matchup for me to take. For the idea, you guys know, very high on the Lions. But the Rams, when you have Matthew Stafford out there with the Kyron Williams, with a Puka Nakua, with a Cooper Cup, the best offense in the league. And there's some amazing offenses but we're talking about the Rams as the best. To me, this is the toughest one, but I'm turning my back on the Lions, unfortunately. Mm. I'm going with the Rams. I think that with the way that Matthew Stafford has been playing this whole season, Puka Nakua, breakout rookie, Cooper Cup, of course, we know how great he is. Kyron Williams is the X factor, even still with all that being said. You know how great he's been on the ground. He's versatile. He still gives you that pass-catching ability. But why I say he's the X factor is because the Detroit Lions' strength on defense has been their run defense. But Kyron Williams has been one of... You could argue he's been the heart and soul of that offense, even though you know Matthew Stafford, you know Puka Nakua, but the impact, the ability to just beat you up, that's just been Kyron all season long outside of, of course, the time that he missed. But when he's on the field, his presence has been felt. If the Lions cannot stop Kyron, the Rams take full control of this one. And I think that it'll be an offensive shootout regardless. I think the Lions will still be able to put up points just for the idea the Rams' defense isn't – it's not bad. It's not a great defense. It's a good defense. They do have some, some, some strong pieces on that side of the ball. But I just think the Rams' offense at this point – is better than the Lions, and the Lions have had an awesome season. They'll be back next year, but I just think the Rams, they're going to pull this one out. Hear that, Sean? Turn his back. I'm sorry to my brother, Sean, and I know that he's upset at me. He just added me in the chat. <laughs> oh, did he? He did. But at the same time, at the same time, this isn't an indictment on the Lions. It isn't. It is more so giving credit to the Rams and who they've been, understanding that Matthew Stafford lives for these moments. Jared Goff's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder. He's got something sure. to prove. But Stafford's going home. And we know when it comes to big moments, there are maybe less than three quarterbacks in the league that I would take over a Matthew Stafford. He just lives for these kind of games. There is so much on the line for the Lions in this game that I've been pulling back and forth on this one. I didn't know who I'm going to pick. At first, it was very easy for me. You know, if you asked me this question two weeks ago, I'm like, it's the Rams. A week ago, it's the Rams. But now that we're here, people treat this as Matthew Stafford's homecoming. But I think this is more so Jared Goff's revenge game that. for a team that just dumped them and didn't want any part of them. And they, they had a lot of dead money to move on from Jared Goff because they didn't feel like he could lead them 
to where they wanted to go. The ups and downs the Lions have went through in the Dan Campbell era for them to have the first playoff game in 30 years, I think there is a scenario where Matthew Stafford is a little bit overwhelmed by the emotion of being back in Detroit. Oh, Lord have mercy. I think, I think that there is a scenario where that can He's happen. He's back on questioning Matthew Stafford. Who would have thought? It's I'm not questioning Matthew Stafford. It's just that's a lot for a guy to take in. For a guy to his first time being back in Detroit, to, to see that place, how it's going to be with all those fans, and to know that you got to be the guy to eliminate a team that uh, – eliminate a franchise that you love for so long, I feel like it's going to be hard for Stafford. I really do, but – you know, Stafford's a professional at the end of the day. He'll be received well, too, I believe. The Lions, will, the Lions so fans too. will and give him some In love. this game, if he wins, I, they probably applaud him. But I think in this game, he is the enemy. He is. I think the Lions fans treat him as that as well, that he is the enemy. There was a fan page that made a ban about having his jerseys at the stadium for this playoff game. It wasn't put out by the team like some may have thought. It's a fan that, that did that, a Detroit Lions fan page. The emotional aspect of it. I just feel like it's all riding a wave of momentum for the Lions to win this game. I kind of just feel it in my gut that they will. But then I look at the analysis and I look at the facts and I look at the evidence. Both teams match up well against each other. Most definitely. But I think the difference in this game is going to be the interior pressure and I think the passing game. So... You mentioned the run. The Lions have been great at stopping the run because they sell out against the run. For sure. They are one of the worst teams against play action. Yep. That's where the Rams live right now. For sure. Right now, 95% of their offensive plays are run through 11 personnel. So they spread you out. They force you to have more defensive backs on the field. And when the Lions are in dime personnel, they're 31st in EPA per play because they don't have much secondary players to really trot out there. I don't think the Rams will necessarily be effective on the run, but I think their play-action game will be effective. And I think Matthew Stafford will have a lot of snaps from Shotgun and pick apart the Lions' defense. And I do trust this offensive line to hold up. The other week, I, I talked about the Rams' outstanding draft. One of those players was, was Steven Avila, mm-hmm. who is their guard, who's been excellent for them. You have Rob Havenstein on the on the right side. He's going to be blocking Aiden Hutchinson. So I, I'm very comfortable with him handling that matchup. The Lions this year... 31st in run stop win rate, 26th in pass rush win rate. Their front four doesn't win. They just allocate more bodies into the box to win versus run looks. I look at the Rams, and Aaron Donald, to me, is the X factor in this game. And he's one of the greatest defensive players of all time, but he's the X factor because the Lions, despite a lot of myths that their offensive line is great, their tackle play is great. Taylor Decker and Panay Sewell. They allow the third most interior offensive line pressure in the NFL. Aaron Donald and rookie Kobe Turner are top 10 in pass rush win rate this year. I think it's going to be a mismatch on the interior. Jonah Jackson has been very unreliable at that guard spot. Yep. I think Aaron Donald and Kobe Turner are going to have a great day. It's a field day. And the Rams are going to win because the Lions will have to sell out for the run. They will not be able to stop these play-action looks. I think the Rams will get a lot of interior pressure on Goff. When Goff is under pressure, he crumbles. And especially from the interior, that's the worst type of pressure. When your guards and your center is being beat, that's the worst. So I think Goff will have a subpar game because he will he will be pressured a lot. And that's why I think the, the Rams are going to win. But I will say, I think just the emotional turmoil of this game is kind of heading for the Lions to 
pull off something that they haven't done in a very long time. You still don't think Matthew uh, Matthew Stafford smells blood in the water? Like you know Matthew Stafford, he is a he definitely has it in his mind. Hey, this was home for a long, long time, but I got a job to do. I I I understand that I shared a lot of I I spit a lot of bread with some of those guys over there, but at the same time, I still want to make history myself. I want to show that the Rams made the right move by trading by me, even though that was already proven two years ago. Yeah, that's why I said this is more of a revenge game for golf, and I think it is. It is. Golf has passed a lot of tests this year. A defense coordinator that he had little success against was Brian Flores, dating back to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Brian Flores was the one who game planned that Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Golf was terrible. Golf, when he's faced Brian Flores, has been terrible. But this year, in the two matchups against Minnesota. Golf played really well. So that's a, maybe a sign of things to come of Golf exercising some of his demons. I do think Golf is a better quarterback now than he was then. This is a tough game, you know, but I think a lot of these signs point to the Rams winning. And that's why I'm going to go with them. It's a tough game. I was going back and forth just like you guys. So all three of you, Rib's not here, but all three of you guys are going with the Rams. Your pick is surprising. Um, I think these teams share a lot of similarities. I think, for one, these are both offensive-driven teams. Uh, when you look at the Rams and the Lions, they're both top 10 in points and in yards. They can both throw the ball, both top 10 in passing yards, both run the ball, top 11 in rushing yards. And I do think both defenses can be exposed. Um, but I do think both teams also have a massive advantage on both of their sides. I think for the Rams, it's having Sean McVay, um, a, co- a head coach that's been in multiple Super Bowls, has won a Super Bowl, has been in deep playoff runs, and as the play caller, knows what to do in these high leverage situations. That's not to say that Ben Johnson can't. I think he's going to have a great game plan, but I do think that's a pretty big advantage that the Rams have been here, have done that. Um, but then I look at the Lions side of things, and I do think their big advantage is their rush defense because as Drew mentioned, Kyron Williams has been sensational this year. You can make the argument after CMC, he's been the second best running back in football, and even after missing four games, he's still second in the NFL in rushing yards. But the Lions' run defense is really fucking good, man. They haven't allowed 100 yards to a running back all season long. Justin Fields is the only one who rushed over 100 yards, got 104. Um, They allowed the third fewest yards per carry, second fewest rushing yards, eighth in success rate, advanced numbers, raw numbers. You're going to tell you this Lions' rush defense is really fucking good. And then you kind of have the, you know, emotional aspect of it, where you have, on one hand, Stafford's return to Detroit. And I don't think Detroit fans hate Stafford by any means. There's a ton of love there. You know, that was their franchise quarterback best quarterback in franchise history, all of that. Um, but this is also the first game Detroit's going to host at home in 30 years. Last I saw, the cheapest ticket to get in is like $600. Jeez. This Detroit, this dome, this home field advantage, I think is is going to really be able to hype up and, and will Detroit to victory. I got the Lions winning this game. It was a game I went back and forth on really the whole week. And they match up evenly. They really do. But I think having that home field advantage, having all of that crowd that's going to be going fucking crazy, seeing their Lions in the playoffs for the first time in our lifetime at home, um, I think that's the the little edge I have to give them. You know, I think you could look at both sides. Yes. I think you look at both sides. (laughs) You can nitpick and find, well, the Rams do this better. Well, the Lions do this better. Um, And I think they match up pretty evenly. But I'm slightly leaning the Lions here. I think they win. And that's the issue with this game. or That's the trouble with this game is I think both teams do match up well against each other. And the Rams' defense is, like, a little bit better on paper, but they're very susceptible to explosive plays. So I think in this game, 
we will see a deep shot to Jameis Williams that they could potentially connect on. I think it's going to be a point of emphasis to really spread the field vertically. So this is an evenly matched game, and I, I listen, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said. I game think of the week. This is game a very emotional game That's for the Sunday, Lions. 8 o'clock, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. This next game is not as emotional. It's going to actually it's be emotional uh, for the show. No, it's the most emotional by far. <laughs> it's going to be freezing I'm cold. Fucking terrified. Dolphins I mean, at Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by minus four and a half. Both teams eleven and six on the year. The Chiefs won the first match with twenty-one to fourteen. The weather is going to be a high of eleven degrees, but it's expected to be zero degrees by kickoff and a low of negative nine. The Dolphins in cold weather games under forty degrees are zero and nine since twenty seventeen. One in five against playoff teams this season. Just another stat to throw out there. Riv is picking. Who was the that one team that they beat? Is that your Super Bowl pick, Dallas? The Cowboys. Oh, okay, got yeah. it. On the the road Cowboys, not the home Cowboys. Cowboys. They, 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 there's two different Cowboys. Noted. I mean, listen to me. This is not a. It's not a debate on who I'm going to pick. I know. I, I'm picking the Chiefs. Got it. And the reason I'm picking the Chiefs is there's really no explanation needed. No, no explanation the needed. Uh, there, there is a bunch of stats to back up my claim. Not the offense. For ones. one, on offense, I, I don't know why we continue to treat the Chiefs like they're the 30th ranked offense in the NFL. They are not. They are an average offense. You know, they aren't groundbreaking. But in order to get this offense going, Andy Reid has to run the ball. And the Chiefs run the ball very well. And in a cold weather game like this, I'm not a big fan of cold weather games. I think it doesn't give an advantage to either team, frankly speaking. It just makes us watch football that's not played at the highest level because of the temperature. I understand it. You know, I understand people's fascination (laughs) with it. But... This type of game is going to be won in the trenches. And when you talk about the defensive line and the offensive line for the Chiefs, I just think they're a much more physical team up front. They will be able to run the ball. I think Mahomes, I mean, all year long, he's been dinking and dunking his way down the field. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to do that this game. And the biggest factor in why the Chiefs are going to win is because they're going to get pressure on Tua. Yep. And when you get pressure on Tua, the offense is completely different. Just to put this out there, the Dolphins this year are eighth in run block win rate, but they're 31st in pass block win rate. And they have an injury in Connor Williams on the offensive line, but they are going to be healthy for the most part with Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, and Teron Armstead playing this game. It's important for this offense to get the ball out within two and a half seconds. For sure. They are a team that if they don't get the ball out within that time and pressure gets home, they are drastically worse. 66% 66% of Tua's passes this year are out within two and a half seconds. Tua is the least pressured quarterback this season. Miami is third in EPA per play with no pressure. They're 24th in EPA with pressure. Since week 14, teams have stopped blitzing Tua for that reason. He's only facing blitzes on 7.5% of his dropbacks. That's the lowest blitz percentage, um, and that's led to the Dolphins' highest pressure rate of the season as well. When not under pressure, Tua has a 51.8% success rate on throws outside the numbers. On throws outside the numbers under pressure, that success rate drops to 31.2. When you get pressure on this offense, Tua does not have the playmaking ability to get out of the pocket and make plays, so therefore it falls apart. And by quarter, this is just the season. In the first quarter, Tua's success rate is 53%. Second quarter, it's 52.5%. Third quarter, it's 49%. 
fourth quarter, it's 36%, and he's getting pressure on 36% of his dropbacks, which is up from 24% in the third quarter. He's taken a lot of sacks when you force the offense to straight dropback situations, and with a defensive coordinator as good as Steve Spagnola, what he's most known for is changing the picture on you and sending pressure on you. I think in this game, what you're going to see a lot of on your TV is you're going to see a lot of Chiefs defenders lining up close to the line of scrimmage, showing blitz. They will drop back. They will change the picture on Tua, and if you can force him to hold on to that ball just a half second longer, just a split second longer, that dramatically changes how this offense is. We saw versus the Ravens, Tua forced a lot of throws to the middle of the field, Outside the numbers, he's still not a good quarterback. He's not been productive there, and that's been defense's game plan. That's been defense's game plan when they've played against the Dolphins. They take away the middle, they make it muddy, and they force him to throw outside. And dating back to last year, that has been a successful game plan against this team. The Chiefs' defense is elite. There's no no other way around it. They're an elite unit. Steve yep. Spagnola is an elite game plan designer. I think Chris Jones dominates this game. I think there's a lot of manufactured pressure. These people don't talk about it, but the Chiefs got two of the best, got one of the best cornerback duels in the NFL with McDuffie and Lejerry Sneed. Mm-hmm. They lock up with Jalen Waddle being questionable, Lejerry Sneed on Tyreek Hill, and him having safety help because I don't think they won't put him on the island. They shouldn't put him on the island. I think you really make things muddy, and I think they can get home with four. And then on the other side of the ball, Oh, Mahomes is one of those quarterbacks that teams have stopped blitzing all in all because he just torches the blitz. This year they've blitzed him more because of the offensive deficiencies. But when you're telling me that you're relying on Houston, I think, I mean, Justin Houston and Bruce Irvin off of, and Melvin you Ingram. know what, off Melvin Ingram, you don't have Van Ginkle, you don't have Phillips, you don't have Chubb. The weakness of the Chiefs offensive line are their tackles. The strength right now of the Miami's defensive line is the interior with Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer. If you're giving Mahomes more time in the pocket and you're not pressuring him, it's going to be a long day. So I think the Chiefs will score. I think this game is, for the most part, an ugly game. But I think the Chiefs are better at winning ugly than the Dolphins, and I got them winning this game. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Go ahead, Mr. Dells. Oh, I was, I was ready for you to go there. Oh, I bet you were. <laughs> um... This is a lot of pressure for the Dolphins. Uh, I'll start by saying that. Go to uh, hell. A lot of pressure for Miami. A lot of pressure under Tua. Uh, these last four Just weeks, it's really been a lot of pressure. He's had some wins, <laughs> you know, at the Cowboys game. Uh, up. Had some losses. That Baltimore game sticks out. Of course, week 18 against Buffalo. And now this is the biggest test of his career, in my opinion. Going into Kansas City, he could right a lot of wrongs. He could make a lot of people shut up just with one game, with one performance, with one victory. A lot of the narratives out there about Tua we put to bed, at least for the time being, because being able to go into Arrowhead on the road as an underdog and beat Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, regardless of what this team looks like offensively, is a very impressive feat. Um, 
the weather's going to have a big impact. You know, zero degrees, negative 20, 30 wind chill. More than anything, I think it affects uh, probably the receivers more. That that ball's going to be hard. That shit's going to hurt when you catch it. But it's typically wind that impacts the passing game more than um, the cold. And we're going to talk about that when we get to the Bills and Steelers game because there's going to be some insane wind there. So I do think Miami, while it has to be a rushing-focused attack for both teams, I do think there will be some instances of you know both teams having success through the air just because the cold doesn't have the, the biggest impact in the world compared to the winds. But both of these offenses I don't feel great about. Um, we've been highlighting Miami's offense against uh, you know top opponents all season long. It hasn't been good. 20 against the Bills, 17 against the Eagles, who at the time were a contender, 14 against the Chiefs, 22 against the Cowboys, 19 against Baltimore, 14 against Buffalo. Truth of the matter is, though, when the Chiefs go up against uh, contenders, two of their offenses averaging under 19 points per game. So neither of these teams offensively, when they're going up against top-tier opponents, have been that impressive. And on paper... Miami's rushing attack, I feel better than, right? You get Mostert back, you know, he's questionable, but I'm expecting him to play. A-Chan has been sensational. I want to say he's still number one in, in yards per carry out of all running backs in NFL history. I think history he set the record. With uh, 100-plus carries, he's been unbelievable. And that ability to have Mostert and A-Chan that you could kind of get cheap touchdowns out of, right? Yeah. Where A-Chan, they do always do these little either misdirections or pitches, and he could just take that ball and house it 80 yards. The Chiefs don't really have that player, in my opinion, right? I think they wanted to be Kadarius Tony a year ago that could they could have that big break uh, breakaway ability. But Pacheco's just not that type of running back, right? He's going to ground you. Um, he's going to be breaking tackles, getting seven, eight-yard gains, but he's not the type to take a, a ball 70 yards and be able to, to score a touchdown on it. This is a tough game. I do think Kansas City wins. Um, being at home at Arrowhead is the biggest advantage. That's why I've been saying all season long, really this last like month or two, when Miami was in, in control for the number one seed, where they, where they uh, what was the saying? Uh, they controlled their own destiny to yep. get the number one seed. It was the most important for Miami out of all of the teams in the NFL, in my opinion, to get home field advantage because playing at Miami is playing like nowhere else, at least in the AFC, because you don't got a lot of dome teams. You don't got a lot of warm weather teams. It's a lot of Northeast and cold, and in this case, Kansas City, another really cold area. So the Dolphins kind of made their bed. Now they got to sleep in it. Going into Arrowhead, Patrick Mahomes has lost, well, one career game against Joe Burrow uh, two years ago. But other than that, he's been undefeated. So I do think, or they lose to Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Some, my apologies, two losses at home. Lost to Tom Brady and Joe the Burrow. The and then one of the best. I do think Kansas City finds a way to, to pull out this game. I think it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be low scoring. Both ground games have to show up. But for Miami, they need to prove it to me to be able to do it outside in a hostile environment like this before I could take them over Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. How I mean, many two or under throws do we see in this game? <laughs> At least two. Okay. Two, two. three. Just two. Four. Uh, how many under throws does he have this season? I think he had like the about three track? against the Bills. Three? Yeah. Read a goddamn book. Uh, I'm be honest, but gentlemen, we started talking about this, and my stomach hurts. I don't feel good, not even a little bit. My mind's telling me the Chiefs. Let's just go through the laundry list of of players that probably won't play. Uh, Xavier Howard already ruled out. You mentioned Van Ginkle, Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb shelled for the season, absolutely gutting. Uh, let's just look at the injury report. Uh, thankfully, Devon, uh, Devon Achan, uh, he uh, logged a full practice. He'll probably be good to go. Leon Eichenberg, same for him. Teron Armstead, like you mentioned, he'll probably be good to go. Robert Hunt, too, I think. Right? Robert Hunt, which is huge. You're going to have Austin, Robert, and, Ter and Teron. The offensive line's healthy. Correct. Of Connor, Correct. Right? Which is, it sucks, but Liam is going to go out there and, and, and do his best. Jalen Waddell was limited last week. 
was limited this week. I believe he'll play. But like Joel just mentioned, I think the big piece to this is Raheem Moster. You get Raheem, you get Devon, the two of them together, I feel more comfortable with them in their run attack as opposed to the Chiefs who can run in their own right for sure. I just can't feel as confident as I once did with the Dolphins' rush defense that was once one of the best rush defense in the league, but with all the injuries that we've seen, even with Zach, even with Christian Wilkins, it's just not having that same presence on the outside still hurts. You mentioned it. We're going to have to rely on Melvin Ingram, Bruce Irvin, who just got signed, Justin Houston. I I mean, it's not an ideal situation. Jerome Baker also will not be playing in this game as he came back versus the Bills. Was awesome but then goes out with a wrist injury. It's just a tough situation for the Miami Dolphins. On top of it, they're playing in Kansas City. It's going to be on record one of the coldest games in NFL history. Everything's just going against the Miami Dolphins in this situation. Again, my mind's telling me Kansas City, but I'll be goddamned. Complete the 72 season. I'll be goddamned. If I pick the Kansas City Chiefs here, I don't give a fuck what my mind's telling me. Sometimes you got to go down with the ship. And that's what I'm going to do this weekend. Win or lose, I'm there with my guys. Fuck Kansas City. I'm here with Miami. Let's fucking ride, boys. Fuck Kansas City. I do think Jalen Waddle. I think he plays. But a high ankle sprain coming back in two weeks is tough. And a high ankle sprain with Jalen Waddle is better than a Cedric Wilson and a Chase Claypool. I said that to you an hour ago, and I'll say it to you again. I agree. I don't give a hell because I could not bear to watch two of four throws to Cedric and Chase against the Bills. It was killing my stomach. I rather you. I rather you. And that's why he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league. I would rather have a 20% Jalen Waddle than those two guys. And Tyreek Hill also, which is is brutal, is that he picks up a quad injury, picks up an ankle injury, which is what he's had. But it's just everything going up against Miami this time. But they can still get theirs in the rush game with the offensive line being healthy, which is huge. I understand. I'm with you. I still think that the Chiefs will get pressure. I do worry about this Chiefs defense. But there is still a game plan for Miami to win this game. It's just going to be a matter of don't go away from the run like you did against the, the Buffalo Bills. Keep trusting it and, and, and ride That's it big. all the way there. That's big because I feel like in these games you guys lose, you get down. And it's not big. It's like no. a touchdown against yes. the Bills. And for whatever reason, Mike McDaniel feels, I don't know if panicky is the right word, but they abandoned the run game. Makes no the, sense The run to game me. was working against Buffalo. It wasn't like you're down two touchdowns with six minutes left. Second half, you could run the ball in the third quarter down touchdown, especially if you're the way you're picking up like seven, eight yards a clip with HN was, was unbelievable. So I think probably the most important thing for Miami, if they want to win this game, First half, you got to go into halftime with the lead. If you go into halftime, you're you're winning 14, 10, 7 to 3, whatever the case might be. If you go in and feel like you don't need to throw the ball and you can rely on those two running backs, I think that that's a, a good uh, game script for and, Miami. And last thing I'll say, Joel, before you go, the Dolphins' defense most definitely surprised me versus the Buffalo Bills. I understand that the Buffalo's offense has not been that great these last few weeks, but even with all the injuries, they still played. For what happened, for for with all the injuries, I think they played an excellent game. Going up against the Chiefs, who have had struggles offensively about essentially all season long, where they haven't been the usual Chiefs offense. Again, I think that they can just do a decent enough job 
to allow the offense to be in this game. And then it really all just comes down to the offense and if they're able to execute. It's going to be a brutal matchup. I don't expect this one to be high scoring. But if you remember that game in Germany, that last drive, you said it then, and I'm sure you could say it now. What was the reason they got in that position to potentially tie the game? Raheem Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert plays in this game. The run game needs to be the main a point of emphasis if they want to get away from this one. And then once you get into a little bit better weather situations, if you do move on from Kansas City, of course, now we get our guys a little bit healthier. God willing, if, if everyone makes it out okay, knowing Miami Dolphins, it's been a, a curse last few weeks. But this is going to be one of the toughest opponents that they'll have unless they're going to face the Ravens if they get to that point. But playing in this cold weather situation, playing, of course, the reigning champs, there's a lot of pressure being put on Miami like Joel's entire theme of his monologue was. But at, the, but at the same time... And there's more pressure on the Dolphins to win this game. No doubt. I'm not disagreeing at all. But there is a script for Miami to win. And again, and I don't give a damn. I don't care what the hell these inner thoughts in my head can be. I take them, I throw them away. They're telling you the I'm, truth. I'm riding That's until the wheels you. fall off. There's going to be two major things that are going to be the reason why the Chiefs win this game. And I want everybody to look out for this on, on a Sunday or Saturday is played, right? Because it's on Peacock. Um, Terrible, by the way. On the offense for the Chiefs, they will take advantage of the lack of edge play that the Dolphins have with now these, you know, veteran players now being thrust into this role. Melvin played awesome against the Bills. I think he still has something in the tank. They're going to call a lot of runs to the outside, and they're going to call a lot of, you know, motions for the tight ends to maybe double team and chip one of the, those edges. I think that's going to be the staple of their run game. And on defense, like I mentioned earlier, they're going to manufacture pressure and Tua's not going to know what's coming and when it's coming. There's going to be some instances where he thinks the blitz is coming. Oh, God, now I'm seeing I'm seeing seven drop back into coverage. Oh, now I'm, I'm seeing six come at me right now. With the Dolphins, when watch. you watch them, I want you to do an exercise when you watch this game. With the Dolphins, this offense all year long, whenever the ball is snapped and Tua finishes his drop, the ball is out. That's how the Dolphins' offense has been all year long. Where Tua struggles is when you drop back, he looks to his initial side, he now looks to other sides, and then he kind of starts scrambling in the pocket a little bit. He's a little bit panicky with his feet. Those are when mistakes happen. And I think in this game, that's when the most pressure is going to happen, and that's when the mistakes are going to happen. I, I just don't know how I can how I can trust the Dolphins in this spot. I mean, I, I didn't trust them clinching the AFC To be East. fair, his two mistakes against the Bills were as soon as he dropped his feet, as soon as he finished his drop back. That throw to Tyreek Hill, he made his last step, he let it rip. That throw to Chase Claypool, he made his last step, he let it rip. I'm not saying he doesn't make his mistakes, but it's just going to happen. You, you live with those mistakes because your quarterback is trying to win you a game. I mean, the first mistake to Tyreek Hill was like a double coverage interception. That's not. It was dumb. It was a dumb throw. I mean, that's not a good. To be honest with you, it's my least favorite play from Tua all season. But when you when you see Tua start going through the motions of the offense of the progressions, after he's off his first read, that's when the Dolphins' offensive line is the most susceptible to pressure, and that's when the mistakes start piling up. It's either going to be a sack or you know an errant throw. I think the Chiefs are going to hold up 
great and covers this game. But to be honest with you, that makes sense. That if you're holding on the ball for long, yes, you are susceptible to pressure. These defensive players are too good to allow you to sit in the pocket for longer than five to, to six seconds. It makes yeah. sense. That's the, that's just the difference between you know the Tua's and the Goffs and the Burrows and the Mahomes and the Lamars and the Allens is that you know Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, Lamar, they get that pressure. They could still do something outside for sure. of it for sure. So that's just the major difference. And pocket that, passers, you have to have an elite offensive line. Yeah, and the Dolphins' offensive line just this year. Mike McDaniel has been doing his best job to mask it. Agreed. But it's still not a very great unit. The Browns are favored on the road against the Texans. Are you surprised by this? Why should I be? The Browns have been the best defense in football. Number two, if you want to take the Baltimore Ravens, which 1,000% I'm okay with. They've been playing some great offensive football since Joe Flacco's taken over the reins, finished out his season with how many straight? Was it four straight 300-yard games? He's been playing some awesome football in his own right. The worry becomes turning the football over, which is what we've seen Joe Flacco do in his time as the quarterback as the Cleveland Browns. What happened? Oh, no, the Bucs are beating the Celtics 51-23. to Damn. Well, hey, credit to the Bucs because they've been playing some shit defense, holding them to 23 points. Is that the first quarter? It's the yeah. second quarter. Oh, I was going to say, oh, my God. And the Celtics are starting everybody. Maybe, you know, playing on the back-to-back matters, Dells. No, Horford. It's the honest stopper. Come on, Dells. Spit. Um, but, but back, but back to the back to the Browns and back to the Texans. I'm not surprised to see this losing, ha, not having Denzel Ward this weekend is definitely going to suck. Well, that's what I was going based off what Riff said. I thought that he said he wasn't going. He's to questionable. Play. Okay, which yeah. hey, you would love to have Denzel there. You know the difference that he makes on the field when you have Miles, when you have when you have Denzel. I mean, th- we're talking about two of their best defensive players. You need Denzel to be out there, especially with the way that Nico Collins has been playing. Last week versus the Colts, the, the man was unstoppable. We see him have these types of games where he can take over a game. And especially once Tank Dell went out, they needed someone to step up. You see the gravity that Dalton Schultz does have on the field, but Nico Collins is not that type of guy to, to only try and go one-on-one at. He's simply too good. He's simply too fast, a little too shifty, and has some of the most reliable hands. And with the way that CJ Stroud's been playing essentially since that Buccaneers game on, there's no stopping the CJ Stroud train and the way that the Houston Texans can play offense. To me, I can understand where Vegas is coming from. The Browns have been one of the best teams in the AFC this season. But I just think that something's going on over there in Houston. They've been playing some very effective football in the past. uh, Their past defense has been awesome, excuse me. But their rush defense, that's where they've been a little bit susceptible. I don't have too many worries about that with the Cleveland Browns as Jerome Ford has not been the most efficient running back. And by that, I'm being kind. He really hasn't been that efficient by any means. I still believe that C.J. Stroud does not matter who he's going up against. I think that he can still execute a strong game plan. And with Nico Collins, Don Schultz, those two will be good enough. And getting Noah Brown, Brown back in this game, in this matchup, is definitely huge for them also. I'm going to take the Houston Texans here, but should be a great game. And I don't expect it to be a high-scoring one. So Rib took the Texans too, right? He took the Texans as well. Okay. Um, I think this is, this is another tough game. Uh, this game and the, uh, the Rams game were two of the hardest ones of the week for me. Cleveland's defense, we know, it's been one of the best all season long where you look at, you know, raw stats, fewest yards allowed, advanced stats, it's going to be favoring the Cleveland Browns. They're historically, too, if you look at some of the numbers, one of the best defenses uh, we've seen throughout the years. For sure. Um, 
the one area I think that people might be, or I think the one area that Cleveland can get screwed in is the offense typically puts the defense in bad positions. Uh, they have a league leading 37 giveaways on offense. Lord of course, mercy. you give up the ball opposing defenses. Typically, not all the time, but typically you're going to have better field position than if you didn't give up the ball and scored a field goal, touchdown, punted. So on average, opposing teams are starting on the 30-yard line against Cleveland, which is seventh best in field position. Um, So not great. I think that's the one area that Cleveland obviously has to limit. Turnovers, we're going to talk about that. You know, Every single game, if you limit turnovers, that's always a good thing. But the one area where Cleveland... The numbers don't favor them as points allowed. They're like, I think, give up the 12th or 16th, something like that, most points. And it's usually because the offense just has a shit ton of giveaways. And then the opposing team is able to have a shorter field, be able to go down the field, field goals, touchdowns, um, or even pick sixes off of those uh, those turnovers. But Cleveland's offense lately has been humming. And I know Joe Flacco's numbers and interceptions aren't great, but if you look at his turnover-worthy play rate because they throw the ball like 60 times a game, it's really not that bad. It's kind of middle of the pack, a little bit below average. It's not the you know insane number that if you just look at his regular interceptions through four weeks, doesn't look great. Um, and I do think that's the one area where Cleveland would be able to have some success because Houston's rush defense is pretty damn good. Um, it is one of the best in the league, but I do think... That's not how the how Cleveland wins anymore, right? When they have Nick Chubb, that's how they win. Without Nick Chubb, you know, Jerome Ford has not been consistent. Kareem Hunt, at this point, his career is not really consistent running back, at least on the ground. He's more of a pass catcher than he is to running back. Um, but as a pass offense, this team's been pretty damn decent with Joe Flacco there. They're averaging 30 points per game, close to 400 yards per game. Um, the raw numbers are good. Advanced numbers, EPA success rate, not as favorable. 25th in EPA per play, 21st in success rate. But I do think this is the game the Cleveland Browns are going to win. Um, I have the Browns winning this game. I think defensively, when we we've seen them be able to limit damn near every offense they've played, they've had some moments here and there where they've had lapses. But overall, it's been one of the best defenses in the league. Going up against a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud, who we saw him struggle a ton against the Jets. That was probably his ugliest game all season long. To be fair, that was without Nico Collins. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to have a huge impact. We know Nico's having a breakout season right now. But Cleveland's defense right now, it's just playing too damn good for me to, to pick against them. And the fact that their offense is able to score gives me more confidence. If Joe Flacco was coming in here and he was the Joe Flacco I was expecting and they were averaging 14 or 17 points per game and you needed two or three turnovers from the defense to get you back in this, I would feel differently. But the fact that they've been able to score, they put up 30 on the Jets basically in a half, 300 passing yards on the Jets basically in a half, I think they'll be able to have success against Houston. So I'm taking the Cleveland Browns here. Listen, I can understand why you're taking the Browns. I feel like the Browns match up really well against the Texans. For sure. They play a ton of cover one. They play man. They play in your face. They get a ton of pressure just by with their front four. And the Texans offense has really not handled pressure well this year. The Texans offense, they're 29th under pressure in EPA. And they're 25th in EPA versus man coverage. So this plays right into the hands of what the Browns do well. You know they're going to generate pressure. You know they're going to play man. And that's something that the Houston Texans have struggled with because outside of Nico Collins, there aren't many players that can beat one-on-one man coverage. And that's just the truth of it. And then you add in the factor of Miles Garrett, who's going to be at least, if he's not defense player to year, he's going to be number two. Laramie Tunsil is going to be the matchup most likely, but sometimes they move Miles Garrett inside and to the other side, but that should be the matchup. The issue becomes now the passing game, the offensive timing might be thrown off because you have to have Dalton Schultz chip on one of these guys Mm -hmm. to help, and now he's late and getting into his route and what he has to do. 
the Browns offense has been playing really well. I know their stats look amazing, but like Dell said, like since Flacco took over week 13, they're 27th in EPA per play, 22nd in success rate, 27th in drawback EPA, 24th in drawback success rate, 27th in rush EPA, and 20th in, in rush success rate. Joe Flacco's been playing better. The eye test passes that. But I think the expectation for Flacco is so high because before Flacco came, the Browns offense could legitimately not move the ball at all. So, ugly. so Flacco just being able to move the ball like he has has given people, I guess, a false perception on how good this offense really is. And I think with the Texans' defense improving since week 10 when they got Stingley back, their fourth in success rate and first in rush success rate, they'll be able to stop the run. I think they'll be able to hold up in coverage. They should have a much better game plan against Amari Cooper, who went nuclear in their first matchup. And in their first matchup, Blake Cashman... Will Anderson, and C.J. Alden in play. The Browns right now are dealing with injuries to to Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills. Both of their tackles, they've been lost for the season. I think that's that's a matchup that favors the Texans. And with a quarterback like Flacco, who is very much a statue in the pocket, if you can get pressure on him, if you can make him uncomfortable, I think that's the game plan to winning. I think the Texans' defense is awesome. C.J. gets a lot of credit for the turnaround, but I've mentioned before that more than half of their wins have come because the defense has limited offenses to under 17 points. That's really been the reality. And if the Texans win this game, I think it's going to be an ugly defensive matchup. But I got the Texans winning. I got them winning 17-13. to 13. I think they beat the Browns. I- I'm just not sure, under pressure, that Joe Flacco can perform. That's a good line. Uh, that's a good score, I should say. So you said what, 17? 17-13, Texans. Damn, so I'm, uh, I'm on the opposite end for both of these kind of go either way yeah, games. This guy's a big uh, take-the-favorites merchant. Unbelievable, okay, man. So take the favorites. When Lions, Browns. I have, to, I have to find a way to hit on you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Those are going to be like the games this week that Dells is right on that puts him ahead in the pick-em bracket <laughs> again. My goodness. I, I, I feel confident. confident. I thought, oh, sorry, not to cut you no, off, but I thought, uh, I thought Riv, I was like me too. 80 to 90% sure he was taking the Browns. Shut uh, the shit. I thought it was just going to be me on the Texans, believe it or not. But Joel, you know, I mean, your analysis was pretty spot on. Yeah, that was, I mean, listen, they, they had a win and get in game against the Colts. CJ Stroud took care of business. Um, and the Colts, I guess, numbers wise, their defense has been fine. I actually levels too. can't say I was expecting to be alone. I thought you would take the Texans also. Oh, really? I was going back and forth because uh, obviously I had, you know, claims early in the season. I was like, you know, Cleveland's not going to win a playoff game. But then I kind of, last two weeks, I was like, well, it depends who they play. Like, it's like Houston or really anyone in the AFC South. They're playing Jacksonville or Houston, the Colts. They're going to have a chance. This so. is one of those. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw the Browns win. But again, it would be a similar 17-13 type deal where they just edge out enough points. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a, a pretty strong defensive duel. Tunsil does play. I just saw a stat on Next Gen Stats. Uh, when Tunsil goes up against Garrett, it's like a 2% pressure rate or something insane. Oh let me, my God. Let me find so he the, wins that matchup pretty handily. That's going to be the key. If they get pressure on Stroud, the offense can go haywire because I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball much against the Browns. So really, CJ has to yeah. be amazing again. Since 2018, Tunsil has allowed just one pressure in 40 matchups against Miles Turner. The lowest pressure rate, 2.5%, allowed to Garrett over that time frame. Yeah, that Larry Mutunso was one the, of the better the next guys. Be, the next, next tackles in the business. Best person against uh, Garrett is Ronnie Stanley at nine point nine percent. Tunsil was at two point five. Ronnie no. Stanley, it's crazy. He has not been the same man, but he's still he's still serviceable, I guess. Just the injuries messed him up. So we all got well Texans, three Texans, and then one Browns on the yes. table at the table. 
I'm wondering to see if any of us are going to pick the Packers. I mean, we kind of briefly did that on the mon- on the Sunday show. Mentioned it on the Sunday show. I think the Packers really got a legitimate chance at winning this game. I told you guys I'd take the spread. The spread is seven and a half. My final score, I got the Cowboys winning, but it's 27-21. I think it'll be around that range. The Packers just do a lot of things well that the Cowboys are not good at defending. Agreed. Agreed. They use motion 63% of the time. The Cowboys are not good at defending motion. The Packers, when they use motion, are eighth in EPA. 68% of their runs are zone runs. They're ninth in EPA in that. The Cowboys are not good at defending zone runs. And they're first in EPA against zone, eighth against the blitz, and third under pressure. This hasn't been talked about with Jordan Love this year, but Jordan Love has done an amazing job just being a general on the field and setting protections and getting to different looks and making sure the offense has the best chance to succeed against any defensive look. This year, he's being blitzed more than any quarterback in football. And when he's been when he's been blitzed, 10 touchdowns to one interception, and he's only taken nine sacks. That's a 3.7% sack rate. And he has a 10.2 average depth of target when he's not blitzed as number one in the NFL. Jordan Love has been one of the best quarterbacks against zone. He's been one of the best quarterbacks against the blitz. He's really been phenomenal across the board. The good thing about this matchup for the Cowboys is that they don't blitz. They just send four because you can get home with Mike and Demarcus Lawrence and pretty much all the time. They they send four rushers 69% of the time. So 70% of their defense is just with four rushers being sent towards a quarterback. But they play zone 46% of the time. So flip a coin. It's probably going to be zone. It's probably going to be man. And see, and Jordan Love has been amazing against that type of look. I think in this game, in order for the Cowboys to have some success defending the run, Micah has to drop into an inside linebacker role. He can't be the edge. You need him playing sideline to sideline. And I think that's their best recipe for defending the run. Because mm. that's really been, when Micah's been playing sideline side to sideline, that's when they've actually had success against defending the run. When he's on the edge, it's easier to take them out. You have somebody chip over. You have somebody yeah. double team them. Now there's not any open gap for him to run into like there would be if he's just straight on just playing sideline to sideline. The Cowboys, 32nd in rush success rate. I think this is a big Aaron Jones day. For sure. I think this is a shootout game. I think there's going to be a high-scoring game. And it just comes down to which offense do I think is better. It's the Cowboys. And which defense do I trust to make at least a crucial stop when the moment matters the most. That's the Cowboys. But I think this is going to be a shootout. You know, I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. Yeah, I think the I think Miami probably has the most pressure this week, but them and Dallas is close. Uh, you mm-hmm. have reports that date back to like a month saying that if they uh, if the season ends how they don't prepare, you know, Jerry Jones thinks he'd go elsewhere. There's just a report that came out 10 minutes ago from Tony Pauline saying if the Cowboys have an unfortunate end to their season, they could go and pursue Bill Belichick. Don't know how true that is. Tony Pauline's a pretty credible reporter. The Belichick, Jerry Jones relationship, that's a topic for another day. Um, but there's a lot of pressure on Dallas because, you know, this season has probably been their most impressive regular season in, in really years. Offensively, they've looked phenomenal. Mike McCarthy, um, you know, having Dak Prescott fully healthy, of course, this season. Um, Dak Prescott's looked amazing. You know, MVP type of dude, CeeDee Lamb breakout season. The pressure's on Dallas in this game, and the Packers really don't have much to lose. This is a team that's, you know, overachieved, in my opinion. Jordan Love having the breakout year, 4,000-plus passing yards, 30-plus passing touchdowns. He's been sensational. So I do think having that advantage where you're going into this game if you're the Green Bay Packers, as we've mentioned, one of the youngest teams in the NFL. Is it the youngest playoff team in NFL history? Was that the stat you gave? In the modern Um, era. Yeah, so... 
you know, these are a lot of dudes first time in the situation, the brightest lights, their biggest, most important game of the year. But I got Dallas winning this game. You know, they're there's more talented team on both sides of the ball. Um, I trust Dak Prescott more than I do Jordan Love. I trust CeeDee Lamb more than any weapon they have over there in Green Bay. And then defensively, I do think there's a path for, like you mentioned, Aaron Jones to have a big day because we know that that uh, that Cowboys rush game, uh, rush defense, I should say, it gets stuck out against Buffalo. I feel like that put everyone on the map saying this Dallas team is beatable, right? Before that, they were on that crazy win streak. They were beating up on everybody, scoring 1,000 points. Um, then they had that Buffalo game. James Cook went crazy, and everyone starts seeing, okay, there is a way to beat this Dallas team. It is through the ground. But I don't think Aaron Jones is going to be enough to be able to beat Dallas. We know them at home. One of the best, not the best home team in the NFL. For sure. They're averaging, what, 30, 40 points per game at home, putting up video game-type numbers. This is the year for Dallas to, you know, at least go past the, the first round. This is the year that the path to get to uh, the conference, or not conference finals, what they're called, the NFC Championship game is in view. Um, this is step one, being able to go out, beat Jordan Love, you know, maybe get a little bit of revenge against the Packers from years past. So I got Dallas winning this game. Some interesting news for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the injury report is one that I still believe both these guys will play, but we understand the significance that both these guys have. Zach Martin did not practice any game, any time this week so far. And Tyron Smith also hasn't practiced any day this week as well. Uh, could also just be rest. These are the veterans. These are pretty much the foundation for, for the Dallas Cowboys outside of a Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb. But we know what makes this offensive line great. It's those two guys and, of course, Tyler Smith, who thankfully was limited in practice. But on Green Bay's side, kind of concerning with Jair Alexander, was limited in practice on Wednesday, did not practice today on Thursday. So I still look at it like this. I, dis I agree with both of you gentlemen. I feel... The run game is going to be crucial for the Packers if they want to win this game. You already mentioned it. If there's one thing that Dallas Cowboys are susceptible to, it is the run game. And Aaron Jones, these last three games, has been phenomenal. If I'm not mistaken, 100 rushing yards in three straight contests. He got healthy at the perfect time for the Green Bay Packers. And Jordan Love, all season long, has been playing some awesome football. PFF just announced that he was their breakout player of the year, and deservedly so. I mean to have over 30 touchdowns, to be one of the league leaders in yards, to, to in the second half also limit the amount of turnovers that you had. He and LaFleur were excellent at executing a game plan, and it was able for them to, to, to lead as one of the best offenses in football, also while being one of the youngest offenses in football, one of the youngest teams in football, like you already mentioned, youngest team in the modern uh, NFL to make the playoffs. I say all this to give them their respect, making it to the playoffs, but unfortunately the run's going to be over. I do believe the Dallas Cowboys will and should come away with this W. Uh, simply put, Joe Barry, I, I can't trust the defense on that side of the ball. The way that Dak Prescott, the way that CeeDee Lamb has been playing, how can I envision CeeDee Lamb being stopped in this matchup? Especially if Jair's not going to suit up. Him coming from a limited to a no practice is concerning for me, but... This Dallas offense has been money all season long. Seeing Brandon Cooks now, week by week, get stronger in this offense. Also, Jake Ferguson, his breakout. Tony Pollard, a little bit inconsistent, but you still have to respect him as a player in this league. 
I still have to to give the edge to the Dallas Cowboys. But again, I say all this to respect the Green Bay Packers for making it to the playoffs with the first-year quarterback, with a bunch of rookies at wide receiver. Jaden Reed has been one of the more underappreciated really young players this season. Dontavian, I think you look him. at the way Dontavian Wicks is another one Wicks. who's been pretty awesome. You have the way that Puka Nakua has been playing. Uh, you look at the way that Tank Dell was playing before he got injured, or Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers. Put Wicks in that Rams offense. N- not enough respect be- being given to a Jaden Reed who's been awesome in his own right. To me, has been the best receiver for the Green Bay Packers this season. I still think Christian Watson is the most talented, but it's just a matter of him getting on the field. That's the bigger issue. But this season, it was the Jaden Reed show. He was awesome. This will be a good game. It'll be a fun game to watch with Dallas coming out on top. I actually think that this is going to be a Tony Pollard game. I think he's going to play really well. I don't doubt that either. The Cowboys have been inconsistent running the ball all year long. I, I think they need some life in the run game. And this is the game to do it against a defense that's going to play soft and not going to really stack the box. Pollard has to have a great day. You know, he's Mike been really mediocre this year. Mike McCarthy job on the line, potentially. Uh, and, of course, Dak, I think Dak is going to get his contract extension regardless. You don't have the season he just did. And Jerry Jones be like, yeah, you're going to walk. Um, but a lot of pressure for Dallas. Drew Robinson sent a super chat. Don't sleep on my Steelers in a yucky game on Sunday. Steelers fans are you coming out. You saw what happened to the Bills last year. Steelers fans are coming out. Yeah, I mean, they did look like shit versus Miami, against, uh, and they looked like hell versus uh, Skylar Thompson. Yeah, no, they look like hell against the Bengals too. Like the Packers are great against the Cowboys. They have a seven and one record. I think that that's what Deco put in the chat. They have beat them, but it's with been with Aaron Rodgers that's, and Brett Favre. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jordan Love joined that company, so who knows? Yeah, he might start com- early. In the conversation. It, it might be early. Imagine. Now, Riv is the only person to choose the Eagles. I'm not sure if you guys are going to choose the Eagles. Nope. I'm not choosing the Eagles. They're 1-5 in, in their last six games. They've let the Giants score 27-25. and 25. The Cardinals score 20, 35. The predictability of the yep. Eagles' defense is why I'm not going to choose them. Making a change to Matt Patricia has been a disaster. And I think the Bucs are just a different team from when they first played each other. Their first matchup was a, was 25-11. to 11. Jalen Hurts threw two interceptions in that game. He wasn't very good, but Baker Mayfield also turned the ball over multiple times. Rainy game I, yeah, I think he's going to be better. And DeAndre Swift rushed for 130 yards. Crazy, I mean, that game. He was a big reason why they were able to get such great field position offensively. I, I just think the Bucs are going to be much better. They're fifth in EPA against the run. The Eagles are 30th. I just don't see how the Bucks just don't get their way. I mean, you're, you're game planning for something that you know is, is going to show up. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Eagles' defense, they're predictable. So everything that's in the game plan, they are preparing for, and it's kind of like a cheat, cheat, cheat sheet for facing them. You know what you're going to see based off the look. If they go into a heavier personnel, oh, they're going to put five on a defensive line. So – I think this is a big Mike Evans game, Chris Godwin. I think Rashad White plays really well. I think Baker plays well. And I think the Eagles are are getting eliminated in the first round. And, you know, their offense has injuries. Jalen Hurts' finger is, is messed up. A.J. Brown's knee, Devontae Smith, Brian Johnson's play calling. I mean, this is just all pointing to the Eagles losing this game. Yeah, 10-1 and one feels like 10 lifetimes ago at this point. Uh, when I wouldn't even call them rolling, but at least winning games and, you know, scoring points offensively. The injuries, I think, you know, obviously most important, but even if everyone was 100%, I wouldn't be going into this game like, oh, yeah, the Eagles are going to go in, win by double digits, and just roll into round two. 
that's not what this team has been the last month and a half of the season. Defensively, they, they've been bad really all season long, um, especially though in these last six weeks, allowing the, the amount of yards and points you're allowing to the Giants and the Cardinals and, and just teams that if you have an average offense, you should be winning by at least a touchdown. I understand the Giants are divisional game, but I don't care. You have to go out there and beat the fucking Giants, especially when you had a chance to, you know, win the division, get the two seed. Um, so, of course, Jalen Hurts' finger is not good news. Came out today in the press conference, said he hasn't thrown all week long. They're lucky this is a Monday game because if this was a Saturday game, there's probably a chance he doesn't even play. I think he toughens through it. I would have lied. But, yeah, I threw a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I respect the honesty. Uh, but not throwing all week long, you know, they've already had issues offensively now. Is he going to be able to push the ball down the field? What type of velocity? What type of spin? Uh, you know, can he can he have touch on the ball? All of those things are in question. On top of that, you have Smitty, who missed Week 18. Probably going to play, but not 100%. A.J. Brown, who left in first or second quarter of that Giants game, um, you know, he's dealing with a knee injury, still hasn't practiced. The defense isn't good. The best players on offense are all injured. Uh, I love the Eagles, but I don't think they're going to win this game. And I think there's a real situation that Nick Sirianni could be losing his job. I think you look at the uh, the potential coaching candidates out there. Bill Belichick, I think, is a real possibility being able to stay in the Northeast, going to a team that could win a Super Bowl the very next year. I don't think he's going to go to some rebuilding team. Um, you know, Ben Johnson being a great offensive mind. You saw... Really, I don't want to take any credit away from Nick Sirianni because at the end of the day, you were the head coach that led the team to a Super Bowl. But losing Gannon, losing Shane Steichen, you saw both both uh, sides of the ball fall apart. You saw the defense be terrible and this offense be inconsistent. Jalen Hurts having the same amount of interceptions this year than the last two seasons combined. So I know Howie Roseman's a very aggressive guy. Wouldn't shock me if you know they lose on Sunday or Monday and, and, and Nick Sirianni's out not not shortly thereafter. So I got the Bucks in this game. Uh, they're the healthier team. They're playing better football. And outside of an offensive masterclass from this Eagles offense, which I really don't have a ton of faith in right now, I don't see a world where, where the Eagles win this game. Yeah, I'm going to pull a riv in this segment of the show. Not much to be said. Uh, can't feel good about the Eagles, especially with Jalen Hurts not being at 100%, Smitty not being at 100%, A.J. Brown being at 100%, this defense being a bottom three defense in the National Football League. They just so happen to be in the playoffs. By far the worst defense that's in the playoffs right now. The Bucks playing good football. Mike Evans is having an unbelievable season, was an all-pro second team. Baker Mayfield's been playing some awesome football. Let me bring out some numbers. Ninth in yards, seventh most touchdown passes this season. Baker Mayfield answered a lot of people, a lot of naysayers, me included. A sensational season with the Buccaneers. To get a playoff win on top of it, two playoff wins in his career would, would be if he were to win this game. Credit to Baker Mayfield, a resilient, a true professional guy. Got to give, give credit where credit is due. It's just as much as Jalen Hurts at that point. If you want to look like that, that, that way, he said as many points. wins as Jalen Hurts. Oh, Christ. If he wins this playoff game. I would love to see Jalen Hurts still play well, though. I don't want this narrative to be that Jalen Hurts isn't a good quarterback because it's already starting. We're already seeing it. I am more comfortable with the Nick Sirianni conversations of him being fired. I do think that's a possibility. You lose both your coordinators and you crumble this badly is pretty terrible. Uh, I still just want to say the Buccaneers are are going to win this game for the idea that they're, the Eagles are banged up and they're playing arguably the worst football of any team that's in the playoffs right now. It's just funny to think the one game we all agree on. Oh, no, fuck. Riv took the Eagles. I was going to say the one game is, yeah, we're taking Baker Mayfield and the Bucks over Philly. Baker Mayfield. Uh, shout out to our guy, Drew, who I know you said the, uh, the you read the Super Chat, but it was his first Super Chat. Shout out to oh, guy, shout out to Drew Richardson. 
Maybe related to Anthony Richardson. Could be. Who knows? Maybe. Steelers versus Bills preview. I mean, I, I got the Bills in this one. I mean, TJ Watt's not playing. I, I know people are making this out to be a trap game, but I think the Bills are just flat out better. They shouldn't lose, yeah. and they should they should win this game comfortably. <laughs> it, it was funny when you put the 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 topic list together. You kind of gave a, a question for every show, and you're just like, Bill's Steelers, Steelers Bills preview. Because <laughs> that's the idea. You should not expect anything other than a Bills win here. They've been arguably the hottest team in football. Exclude exclude the Ravens because the Ravens are in a league of their own. But to go on the win streak that they did to win the division, even with the offense not playing that well, got to give respect where credit is due. And it really starts with Josh Allen where I don't even think he had that great of a game versus Miami, but he just kept getting back and being resilient and still being able to go. He was willing the Bills to victory. 100%. 100%. There's very few guys that have that type of power in the National Football League. Josh Allen is just an unbelievable player. And Lamar Jackson is the MVP, will win the MVP. But if you were to come to me and say Josh Allen should be the, the most valuable player I'm not going to go crazy against that statement. Number two should be Dak. You know, and I'm glad you say that because I don't fully disagree with that. I look at it from the idea that this Bills team's not that talented. This Cowboys team is still a talented group. Offensive line still talented. CeeDee Lamb breakout season. Breakout because he went from being a top 10 receiver to now being in conversations of a top three receiver in the game, you still have you added Brandon Cooks. Jake Ferguson took a nice boost. We'll credit Dak Prescott there for sure. Tony Pollard's still a respectable guy on that side of the ball. But really, you look at the Bills offense. Yes, Stephon Diggs is still a great player. He has not been that same elite Stephon Diggs that at least we saw in the beginning of the season. This offensive line we know is still not that great of a group. Deion Dawkins, credit to him. He's it's been, been great this he's year. He's been awesome, no doubt about it. James Cook took a nice leap in his game. But we still have to see Josh Allen for them to not just be competitive but to win games. Have to see him play superhero ball. Earlier in the season, he was playing a little bit sloppy. And then ultimately, it, it resulted in a few L's. But these last five games that they went on this win streak, Josh Allen has had to, to go over the top and play some outstanding football. You look at the passing. You look at his rushing ability. To me, that's why I would lean Josh Allen in that regard. But Dak Prescott played some of the cleanest football of any quarterback this season. Was one of the most prolific passers in the game. I understand where you're coming from. I disagree wholeheartedly. <laughs> I, I really do because the five game win streak, they beat the Bills. Other way around, Chiefs. Oh, they no, sorry. Yeah, they beat the Chiefs. Josh Allen great in that game. Then they beat the the Cowboys. Josh Allen had less than hundred yards passing. He mm. didn't really have to do much. Well, that, that was game. a that was a blown that was a washed game. I should say they beat the Dolphins. You know, just week eighteen recently. He backpacked. It's, it's a great win. He played. He played great. He also had some pretty bad turnovers too, but he played great, right? Against the Chargers and the Patriots, did not play well. Uh, against the Chargers, he, he played all right. Touchdowns, you know, he played all right. And then against the Patriots, he played all right. I think you know the offense just as a whole, that entire game was very sloppy. I think the teams are talent; they're both talented, you know, equally, you know, because Ooh. Stephon Diggs and CD Cowboys Lamb, are definitely a more talented group. See. CD talking about them? The, the Cowboys the and the Bills personnel. I mean, CD Lamb and Stephon Diggs. If you say CD Lamb is better, fine. He had, but, by far was but better. But Stephon Diggs at least is in the same kind of conversation or tier or should be. And I don't think we should just judge him off of 
this year's production. You're Mr. This season, this year. But That's Stephon, why I say that. Stephon Diggs has been getting open, though. It's just that there are more options on the Bills now that are good. You know, Kincaid is better than Ferguson. But then why isn't the offense being as prolific as you're saying? Well, it has been. They've been running the ball well. They've been passing pretty well. I mean, when Stephon Diggs hasn't been getting targeted, it's been Khalil, Khalil Shakir. It's been Dalton Kincaid. James Cook was better than Tony to be Pollard this year. You, Dawson Knox came back. The offense had not been as good. So like bizarre, but true. James Cook has been better than Tony Pollard this year. Kincaid is better than Ferguson. You could say CD is better. Is Kincaid better than Ferguson? Yes, he is. I'm not going to agree. I, with I think that. He is. it's close. I think yeah. Kincaid will be. And yeah, will be this King, year. I, I mean, even awesome. if you say will be, I think he's a better player, but he hasn't been utilized. When you said Knox came yeah. back, he has not been in the same. Look, he went on like a, a four or five game stretch where he was getting damn near double digit targets every week. I think Kincaid is better than Ferguson. If you want to say that, you know, he's just Ferguson not is better. The offense. Yeah, yeah. E- even if you think that. Ferguson is better. I mean, it's like neck and neck. I, agree. You know, I don't think Ferguson is like a tier above him. I, I like Ferguson too. And then Khalil Shakir, Gabe Davis, I mean, they have like a pretty good group of receivers. At the, Shakir at, clears. You know, outside. Clears Gabe Davis. Almost. Definitely. Yeah, he's he's a better player. But the but Cowboys. Cooks is better than both correct. of those guys. He is, but then the third guy is non-existent. Like the Michael it's Gallup Jake is Ferguson. not. There's really not a third guy. I'm talking about in terms of receivers. For both teams, there is not, not a really third guy, guy for them. There's only top it's Gabe two. Davis, I guess. It's Stephon. Ga- Stephon Kincaid, Gabe Davis, Shakir. I think is equal to CD Ferguson, Cooks, and Gallup. Like I don't think it's crazy. Like I think that's similar supporting cast. Uh, and the the Cowboys offensive line is definitely better. I think it's better, but the Bills offensive line has been. Like elite That's this been year. really good. It has yeah, been probably yeah. the best of Josh Allen's. Yeah. Career. Like he's not playing with a bad offensive line. That's why I would give it to Dak, man. I feel like if, if roles were reversed and Josh Allen had Dak's stats, this wouldn't be a conversation. Well, it's all fun and games when Lamar's gonna win. Uh I do want to talk win it. I do want to talk real quick about the Steelers and Bills game. Um, because the wind is gonna be like unprecedented. What I what I saw last night was twenty five mile per hour winds with gust over fifty miles per hour. That Pat's was it Pat's Bills game a couple years ago where it was like straight run 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 run. There was yeah. like no yards. Those were gusts around thirty five miles per hour. So this is what fifteen miles per hour faster. The wind's gonna be insane. Um, I think they're calling for some snow too. So I do think that it's gonna be an ugly game. And Steelers fans, you don't have TJ Watt. There should be no expectations. But I do think it's gonna be an ugly game. Like it would not surprise me. Fourth quarter of this game, it's it's a one score game. The Bills have scored two touchdowns, and the Steelers have scored two field goals. The Steelers are down by eight, and this is how they could they go on a you know two minute drive at the end and get a two point conversion. They could win. I do think Buffalo wins this game, but it's going to be an ugly game. Like I'm happy this is the one o'clock Sunday game. I might even fucking go to the gym or something and not even watch this. Uh, but I got I got Buffalo winning. There's there's no excuse for them to lose. There was big NFL news that came out in the last couple of days. I mean, we found out that Mike Vrabel is not with the Titans no more. The Titans have fired Mike Vrabel. Bill Belichick and the Patriots have parted ways. And then Pete Carroll has parted ways with the Seahawks, but he will still remain in the organization, just not as the head coach. I mean, first of all, which move surprised you the most? And then second, after we finish giving our thoughts on that, a little coaching carousel game that we have. Because now we have the Commanders, Falcons, Raiders, Chargers, Patriots, Panthers, Seahawks, Titans, all have coaching vacancies right now. And like you mentioned, depending on the playoffs, there could be more. You know, the Eagles could have one, maybe the Cowboys, maybe the Bills if they lose to the Steelers. I mean, I'm just throwing shit out there, but... You know, there's a lot of teams that need coaches. But which one was more surprising to you? Most surprising was Vrabel to me. Uh, You know, I've been up here saying that you got to get offensive coach, got to get offensive coach, but I think there's, you know, there's obviously... 
uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, uh, something to the I rule. I guess a, speci- a certain situations. Well, what's there's what's the phrase? There's there's always a not a cop out to the rule, but regardless, I know what you're saying. Yeah, well, what's the word I'm missing? Yeah. Here? Oh my god, <laughs> exception, exception. Thank you. Rule. There's exactly. always an exception to the rule, and Shout I thought I thought Mike Mike Vrabel was one of those guys where. Like, Tennessee has not done a ton right. I think dating back to the A.J. Brown trade, that's where it feel, feels like everything went off the For rails. Sure. Um, they trade A.J. Brown. I was obviously very high on Traylon Burks. He has not been good. A.J. Brown fucking clears him. And ever <laughs> since that happened, this team has really gone to shit. But Vrabel, is a, he's a culture setter. He's a dude that's going to get guys to buy in. And Tennessee right now lacks talent. I, I do think, especially on the offensive side of the ball, the offensive line is terrible. They might have the worst tackles in the NFL. They're the weapons. They have D Hop, but was that a two year deal or one year deal? If I remember, uh, I I thought it was a one year deal, but let me it let might me double t- check. Uh, it might be two. Um, but outside of that, Traylon has not been able to stay healthy. Showed some flashes rookie year, but really nothing this season. Two year deal. Um, and you have Derrick Henry, who made it seem like on so, that week eighteen week eighteen game that that was his last game as a Tennessee Titan. So, so Tajay Spears showed some flashes, but I don't know if he could be your workhorse running back in an offense. He's awesome. He is good, He's but good. Uh, the injury history concerns me. The, the size concerns me. But Rabel has been sensational for this team, and I think he's one of the best, probably top ten head coaches in the NFL. So I was shocked to see that he got fired by uh, the Titans. And I, Deanna Rossini, put out an article on the Athletic, basically said that. The reports that she heard was because of the lack of communication between Rabel and ownership is what I want to say. They hired a GM that I don't know if it wasn't approved by Rabel, but they fired the GM, kept Rabel, brought in a new guy. Obviously, he didn't hire Rabel. Um, And then also, um, what was the other report she said? It was the issues with, oh, and also in New England, when he went back, I think it was on their bye week, he got honored at New England. And he kind of said, like, you guys don't know how good you have it. Uh, I, Speaking I to how great the Patriots organization is, exactly, and how how much success he had as a Patriot, and I guess ownership found that disrespectful. I don't Definitely know. That, that was the reports Deanna uh, Deanna Rossini had. Of course, she's very plugged in the NFL, but it felt like ownership kind of having a bit of an ego, saying like, "Listen, you feel like you kind of been screwing us over, not communicating. We're gonna move on." Wouldn't be the decision I made, but that was my biggest surprise. You know, I was actually doing some some research on it because I don't. Disagree. This was definitely the move I was most surprised about. But then thinking about it, you're right, Joel. It's definitely an offensive league. And you look at the offenses that Mike Vrabel has led as head coach, even though we know he's a defensive mind. Three of the six years, they've had a 27th or worse offense. And even on the defensive side of things, three years where they've had a bottom 12 defense in terms of yards allowed. Back-to-back seasons of double-digit losses. It makes sense now thinking about it. The offense just was playing an old-school mentality type way where let's give the ball to Derrick Henry on first and second down, make it close on third, and then we'll pass in those type of situations. They were really stuck in a certain brand of football and refused to expand beyond it and have have failed to produce offensive results. I'm, I'm interested in what you're showing him. Uh, now, Underdog uh, put out lineup alert for the Celtics in the second half. Uh, Payne, Pritch- Payne Pritchard, Sfee, Sam Hauser, Lamar Stevens, and Luke Cornett start the second half. Oh, wow. Okay, well, you get ready for next game versus Milwaukee, and hopefully you guys yeah. play better. Oh, you guys, is this true? Mike Mayer, is he real? You guys, they said the Yankees signed Stroman. Yeah. We were progressing on a deal okay, is what okay. I saw, but then he, put, uh, he posted on Instagram uh, him photoshopped in the Yankees uniform. That's huge. Uh, but again, 
once you look at it, it does make sense. Now, it would be pretty ironic if they go out and sign another defensive-minded head coach. Then, hey, now I don't see your vision, Tennessee. But go out there, kind of live in the new modern-day NFL, give yourself a, a fighting chance where you don't have the offensive firepower, but bring in a, a, a mastermind offensively that can at least lay a foundation for you to feel confident in that regard. Now, I know Vrabel hasn't had the most talented of teams, but with the way that conversations are had around Mike Vrabel is that he was one of the best coaches in the game, pretty virtually untouchable, but the results really haven't been there in back-to-back seasons for the Titans. So to me, again, in the moment I can be surprised, but really taking a deep dive into it, it makes sense. The Vrabel one, after kind of looking at how everything went down, I wasn't really surprised by it. The Pete Carroll caught me off guard. Uh, I thought he'd be there at least one more year. I thought... I. Let me see because I I know he's moving to the front office. They pushed them out essentially. They did. They they pushed them out. They want a new head coach in there. With Mike Vrabel, I think there's faults on both sides. There's faults on the ownership because Something I think good. their their search for a GM was inadequate and they did the wrong job because the current GM is Ron Carthen who worked for the 49ers and you know the 49ers are one of the most respected football operations right now before Ron Carthen was John Robinson. John Robinson was fired last year during the season and Mike Rabel wanted the assistant of player personnel, the vice president, Ryan Coden to step up who he's now the executive advisor to the New York giants. As of right now, ownership let Ryan Coden, the then intern GM run their entire draft board for 2023 they drafted the players, so it was Peter Skaronsky, Tajay Spears, Will Levis, and then after they draft those players, they fire him, and then they, they hire another GM. If you're going to hire a GM, I mean, what's the point of letting this guy run your draft board and then firing him? I just never thought that made sense when owners do that, but I think in this situation, there's just a ton of people that always blame ownership for, for decisions and stuff like this. Mike Vrabel... I think also had a very big ego. Mike Vrabel had overachieved in Tennessee. He did some great things. They made an AFC championship game. And wherever he ends up, you better believe that Arthur Smith is going to follow him as the offense coordinator. And they're going to have some success very early on. Imagine Vrabel goes to Atlanta. But Mike Vrabel, what he wanted, Mike Vrabel wanted full control of the football operations. He wanted to be the head coach. He wanted to be the GM. He wanted to draft the players. He wanted full control like Bill Belichick has in New England. And we've seen in in previous head coaching stops with teams, that usually isn't the best formula long-term to win. Case in point. Exactly. And Mike Vrabel has done some great things as a coach. I don't think he deserved to have full control of what happens with a team's football operations. I still think he should have been collaborative. And from all the reports, him and current GM Ron Carthen were just not very collaborative. So I think their next head coach is going to be someone that's going to collaborate more. And this could be good for Tennessee. I think Vrabel's an excellent coach, but I think he got a little bit in over his head by trying to control the entire operation that they got going on. And as an owner, you can you can understand how that can kind of be a little bit threatening. And Pete Carroll, I feel like, got an extra year because the Seattle Seahawks did overachieve last year, especially mm-hmm. moving on from Russ to Geno. For Geno to have that career year that he did have for them to make the playoffs definitely bought him some some a little bit more time, I should say, one year. But 
They underachieved this year. They were supposed to be a playoff team, a locked playoff team, at, at least before the season started. I feel like a majority of us had us as had them as a playoff team. They fell short, uh, especially as the oldest head coach prior to, of course, uh, being let go or given a, a new position. Uh, let's just be specific there. It, it was time to move on. The writing was on the wall for a few years. Uh I just think that you look at last year's run, and that's the only reason why he stuck around a little bit longer. And, of course, he brought them a championship. He means a lot to the franchise. So they wanted to pay him the respect that he deserves. He's one of the better coaches that this league has seen, but it was his time. I think So you think Pete's done forever? I think, yeah. I think, there's, I think there's a chance he coaches again. I think he maybe steps away from a year. Uh, but he's still with Seattle. I know. I'm saying like he's going to be an advisor for the upcoming season, but it wouldn't surprise me if he moved somewhere else. You think that man's about to be 80 years old coaching a team? I mean, you see him on the sideline, bro. He's running he up and down. He's still. yelling. He does like, have juice. <laughs> I think the Bill Belichick one, it didn't surprise me. I kind of saw it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just interested to see what the Patriots do from here on out. I mean, it's, are they going like to hire uh, Mike McDonald? They have a succession plan. So Ian Rapport tweeted this out where the Patriots basically had a succession plan in um, Gerard Mayo's contract to more or less take over for whenever Bill Belichick was going to retire. Okay. I have like a thousand mentions because of the Celtics game, so let me find it. I just don't know why you'd go from defensive mind to another defensive mind. Yeah, you know, I would think that they would want a culture change and bring an offensive guy in there. But one thing's for certain, I think with their draft pick, I think it's third overall or fourth overall. Third. I'm not sure. Third. third. They need to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. And this kind of got some pushback, but... I think they give Mac Jones another shot. I mean, I think you know Mac, why I got pushed back. I mean, yeah, I know because people think Mac Jones isn't good, mm-hmm. but Mac Jones certainly wasn't good this year. But I don't think people understand the damage that Bill Belichick did to Mac Jones's confidence. The same type of thing that Brian Flores did to Tua, Belichick did to Mac Jones for sure. I mean, in the second year, you're making Matt Patricia and Joe Judge coach him offensively. Mac Jones then is so like distraught with the situation, he goes to an outside opinion to ask for their input. Bill Belichick finds out he gets mad at him. And from then on out, Bill Belichick was noncommittal towards any questions about Mac Jones being the quarterback for the Patriots. Anytime they would ask him, is Mac Jones going to be the starter? He would say, we got to evaluate our options. Everybody's going to get a chance. You know, he wouldn't be committing to his first round quarterback. You know, he never surrounded Mac Jones with offensive talent with receivers, with offensive linemen. The offensive line has gotten worse. Their their rushing attack this year was one of the worst as well. And you bring in Bill O'Brien, but the personnel is still bad. And once you have a quarterback that's confidence is shaken, I mean, that's the biggest name in a game. If you don't have confidence, you're not going to play well. I think a coach needs to come in there and kind of, you know, shrug Mac Jones a little bit and get the confidence back in him. I don't think it's Gerard Mayo. Got a feel for a guy who has Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki as two of their top options, yeah. you know? The, <laughs> you're funny. The, uh, so the Rappaport tweet is, Gerard Mayo is a strong candidate to replace Belichick if he is a choice. Um, if he is a choice, the Patriots could simply hire him. No need to go through the lengthy hiring okay. process. They established a firm contractual succession plan in a, co- in a prior contract and communicated it to the NFL um, there is a precedent. The Ravens did it with GM Eric DaCosta. Colts did it with Jim Caldwell. And the Seahawks did it with Jim Moore. The thing that sucks with hiring a defensive-minded coach is, obviously you get an offensive coordinator that comes with that. But let's say that offensive coordinator is successful. See you later. We're going to see it with see Detroit this year probably. Uh, I know Bobby Sloak has been getting some interest. Yeah. 
you know, it, it happens around the league. Mike McDaniel. Like, is I mean, Monken not going to be in head coaching conversations also? Uh, he was already a head coach. That's why it makes it tougher. He might be. With Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't think he's going to be, like, top of the list like Ben Johnson. He'll like, get interviews. No, no. Ben sure. Johnson should most definitely be one. I think Bobby Sloan Bucks will OC get should higher. be also. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Bill Belichick, you know. Lengthy career. Legendary career. Yeah, with all my heart. <laughs> What a, one of the best coaches of all time. Sad to see you go, Bill. Good Let's luck. predict this coaching carousel. I'm just going to say this. Bill, if you're listening, some off chance, don't go to the Chargers. Don't <laughs> go there. I'm begging you, please don't ruin my life more. Don't go to the Chargers. They don't need you. Predicting the NFL coaching carousel, first team up, the Los Angeles Chargers. Bill Belichick. <laughs> um, this is tough. Or Ben Johnson, realistically. Those are the two guys. I think they get the best coach because they have the best quarterback of the teams available. I'm going to go with Jim Harbaugh. I, I also am leaning with Jim Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh stays. At Michigan? I think he does. It, it would be it would make a lot of sense because they just won a national championship. There's no I mean, Michigan's going to be dominant. There's really nobody else that's as good of a coach as him in the college level. But I heard from Mike Greenberg that Harbaugh and him were at a meeting. at Well, not, not a meeting. They were at a funeral together, and they were talking about oh, wow. football. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about the young quarterbacks in the, around the league. He said his favorite is Herbert. I yeah. saw that. And mm-hmm. this, was, this was last year. He said his favorite is Herbert. I think he probably goes to the Chargers. The only reason why I'm hesitant on the Chargers is because Harbaugh left the Niners because he didn't have full control. And with the Chargers and their stubborn ownership, I don't think they're going to give him full control. And also, we're going to have to pay him insane money probably to, to get him out of Michigan. You know where he has full control. Fucking Michigan. He runs that campus. Next team, the Raiders. Um, I was going to say one thing, one other thing I want to say about the Chargers. It feels like they need a complete, like, organizational overhaul. That's Mm -hmm. why I think you lean with Jim Harbaugh. Not that Bill Belichick can't do it, but Jim kind of gives me that type of vibe. And also, we've seen in years past, I mean, not all the time, but sometimes Pete Carroll comes to mind. When you bring in a college coach for an NFL, to be an NFL head coach, you typically see the draft go really well because these guys have been, you know, obviously, you know, you're scouting these guys, you're recruiting these guys, you're playing them every week. Um, So wherever he goes, I'm interested to see his draft class. With the Raiders. Antonio Pierce. It should be Antonio Pierce. But did you see the Titans ask to interview Antonio also? Deservedly. I think it's Antonio Pierce though. He the the locker room's bought in. I know Tay gave his uh you know his tip of the cap, although he might not be there next season. Um, but he feels like a he, uh, you guys he, should hope so. I hope he, not. He feels like a Raiders type of head coach. Yeah. You know, it, it's gritty, it's hard nosed, it's we're gonna punch you in the mouth type of style. So I think he stays there. I think it should be Antonio Pierce, and I think it will be as well. This might be the hardest one to predict. And by the way, for the Raiders, mine is Antonio Pierce as well. I think he's deserved to be their head coach. This is gonna be tough to predict, but the Panthers. So the one thing about the Panthers, the owner sucks, but he's the richest owner in the entire NFL. So he's going to go out and he could pay for whoever the fuck he wants. I think Bobby Slowick could step into this one. I feel like you have Bryce Young. You do have a foundational piece there. They'll probably spend some money to go and get a wide receiver. I think T. Higgins is going to be a Carolina Panther. Do we save the Panthers for last? Do the other teams just to see who's left? Just okay. just to see who's left, because I don't I don't know who you're about to say with the, with the Panthers. I, what do you mean? I said oh, Bobby Slowick. Okay, it's so tough because ownership is such a mess there. And listen, I love Bryce Young. I had him as a number one quarterback. 
I'm not looking at the Panthers situation being like, I got a superstar quarterback. Like, it's a question he, he mark. Showed, he showed that he has traits to be good has, in this league. He definitely has traits, but that team, especially offensively, just has so many holes, and they're just draft picks, obviously. They're they're lacking a ton. Um, they have Fair. no wide receivers. They just paid Miles Sanders, and he ended up being a backup at the end of the season. That was always a bad move. So, The Atlanta Falcons. We can say that for last. Um, I think I think this could be the Ben Johnson move. Agreed. I think Ben Johnson sees kind of a fresh slate at quarterback. You got Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan. We know he's one of the best offensive minds uh, in the NFL these last couple of seasons, and he's shown that Jared Goff has turned into a really good quarterback. He's always been a good quarterback, but especially with Detroit, he's kind of rejuvenated his career from the early years with Sean McVay. Ben Johnson could not Desmond Ritter, but they could patchwork quarterback for a year, figure it out, and still put up good offensive numbers. We thought that that would be the case with Arthur Smith, and it simply Smith was sucks, not. Unfortunately, he sucks in hindsight, but not for sure, uh, I think that he is still a good play caller. He's just he got stubborn. Though. Stop with the personnel things. He got so yeah, stubborn. At a certain, you're right. At a certain point. You can't go Johnny Smith over Kyle Pitts all the time. Bijan you Robinson can't go forty-seven percent of running back carries. That is just irresponsible. It's irresponsible. Now I'm looking up Atlanta's pick for the idea that make sure that's right. They can, they will have the eighth overall pick. Make sure I'm right. Please fact check. It me. is the eighth overall. Okay. Pick. I see them being one of the teams that could potentially trade up and get the quarterback that they want. If Ben Johnson is the head coach, the issue is, now this becomes one of the more intriguing I mean, teams I've the offseason. I've seen mock drafts. Jane Daniels go as high as three. No, Jane Daniels is climbing. So if the top three goes quarterback, 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 you're shit out of I've seen some. I think the the one of the Broncos' uh, Twitter pages that I've seen in terms of their quarterback uh, rankings, they had Daniels and Penix over May. Strongly disagree. That's not going to happen. Maybe they're doing that for the fact of they're trying to ruin, uh, people per, change the perception on May's. May's two. May's two, in my opinion. May's a second overall pick. I agree. And that's why, if I'm Ben Johnson, would I rather go to the Falcons or the Commanders? Because with the Commanders, you're going to get Caleb or Drake May, one of those two. You have McLaurin, Harry. Curtis Samuel. Mm-hmm. I mean, you Jahan, have weapons. Please, Jahan please, Dotson. Thank you. I mean, that's a situation where you got the offensive infrastructure. You got, you're going to have the quarterback. I mean, that is a situation that I, I like for Ben Johnson, but Ben Johnson to the Falcons I like as well. So offensive line is due. I'm scared for, for the rookie quarterback coming in there. They're definitely going to be in hell in that situation. I think you make some sound sense with Washington versus Atlanta. I still think Atlanta has great offensive firepower. You could argue it's better than Washington's. I would take well, I would take Atlanta's. And also with the eighth pick, you can make some moves to to take a quarterback. Uh, you could probably stay at eight and get a quarterback too. You won't be getting the Jaden McDaniels, the Drake May, obviously Caleb. But we've seen it where teams can get aggressive, especially if you need a quarterback like this with Ben Johnson being there. If you were to take over, I wouldn't be surprised if they were overly aggressive and made a move to get a quarterback because then the foundation set for the future, at least for the next four years, where you have your young quarterback, whether it's a Jaden, whether it's a Drake, depending if they were to trade up. They're a state of eight, maybe Penix or J.J. McCarthy. But then you have Bijan, you, ha- you have Drake London, you have Kyle Pitts. Jonu Smith showed to be a positive this season. This is a team that's exciting. And if I'm Ben Johnson, definitely should be high on my list. With the Patriots, Gerard Mayles is the succession plan, so he will probably be the head coach. The Seattle Seahawks. This is a tough one. I think this is the Mike Vrabel destination. Okay. Not mad at that. I know they're looking at bringing in Dan Quinn. I just don't know why you do that, honestly. I, I'd rather Dave Canales than Dan Quinn, but Dan Quinn has a better resume. 
I would bring in Mike Vrabel here for for the Seahawks. Mm. I'm just thinking, where's where does Mike McDonald Mike McDonald fall in all of this? Mike McDonald definitely can be a coaching option I, here. I could see this. I could this. I could see that being a Seattle option. I like Vrabel here. Vrabel to Seattle makes some sense. Mm. Eric Bieniemy also is intriguing. I think Eric Bieniemy for Atlanta also made sense, which is what you could put Ben Johnson over there in Washington. I think Eric Bieniemy has removed himself from being a head coach. Why? Because what he did with Sam Howell was malpractice. He had him <laughs> dropping back as much as Mahomes and Josh Allen and, and all the great quarterbacks in the league. I'll say this. That also was hand-in-hand hand with Brian Robinson being injured. When Brian Robinson was on the field, it was, an, it was a very awesome offense to watch, or a fun but, offense, I'll say. But I, I just think, you know... Making a fifth-round pick quarterback drop back that much was insane. But I mean, it's also, insane. you kind of had to do that with the idea that the defense was giving up points out the ass. They did have the worst defense in the league. Uh, I just want to throw out, do we think Brian Flores is going to be in a conversation anywhere? I think he'll be in a conversation. I don't think he gets the job. You mentioned the Panthers. I actually think that's a spot for Mike McDonald for the reason oh, that Lord. the Panthers' defense the personnel. They got it. Oh, no, it's good. Nine. It's good. Yes, yes. Like yes. Mike McDonald can go to the Panthers and they could be a legitimate top 10 yeah. defense. The just, rush defense was bad. I want them season. to find out an offensive guy to Me figure too. out Bryce in this offense. God damn. I like the Bobby Slowick. I know we're on yeah. Seattle, but I like Bobby Slowick for the Panthers. Me too. I, I like, like Bobby Slowick for the Titans. I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, the enemy to the Titans also can make sense there too. I think that they need. An offensive-minded head coach. And I think the enemy to the Titans would make sense. So where does Bill Belichick go? To the Commanders? I think he genuinely he goes to the, to the Chargers. I think if Dallas or the Eagles become available, he goes there. Because I don't think Bill Belichick I is... I would rather that. I like. I understand the Chargers, but I don't think the Chargers are like... I guess if you get Belichick, you're in Super Bowl conversations, sure. I just think Dallas and, and Philly's closer. This is one of those coaching cycles that even if you have a coach that you're comfortable about you might fire him just because of how great the coaches are out there. That's what I said about A lot of great coaches available. Sal is gone. <laughs> yes. Sal is gone. That's what he's not gone yet. He's not going to get fired, no, but yeah. I, I put that in my group chat saying, like, you I, wish you were. I think Sal is a good coach, but God damn, bring me fucking Ben Johnson, bro. I know. Won't get Bill Belichick on. That's why I, I, I wouldn't stick with Robert Sal again he already with did this you dirty coaching he did. cycle. He did. Son of a bitch. Now, Predicting the NFL wild card, we're going to go roundtable, quick predictions. Predicting NFL Super Wild Card weekend, first game, Browns at Texans. It's going to be a very low-scoring game, but a fun one. I'm going to go with the Texans. I got the Browns, great defense, and Joe Flacco is going to show up. I'm going to go with the Texans. Next game up, Dolphins at Chiefs. Mine's telling me Kansas City, but fuck my mind. Screw that. We're going with the Dolphins, baby. I think the Chiefs win this game at home. I think the Chiefs win. They're going to be able to run the ball. They're going to get a lot of pressure on Tua, and that's going to mess up their offense. Crazy. I got the Chiefs winning this game. Next game up, Steelers at Bills. Uh, Going with the Bills, no question. Bills should win this game, but I think it's going to be ugly. I think the Bills should win pretty comfortably. Next game up, Packers at Cowboys. I think this is going to be a fun game, but the Cowboys should handle business. If they don't, some conversations are going to be had. The Dolphins have the most pressure this playoff cycle. Cowboys have the second most pressure. They got to get a win here. I think Jordan Love shows up. I think Jordan Love plays really well, but I think the Cowboys will end up winning this game. But I got the spread on the Packers. Plus seven and a half is looking juicy. I'm picking that. Take Aaron Jones more on rushing yards. Rams at Lions Sunday night football. Going to be a movie of a game. 
but I'm riding with the Ramley. I'm sorry to my Lions, guys. I do feel terrible about this. Probably the toughest game of the week, but Detroit playing its first home playoff game in 30 years. That Don't place go is narrative. Rocking. Don't go narrative. You know what happens when you go on narratives? What? Leads you astray. If anyone's going to tell you, it's me. I, t- I told you. I was like, you could look at stats both ways, but fuck it. Give me the home team. Respect. It feels like the emotional weight of this game will make the Lions win. Because it, it just feels like plot armor for this NFL season. They have certain plot armor. Dan Campbell's going crazy right now. But I do think the Rams are a better football team. I think they're going to get a lot of interior pressure on Jared Goff, which is going to throw them off. I got the Rams, and I got Stafford breaking the Lions fans' hearts. Eagles at Buccaneers, last game of the wild card weekend. One of the most insane fall-offs we've seen in recent memory. I'm going with the Buccaneers. The Eagles simply are just not... A good playoff team right now. This might be Nick Sirianni's last game coaching Philly. I See think the ya. Bucks win this game. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. I think Baker Mayfield plays well. That offense is going to click. The Eagles are just not good right now, and I don't know how you can trust them. And they're dealing with injuries. Give me the Buccaneers. And that's going to do it for episode 343 of the Pick Aside podcast. Making sure we don't got any more Super Chats. We have one more from Angel Botello. Are y'all ready for this Steelers super run? Steelers oh, fans are it coming It feels up like Steelers fans are, are really high on this team. Man. I have to share this before we go. The worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, shout out to our, our brother, Joey Stasi. <laughs> he said, what if the Steelers situation at quarterback of Kenny Pickett to Mason Rudolph is reminiscent of the Patriots with Drew Bledsoe and Tom Brady? <laughs> worst thing I've ever heard. Probably the worst text I've ever seen on my phone. Mason Rudolph. My dad goes, is he an idiot? <laughs> and our other Steelers fan said, uh, I hope you do crack. Try crack instead. That's the <laughs> only way this is reasonable. <laughs> so that's going to do it for this episode 343. You guys can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Pickaside Podcast. On Twitter at Pickaside Pod. Make sure to use code PAS for prize picks. Get a 100% deposit match up to $100 and our merch drop is coming soon in February. Yes, sir. We're going to have the date in, in a short while. So just stay tuned for that. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you guys next time.